know. Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Saturday night, everybody, February the 6th, year 2016, and who else on this station has their own theme song named for her? Me. Who else? Who me. else? Who else? Me. Who me, else? Me. 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 Pick me. Who? Even when I'm grouchy, that song makes me feel better. <laughs> Who else can look up trivia questions about the game that she won't watch tomorrow? Who else will will be happy to take phone calls about her offering of last night? My what last night? Your offering. <gasps> oh, that. Who else? Mm -hmm. Who Let's else? see how many lumps I take and how many high fives. Who else on this show? <laughs> <laughs> No, he said a hot dog and a beer cost more than twenty dollars <laughs> at Super Bowl. Actually, that's that is so way off based on the other information I have. Going to be closer to twenty-five. Here's, a hot dog and a beer. Here she is, everybody, the adorable one, 
the, the pride of Florida, the 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 new the new New Jerseyite of New Jersey. <laughs> she did doing better in the polls than Chris than Christie is, you know. And that's <laughs> <laughs> probably true. Oh, that poor man. And, oh, my and the lady that lived who 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 Make sure the academy was in good shape up there in West Point. Here she is, Patricia. Same well. <laughs> it is I, Hi, the I. mouth of the South. Hi, Hello. I. Hello. Happy you. Saturday, everybody. You think we're going to get any phone calls tonight? Mm-hmm. You think we're getting any yeah. phone calls tonight? Um, only if they're, they want to beat me up. You know, but in the meantime... You know, in the old days when we did a show way time ago, we had long stretches of no phone calls. You remember those days? Golly, gee whiz, we had, if we had three phone calls, we'd say, wow, that was really good. And then our family grew and grew and grew, and we're so happy you're out there. This is so much fun to know you're out there. That's right. Anyway, I need to make a couple of station announcements. Okay. You can call Patricia at 714-545-2071. That number can always reach Patricia on a Saturday night if I'm doing the show. If, if, That's if, correct, you know. because he's got the phone <laughs> and all the buttons. But you can email her 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at floridawriter at hotmail.com. Okay. Correct. A couple of nice station announcements I'd like to make. We're already, uh, you know, we're, we're making some gradual uh, changes as we go. But uh, I'd like to thank Steve over at Otunes. That's another mobile app. Uh, he updated Yesterday USA, both the red and the blue. So all our friends who have the the blind Victor screen reader can get Yesterday USA back on the system yesterday. So I know that made Marilyn happy. I know that's going to help Kurt, a lot of people. So I sent him a thank you note for doing that. So Steve, if you're listening, thank you for updating that. And eventually everybody will he'll update the mobile app. But, but at least for everybody who go to O-Tunes at O-O-T-U-N-E-S dot com, we are both in there, both red and blue. So I like to just point that out. So with the rest of the qu- question, trivia, game, and stuff like that there, here she is, Patricia. Say more. <laughs> it is I. <laughs> That's truly what that means. Say more. There you go. Make um, sure the phone works. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the only thing I have to announce is that <laughs> Heaven help us, Super Bowl tomorrow. I have so many goodies about Super Bowl, and I really tonight want an opportunity to tell all of them to you because you will be astounded at what you're going to do tomorrow. Mamma mia, I couldn't believe some of this stuff. Well, thank goodness somebody found the link. Before we answer the phone call here, you want to give you want to give a two three uh, ones out, get to warm up everybody's appetite. 
Oh, just just to warm up the gang? Yeah. Okay. I, you know how I am on food, right? Yes. Okay. Well, let's let's do food. Just a, a list of food first. Um, we've got a hot dog for eight dollars in the stadium. A slice of pizza. I had, I have no idea how big the slice is. They could cut it up in eighty-eight pieces for all I know. Yep. Slice of pizza, ten dollars. Garlic fries, ten dollars. Nachos. <laughs> Domestic beer, one glass. I'm assuming it's 12 ounces because that's pretty pretty common. 12 ounces of beer for $13. Premium draft beer, if you want to be a really big popper, is $15. A souvenir soft drink. Walden, I'm assuming, (laughs) tell me if I'm correct, a souvenir soft drink is worth $10 because it comes in a cup that's got Super Bowl 50 that's right. on the side and of it. And you can take the cup home, Patricia. That's great. doesn't fit in the dishwasher, <laughs> but it'll melt in the sun, but you get to take it home. Bottled water, $7. And a wine pour, whatever that is. I'm assuming just, you know, a little glass of wine. That's I guess, $12. or something. Sure. Yeah. So I thought you would like to know that. I, I like knowing that. Yes, and you never would have known it without me. No. I, I <laughs> and guess why do I have more? The game tomorrow is right there in Silicon Valley. So there's a lot of people with money. And they're saying the tickets right now on StubHub are going for 2600 So that's probably, you know, for there, that's no big deal. Yeah, I've got some ticket price stuff, too. And then I have a question for you. So, so, who's on the phone? Hello there, you're on air. <laughs> Very good. It's uh, 16 ounces for beer, by the way, at most stadiums. John told me that. I wouldn't have known otherwise. 16? <laughs> oh, well, in that case. <laughs> that makes all the difference <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Doug, how, many, how many ounces? Is it 12 ounces in a can of yeah. beer? Yeah, 12 in a can. But they usually sell the outsized uh, glasses, so mm-hmm. usually paper cups, and, you know, large ones, but they're not bottles. Yeah. And they're usually okay. 16. Okay, so that's less than a dollar an ounce. Yeah, I think you can buy it bigger than that if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to take you an hour and a half to get to concessions. <laughs> oh, this is painful. Okay, this is Larry. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Have you suffered slings and arrows from Friday night yeah. yet? No, no, you're the first caller. Oh, no, 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 but they've got your email. Oh, no, nobody sends an email. They're probably still steaming. Huh. Well, they're still... Not a single email. I think we talked to Ron and... And And Jim. Ron and Jim, and Ron's contention was, hey, you know, she's the one picking the shows, and it's her opinion. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be mine or anybody else's. Uh Uh-oh, I know what that means. Yeah, I know. That's a Richard Diamond comment. Yeah, it is. Well, you use it. Yeah. You use it now. Jim agrees with you, but it, about it's not the, the first show he, he felt was as strong as the other ones. But Jim, I don't think Jim's a big Freeberg fan, anyway, is he? I guess we're gonna find out. We could make up some great comments now, and then just wait for them to call in. That is true. Yeah, we could have some fun. That is true. Yeah. Well, we still might do that. Yeah, we can do that. 
whatever. He's we, enthusiastic. In, in case somebody missed it, and I'm sure 92% of our audience did, um, on Friday night we have an awful show presented by Patricia. However, Patricia gets to pick what is, in her estimation, a really awful show. So last night we played a Stan Freeberg show. Now, Stan Freeberg is one of, I don't know, what would you call him? The leader of the pack. I mean, he's the funniest or created. He's not with us any longer. Um, he created the funniest, funniest TV ads. And I'm assuming he hit radio ads. Well, he also had the Stan Freeberg show, which lasted for 15 episodes. And I picked episode number one as dreadful. Um, which is the equivalent of awful. But Stan Freeberg is one of the highest, what shall we call him, the guru. He, 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 I would call him, he's one of the more beloved comedians of, of the old-time radio hobby. Yes, if he were a bull, I'd call him a sacred bull. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't be a sacred cow, <clears throat> but for metaphorical purposes, I'll call him, he's a sacred cow of radio. And an extraordinarily creative man whose work I don't fully appreciate or who all of his work I, I don't necessarily appreciate. Um, but anyway, because he is so loved and so respected by so many people, Patricia not one of them, that um, we're expecting an avalanche of discussions about him. And I got no emails. We have no phone calls. We have Larry on the other end. So, Larry, what did you think of the show after you heard it? Uh, it, it was okay. I I, I, I enjoyed the um, the uh, incident in Las Ferocis at the end because I thought it was pretty clever. Uh, the rest of the show was okay. I've heard it so many times. Oh. We played it on the air, or oh, at least three times locally. And really? Yeah. We played the whole. Did season. anybody write to you? What's that? Did anyone write to you? No. Hmm. Nope. Nobody did. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think they all decided, you know, that to take it in this in the uh, the way it was meant, and it was a, a satire. So most of them just enjoyed it. They laughed, and they went on to the next show. Yeah. If I think if there had been fewer attempts at skits, it wouldn't have been as disturbing to me. But they tried to cram so much and so many different people and so many different little skits into a single half hour. It it made it like an antique attic. Well, I think what he was trying to do, that's the first show, so he's trying to gain attention. And well, I, he sure did. He would do that by doing as many different skits and, uh, as he could. Do you think partly, though, his writing style by 1957, he was thinking in terms of a record format? Maybe so. And so he was used to writing short three-minute sketches, and maybe that's what they decided to try with the first um, show, it, you know, that format. Maybe. But a lot of other people copied him. I mean, Saturday Night Live, they, they, they're they notorious for doing relatively short skits. They do a lot of them, the same thing. They do, they're in and out real quick. I don't think they are bam, bam, bam. No, they're not. They got However. commercials for that. And yeah. that's another thing. He was not he didn't have any commercials. He was never sponsored. So it might have been easier on you if you had heard 
uh, minute commercial sandwich at the beginning and one at the middle and maybe one at the end. Maybe. That, that's a possibility. Yeah. But there also might be a reason he never got a sponsor for it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was that <laughs> maybe good. there's a sponsor out there who agreed with me. Anyway, for anyone who heard that show, I would like to hear from you. And I'm prepared. Boy, did I take my lumps with Richard Diamond. But that's okay. I think I'm going to overlump with Stan Freeberg. We'll see what the gang has to say. And, you know, it really doesn't matter because whether they liked it or they hated it, you're still going to be back next week. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> look out, everybody. Yeah. You know, and then you can do something else to tick people off, and they have some talk yeah. about it with you, and you're still back it's, the week after. It's fun. It's fun to generate a little bit of excitement. Sure it is. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be boring if we did the same thing every week? It would be terrible. And Walden does that a lot. Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So what's new by you? Uh, Well, let me think. Not a lot. Mostly just work. (laughs) I just saw the weather. We're going to be in the 90s, Larry, this week. I didn't see that. I I saw it was 82 today. We're going to be Santa Ana winds and in the 90s. Oh, that's lovely. That's (laughs) Exactly what we want. Wowzers. Wow. We had rain, 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 rain today. Really? We had we had a total of thirteen inches in January alone. Our entire annual production is something around fifty inches. So <laughs> and this is our dry season. Channel seven on Facebook today sent up something that said attention scientists <laughs> who do prognosticate with regard to El Nino Nino should yeah. be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I mean have they have, have they screwed up? I mean Well I heard him try to defend himself this morning K and X and said, Well we were correct in the in the mountains. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> well, we had some very accurate predictions as that were based on El Nino telling us that we really have to get braced for a lot of rain this winter. So on our coast, we've got people who know what they're doing. And they probably don't listen just, to Stan Freeberg. Just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said, and they probably don't listen to Stan Freeberg. <laughs> they probably don't. <laughs> That's why they're rational. But I don't know oh what we're going to do here. I mean, I have no clue as to what's going to happen. But, you know, they we got all kinds of people saying, gear up, because the rain is coming. <laughs> it came, sort of, for a while. Not, but, I mean, it's gosh, it's going to be 90 degrees this week. Yeah, you know, that's that's right. I wonder if they factored in the Santa Anas. I don't know. Well, the Santa, they're coming. Santa Anas have been coming late. Yeah. Yeah. Or terribly early. Oh, that's pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and even even people who live like in San Diego, it's it's still warm even for them. And they're maybe ten degrees, fifteen degrees cooler than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're by the sea. Uh, we, we're not necessarily, but there it's even warm there. It's just bizarre the weather patterns that we're experiencing in California. And Northern California is getting beat on like a drum with regard to rain. Yeah, what they need. Yeah. And we're not, although we're going to get a lot of that because it's all going to flow down from Northern California into the lakes and rivers, et cetera. So we'll, I hope so. We'll water. I hope so. Yeah, it will. 
but we're not getting the actual rain at all. Not like we should have. And my brother is buried in Colorado. Oh, because of the blizzard? I talked to him the day before yesterday. Yeah. I said, how are you doing? He said, we're in a blizzard. (laughs) And that kind of weather is unusual for his particular area. has something to do with being in the foothills of something or other. And their annual snowfall is quite low by comparison to many other places in the Midwest. Hmm. (laughs) How many inches do you have? He's, oh, I don't know, maybe 18. Wow. And it's coming down. They couldn't even see the street. It was still coming down. So I have to touch base with them and make sure they're okay because things like that do interrupt services. Like I, 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 saw, I saw something very interesting this week in Nebraska. <clears throat> they shut down a couple hundred miles of freeways or highways because of the ice. Right. They shut it down. Yeah, wow. they didn't uh, allow truckers or anybody go on a couple hundred miles. Yeah, well, in Lincoln. My gosh. In Omaha, where I don't work there, but I work out of there through, right. you know, home. And they had, uh, I think it was, they said between 8 and 12 inches of snow. Wow. And uh, a friend of mine was in Denver this last couple of days, and she said it was just cold. Blizzardy. On the way to the airport, it was 30 degrees at mm. you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's just bizarre what people are going through. And we're not. Well, we are. It's the extreme, though. Yeah, well, we'll get a 45-mile-per-hour wind tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and 90 degrees this week. So it, it'll be just perfect once the weather for That'll us. look really good for the Super Bowl because all that, all the stuff will be blown out, <laughs> blow it all out. That's true. They're saying it's going to be 60 degrees up there in San Francisco. So Is that right? Yeah. So good way for them. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, hey. other than that, that's that's essentially it. You well, know? let me throw something here on the table. Uh, Before you do that? Yes. Uh, I didn't listen on the phones tonight, but I did listen on the computer, and we're still maybe six, seven seconds behind on the red, which is good. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way it should be. Um, and we were maybe two to two and a half minutes behind on the blue, but it looks like it's more like 30 to 40 seconds behind so now. So to tighten it up a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. So everything seems to be working pretty well. Go ahead. Did you guys see who turned 99 today? You know, yesterday, Larry and I and John were talking about three people that we know are turning 99 this year. But Olivia de Havilland. Uh, actually, she's turning 100. I thought she died. Who am I thinking of? No, she's with her. Uh, her sister. Her sister passed away. That's right. That's yeah, Olivia is turning 100 July 2nd. Wow. Good. But somebody who is well known for um, raising a ruckus with the police. O.J. Simpson's in jail. And I know. At all. I know. Uh, has it happened recently? It's no. 59? No. And I'm surprised she's still alive because, you know, she, she, it was, she had, you know, she was in such bad shape health-wise. Everybody I, I, was around the clock on her for several years. I can't think of anybody who's... Well, I'll give you, I'll give you the back. Remember the, remember the movie actress who flapped a cop in the face for a, tra- for a traffic violation? No. You're kidding. No. Yep. That about tw- 15 years, you can look. Josh Jabor had turned 99 today. Wow. Oh. 
I knew she was still alive, but I didn't know she was 99. Yeah. I didn't think she was still with us. Well, Zsa I'm very sorry. You know, but she has been, she was very, very ill. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know she was going to make the way they were sort of on a work. It, it, it's amazing she pulled through all these years. You remember that was about seven, eight years ago. Did she marry yeah. the cop after she hit him in the face? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder, yeah. Well. Wow. <laughs> But Josh, I turned 99 today. My, you know, there's a name that people 30 years ago would, you know, 30 years younger. Right. They'd remember her, but her name has been out of the limelight so long. If you asked a 20-year-old, do you know who Josh Gabor is? They would say, who? <laughs> right. No clue. No clue. But if you took the flip side, everybody... You asked him, to, have you watched Green Acres lately? That was her sister. That's her sister. Yeah. They might recognize the name from the screen. But if you remember the, the time when she flapped the cop and the Beverly Hills cop and all that, she we getting a lot of press about that guy be close to 20 years Yeah, I now. do remember that vaguely. Yeah. So she'd have been 79 then. Right. Wow. So do I need to look up the circumstances here? I think with a traffic violation, like if I remember. like to be a librarian right. in your next life. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. I have a memory that it's J A J A. I could be wrong. Or is it S J A? Z S A Z S A. I'm very sorry, Shasha. It was not even close. I had two Z's and two A's in there. You didn't hear Walden chime in. You could have stumped him with that one. I was thought it was a J. Jaja. Yeah, Jaja. A guy from New York would have called it Jaja. Jaja. Jaja Or Or Zay Zay. Yeah, Zay Zay. Maybe Zay Zay. I can't uh, actually, believe it. The Willie Mays. Oh, my gosh, they threw her in jail. Hold on. They threw her in jail? It says convicted wow. of slapping an officer. I, maybe it was just a fine. Let's see. I don't think so. Um, Oh, in an open container of alcohol. That might explain yeah, a few sure. things. Yeah. <laughs> Fair trial was handed over on Friday, convicting her of slapping a police officer, driving without a license, uh, and possessing an open container of alcohol, a flask of Jack Daniels, in her $215,000 Rolls Royce. But the tempestuous Hungarian was acquitted of disobeying Beverly Hills police officer when she drove away from a traffic stop on June 14th. This was 1989. So how many years is that? My goodness. 27 years, years. 27 years ago. And well, no, 26, actually. 89, yeah. Um, okay. Jurors found that action, which led to a pursuit. Oh, they have Bronco. for nothing more than a miscommunication. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, she gasped when the guilty verdict was read, but seemed to show no other reaction until she exited the courtroom, smiling once with her husband, Prince Fed Frederick of Germany, whatever, who's at von Anhalt of Germany. Outside, she faced a bumping and shoving crowd of two dozen TV news and camera, TV news cameras, and more than 50 members of an international press corps. Can you imagine this? 
disappointed. I can't believe it, Gabor said moments after before the premises were cleared because of a bomb threat. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. It's a circus. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a media circus. Just a circus overall. Oh, my wow. gosh. This this is, if I go to jail, Bistro Gardens, which was a restaurant, said they would serve me food three times a day. <laughs> Expect jail time. Let's see. She was convinced. All right. Did she get any jail time? Let's see if there's a... I don't think so. Um, all right. Let's see. Jail time. Uh, police incident jail time. This is fun. They could have called her jail time Jaja. <laughs> hey, I get bored. Hello, darling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bored, darling. I don't Walden. 72 hours in jail. Now I recall. Oh, big deal. <laughs> yeah. 72 hours in jail. Can you imagine slapping a cop, driving without a license, having an open container in the car, and what was the third thing? There was, a, there was something else. Drive it away. There was something else, and she got 72 hours. And 120 hours of community service at a homeless shelter. Can you I imagine? how we made out there. Yeah. She drove up in her 200, <laughs> this is me. Not in the in the article, two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar Rolls Royce, serving the homeless in a homeless shelter. Just another day at paradise. <laughs> well, sweetie, what did you do today? I slapped an officer. I slapped an officer. Yes, and do you know what? He got mad. <laughs> yeah, good thing oh, I was here. Oh, dear me. Okay, was. so I've got one black mark from John and one gray mark from you for my Stan Freeberg. I wonder how many others have a different color. We shall. Well, they're not going to tell you, especially blind people, what color to put down. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so you're going to have to. They, you're gonna have to well, then you know the difference between a black mark and a white mark, right? Yeah. But I, I, a black I, mark is bad. Yeah. yeah. Gray mark is in between. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, but if they tell you how they feel, you can you can you know. I I can assign this. Graduated <laughs> from college, you know how to do that. I, I'll be the I'll be the assigner. Is it as assigner and assignee? I don't know. Anyway, I will assign spots oh, okay. based on the feedback, and this is with the hope that there were actually some people listening. Yeah, well, there probably were. Maybe the silent majority. You never know. Yeah, look, a lot of people found us. I mean, not too many people. A few people called last night, but a lot of people are finding us and more and more finding us throughout the day. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, because it is, it is pointless to let the listeners know that there are different ways to get to us, and one of them is via the website. Down in the lower right corner is a box that has clearly labeled links that will get you to us. But if you're here, you don't need to know that. Yeah, I think more eventually more and more people are going to find us on their phones. Yeah, and I that think... That will be the way to listen. Yeah, and going going to the website is um, will probably be a pretty common thing. Yeah. And they will find us there. This is good. Yeah, you know, it might be tougher to find new listeners. I think the new listeners that we'll get will probably be through the mobile apps. Yeah. You know, because we're not probably necessarily 
a broadcast community like we were at Life 365. Right. Yeah. That is so sad that they went down. Yeah. Yeah. And so fast. Yeah. And of course, it, it related to the decisions on how much money broadcasters were going to pay mm-hmm. depending on the music that they played. So, so and that what was, happens with O2? That was expected. And that was something. Yeah, and, and I don't know. It's just such a screwy system. But anyway. We still don't know. All right. You're, you're down with a gray mark. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. You were saying, Lori, about an O-Tune? I said we have O-Tunes and TuneIn, right. two of the larger phone distributors of, uh, of signals and phone apps. A lot of people. And, and iTunes, by the way, is, is coming on board, too, from what I understand. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happened to the Apple decision. It's, it's almost interesting that they made this, this decision about their music format about the same time. Mm-hmm. Life 365 shut down. It's very interesting that, that is. all happened within a few days of each other. Yep. So we'll see. And a lot of people aren't talking. Collusion. Collusion. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what she had in her container. Could be. Oh, no. Okay. That's, that's Kahlua. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going so that, you know, other people can call in and talk about stuff. Favorite. You wanna, wait a minute, wait a minute. Give Larry a, triv- give Larry a, a Super Bowl trivia question that you dug up, Patricia. Oh, oh, okay. Let me see. Let me see here. Hold on. Are you going to root for um, Denver tomorrow, Larry? Have you no, just... I, I, I think, I think Cal- uh, Carolina's going to beat him. Okay. But we'll see. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a close game. Now, All right. You cannot play this back tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Now, you already know about the chicken wings. How did you know I know about the chicken wings? billion chicken wings, and that translates to 650 million chickens surrendering their arms. Um, How many Americans who... What? Handicapped chicken. If there was a handicapped chicken, he may not have surrendered his arm. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Oh, dear me. What a work (laughs) thing to say. Okay, how, what is the percent of Americans who eat chicken wings who say they like to dip their wings in ranch dressing? I would say 86%. Really? Do you eat chicken wings? Not often. Walden? Once in a while. It's, I like them, but we don't see them here too often. Mm, I, I really like chicken wings. Um, 50% say they like to dip their wings in ranch dressing. Really? That all, and that's, is according that all? To the, that's according to the National Chicken Council. So I'm going to believe them, but a different site, which is also, I think it was Huffington Post, which is pretty reputable with their figures, said 50% blue cheese. See, I thought it would have been higher just because people like to dip into things. Gee, uh, what, yeah. I, I thought barbecue, like a uh, hot sauce, would be. Would, I would, thought a, some form of a barbecue sauce. Yeah, hot wings. Buffalo wings are. But the, a, lot, a lot of the buffalo wings, the last time I've eaten them, there, there's some that they go with. They've already seen the bacon already in spicy sauces already. So maybe hot sauce are sort of down on the list now. I don't maybe know. Maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Interesting. One more. Yes. 
how many pounds of popcorn, this is unpopped popcorn, these are the kernels, how many pounds of popcorn will be popped and consumed while watching the game? This is from the calorie control council. I guess. I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see that when I when I pulled down the number. How how many pounds of popcorn? Kernels. Ah uh, man, what do you think, Walden? Okay, are we talking like the seed? Yes. Okay. It's not been popped yet. Not been popped yet. This is the United States only, right? Again, please. United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 50 million pounds. 50 million? Uh-huh. Let me give you the rest of the story. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's that much. I mean, I, I have a microwave bag. You know how, how big a bag yeah. pops up yeah. in the microwave? Yeah. It has 2.75 ounces. Right. And that includes the oil. So I'm only giving them 2.5 ounces ounces of kernels that pop up in a microwave bag. We're talking ounces compared to pounds. So 50 million, I, I think... You think I'm a little I th- high? I think, I think a you're lot. a little high. Yeah, You've I always think, been a lot high. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, 3.8 if, if, if million pounds. That's still a lot of pop. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, Patricia, this is what I want to know. After you pop the 3.8 pa- million pounds, or 3.8 million pounds, mm-hmm. how many houses would that fill? Well, I don't know. You get 24,320,000 bags of popcorn, and each bag of popcorn, how they ever came up with this, is labeled as two servings. Of course, you know, you open a, a can of sardines and you get two sardines it's a serving but 16 ounces to a pound converts to 24 million 320 thousand bags of popcorn and if you believe the side uh, on the label it's actually a little bit more than two servings but i'll give them two servings that comes out to 48 million 640 thousand servings of popcorn this is a guy thing, see, you know? See, I was thinking in my head there would be 100 million people eating them all. But they're not all going to eat popcorn. No, that's why I was thinking maybe a half. So that's why I was thinking 50 million. Yeah, we're, but we're talking about the little tiny kernels. Oh, the ounce? Two ounces yeah. of kernels or two and a half ounces of kernels pops into one of the big microwave bags. That's still an incredible amount of popcorn. <laughs> Three, I know. Okay. And Wait till we get and, to the rest and, of the and, stuff. And, and you know they're eating more than that. Well, yeah. Um, 139 million pounds of avocados. Now, I don't like avocados. I so. do, sometimes. How much ice cream tomorrow? Well, I, didn't, I don't have ice cream. Really? But the avocados, most of the avocados, of course, are going into guacamole. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, of course, John went shopping today, and, and we have a freezer that we just went to Costco, so it's loaded. So he says, oh, and I had a little bit of ice cream left. And so he says, oh, by the way, I brought two half gallons, or two, yeah, two half gallons, because it was two for five bucks. I said, where the hell am I going to put it? <laughs> what, uh, what two, flavor? You got two for one for what? For five. Five bucks. Well, 
I, I missed that again. I stepped right on you. He got for for five dollars. He got two half gallons of ice cream. Of ice cream, okay. So I right, well, that works. Well, my, my question is, are they really half gallons? You know, now every day is smaller than a half gallon, possibly. And we still say I need to pick up a pound of coffee, I, and some of them are down to eleven ounces. I did not feel the need to measure it. <laughs> well, what flavor okay. was it? What, well, what? one one of, one of the flavor I wanted was um, um, butter pecan. You're on a butter well, pecan good. run. Okay, good. He got chocolate chip. So how did you? Uh, got, I had to taste them both to find out which flavor was which. <laughs> And make room. And I did you make eat half of each one so, so you could put them together in the same container. He's going to be how much is left over. So, so um, <laughs> how did you guys decide who is who? Are you going to put Braille on the, on the, on the ice cream no, container? No, I, I put the butter pecan back where the old one was because it is now a thing of the past. You put a mousetrap on there, don't touch or something? Oh, yeah, th- there's going to be a voice that says, Please do not touch the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're over the top here. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I think we're over the top. Oh, we've been over the top for a long time. <laughs> you heard us last night talking about Michael Beal, the chipmunk. Yes, you should have heard. If you, you, if you haven't heard about last, about last Sunday's show, Patricia. <laughs> yeah. Um, Michael Beal, there was a question if that really was Michael Beal or Mickey Mouse. Somehow, Skype changed his voice so that it was up about, oh, at least five or six octaves. Oh we don't know how. And so he started talking, and, and all you hear is... And so well, we, we didn't when, know what he was saying. When I first started, I, I listened to... Oh, no, that was Friday night. Friday night, I listened, and when you were talking with Frank, I, I don't know what the noise was. It... I'm, I'm hopeful that it wasn't his breathing that I was hearing it, it was. as um, a scratch, just, pop, he, he, scratch, pop type thing. Yeah, he was breathing he, with his mouth open, I think. It was. was okay. Fine. All right. So that's that's what it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Larry. We we got to let other people yes, we do. get in here and put me on par with Yeah, but, but, one, but one thing. I want, you, I want Larry to mimic Michael's laugh. Uh, I, well, I couldn't understand Michael, but when we said something funny, <laughs> we heard him laugh in the chipmunk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's tough to do. I'm right. sorry, that was me. That was you. Wait, do you have a fire in a fire alarm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I dropped my phone and the the cord dislodged just enough to make that horrible. Well, that was actually, I'm very sorry. Cool. Do, do it again for those who missed it. Yeah. <laughs> did. She, she did. I didn't think she would or could. I did. I, I know how to do things. Okay, now, now, Larry, go ahead and give, give the emergency broadcasting a statement that they always do. This is... This is only a word. This is a this is a, this is only a test. You are listening to emergency broadcast alert. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune and where to eat chicken wings at any. <laughs> Never mind, it doesn't make any difference. Now back to Stan Freeberg. I have to click something on my remote in order to get out of that mode. Oh, you do. 
I do. Huh. Which really stinks. Because it's just one of the little buttons. And I have to turn on a light if I'm in the dark. I cannot figure out which button it is. Yeah, now you know what I go through after the ladies' call. I know. You know, I was just going to say, there are some things that you guys have a really big advantage. Wait a minute. No, no, no. When the ladies clean and they touch my remote on my TV, it's time. So what I wind up doing the the last two times is I hide the remote so they can't. (laughs) Because then it takes me an hour to turn the damn TV back on. Have they messed with your shower head lately? No, not in about three months. They, for some reason, whoever it was, was cleaning the shower and, and the head, and they just kept it turned towards the door. Well, I didn't know that. I'm just used to turning the water on. So I turned the water on and get hit in the face with this big spray of water. I, I was not happy. And it was 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, 5.30, yeah. So, you well, know. it's the right time. Got your, got your body moving. Yeah, it got me moving all right. You say bad words, don't you? No. No? No. Never? I, I won't say never, but I would say rarely. Why aren't you a good rabbit? Rarely. I just decided to stop doing that quite a while ago. Good for you. Now, sometimes they slip out when something happens and I can't catch them quickly enough. But yes. They get rarely happen. They get fall out they- and you haven't caught them in time. They just fall out, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but I make okay. Stan Freeberg is up. Okay. So anyway, let me get out of here and let you chat with whomever. <laughs> Maybe you're going to be with our only call. Whomever I have been protected from. Uh, yeah. From whom I have been protected. Well, Walden, I will be your only caller yeah. if I keep. That's on. true. But maybe it'll be back like the old days when Patricia and I had calls. She she did paces of. Tr- her 30 paces were done in one night, rather than carrying over six months now. My goodness, I've been on almost 50 minutes. Well, that's good. I've been on longer than that when I've, you know, when it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> but but not when I have just been calling in to say, hey, I'll be on for a short time, and you guys kept me for 50 minutes. <laughs> I did that, yes. Yes, we did. We're guilty. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. All right. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going now. Give us a call later. I'll be asleep later. Okay. Call us in your sleep. Nobody Don't knows. call us then. Okay, I'll, I'll call you when I'm asleep. Yeah, that's fine. Call us in your sleep. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> Good night. Someone four five four five two zero seven one. Here after, please give us a call. Patricia and I love hearing from the people. Back. I, I want to know from you. Mm-hmm. The percentage of people who call in sick on the Monday after Super Bowl, after all this food, I wonder why. I think it's like 17%. 6%. I thought it would have been higher as well, except, well, I don't know about now. The the women are, the female side is starting to take in more sports, so there are more women. But I, I think, I think guys, I would have thought, it would have tipped a little bit further over there. Yeah. points Yeah. I think, to be honest with you, the Super Bowl became a much bigger deal when people view it as a party. Mm-hmm. I think in the last Excellent. 30 years or so. You're right. It's like yeah. a New Year's Eve party. Right. 
I don't... It's the February doldrums that are being relieved. Absolutely. Do you remember from last week how many pounds of nuts are going to... I can't believe these combinations. Popcorn, nuts, pretzels. How, how many nuts? How many pounds of nuts? For, for tomorrow, you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, five million. I gave this to you last week. Five million pounds. Not too far off. 2.5 million oh, pounds of double. nuts. How about pretzels? This is a new one for me this year. Uh, 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 100,000 100, pounds. That's pretty lightweight. Four million. <laughs> Can you, four million pounds of pretzels. Now, it depends. Are they the hard pretzels or are they the soft pretzels? I don't, I'm, if I were buying for Super Bowl, I would buy the little... You know, the, the, the heart-type shape heart, ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the little ones. The little I, one. But it doesn't make any difference what size they are. Four million pounds. Hello there, caller. What are you having tomorrow? Hello, the sports talk. <laughs> Two, Hello? What, what, are you having for, what are you having to celebrate the, the game tomorrow? I'm not celebrating. I don't celebrate the Super Bowl. I'll be at work. Well, nobody's gonna be a, nobody's gonna be there tomorrow, so they should just let you quote the office. <laughs> yes, that'll fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not, Dan? I mean, I mean, if nobody shows up in the library for two hours, well, don't they give you guys the ability to shut everything down? No, only if we check out all the books. Have you guys ever done that? Uh, not, not, no, no, we've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> you really got him upset there, Walden, not, not, no, no. Yeah, I know, I got him a couple of stutters there, that was pretty good. I know, I know, no, you for, did very well. For, for a show that's not supposed to be about sports, you sure are sports heavy tonight. I know, this is my confession, every year I go overboard <laughs> for Super Bowl, because it is such a popular day. Well, we're it not... also blows my mind what you guys eat. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, see, we're not talking about who's winning the game. It, P Patricia's interested in the, uh, in, in the, the food. Uh, yeah, I forgot food. to look up information about the team. And in between this, I think I saw that Levi's Stadium, mm -hmm. which is where they're going to be playing, has only 60,000 seats. Is that possible? Yeah. What the heck? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Well. I mean, gee whiz. All right, Dan, if you were not working, would you be watching Super Bowl? I don't know. I've always worked during the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did my homework, and I looked up tobacco information. Did you really? I I did my homework, yes. You did, the, you did. I did so, I did so. The Federal Tobacco Quotas Program, which means yeah. they told people how much they could plant and how much they couldn't, yes. extended from 1938 to 2004. Okay, yes. That, that's a lot of regulations. They regulated right. tobacco. Uh, do we still have and tobacco subsidies? Uh, well, I'm, no. I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have. What year um, was it? 1930. 38 to 204. 
Uh-huh. Price supports and quotas no longer exist. Um, over the number of years, worked on legislation to end the federal tobacco program. Apparently, they weren't successful until 2004. Well, they bought the tobacco buyout. They had the tobacco buyout then. They bought your poundage. That's right, and they paid $3 a pound. See, I really mm-hmm. did look, at the, look this stuff up. So at the end of the allotment and the end of quotas and the end of price controls and all sorts of things like that, the farmers were just free to grow whatever they wanted, however much they wanted, and go to market and get however much they could was substantially less than the $3 a pound that the government paid for. However, I have a question. This is a series. Oh, wait a minute. Tobacco states. Which are the, let's see there, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven states that are considered top producers of tobacco. Dan, this is your farm territory because you're our, our farm expert here. Name five of the seven states. Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, I'd say Alabama, and Mississippi. That's six. What's number seven? Georgia. You got five out of the seven. Hey. Wow. It's North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Uh Pennsylvania. That just blew my mind. I'm a little surprised by that. That's a little far north, but I think it's a little far fetched too, because everything on the internet is true. I'm, I'm, I'm writing it down here, but that's the information that I picked up. Pennsylvania is the seventh top producer. It could be because of the Amish up there, but it would be pushed. Amish growing tobacco. Oh yes. Oh my goodness. Uh huh. Do they yep. use it? Huh? I know there are there are so many religions that prohibit alcohol. They prohibit tobacco. There there are some things that are just off their charts. And I would have thought that would be one for the Amish communities. But the Amish are very uh, much capitalist, so they would probably raise it and sell it. Since you know, especially back you know yeah. in the day. Um, you well, know, that tobacco was a very good cash crop. Sure, was, sure. Was they have sold. to survive. Everybody does. And yeah, it tobacco yeah, farming hard. is a major, major activity. Is tobacco hard on the soil? Does it tear up uh, the ground? No, it you. It doesn't. It it it's tobacco is high in potash. And ah, okay. We would put a ton of fertilized and 500 pounds of nitrogen on our uh, farm, on our uh, land per acre. So you know you're, you know, um, you're. We we didn't deplete our ground like some people. Mm-hmm. You know, we we. So you didn't have to rotate we, your crop. You could plant well, tobacco you in the same place crop. every you, year. We and not, we had. Not we we had leaves that were thirty nine inches long by the fourth of July. And what is the average by the time you harvest? 
Oh, they wouldn't get much bigger than that, but uh, they would time. they would get wider. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when what, does the tobacco harvest typically take place? Usually the end of August. Um, you know, um, the end of August, first of September. And then you get four to thing. eight weeks of drying. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in a few weeks. I think See, one, I really did read this stuff. I'm sorry, Walden. In a couple of weeks, you know, probably in about three weeks or so, where we kick John Larry and I kick around doing our Spurvac present, our Spurvac show, it's running mm-hmm. time on LHB rigs with a guess. I think that's oh, how fun. Yeah, and he'll talk about the, the auctioneering business, how he got started and mm-hmm. all that. I think people will find that very interesting and very informative how it was in North Carolina. Back in the I wish, I wish we had an opportunity to ask him. Now that I'm learning all about tobacco here, if we had an opportunity to ask him why they chose American Tobacco Company at the end, sold American, why not um, Liggett and Myers? Why not? You know, there there were so many different tobacco companies. But he worked for uh, uh, American Tobacco. He did work for American Tobacco? That's who hired him, George Washington Hill. So, oh, but the American Tobacco probably produced Lucky Strike, huh? Correct. Got it. Okay. I, oh, this is good. I answered my own question. <laughs> um, okay. So, well, that's... Then, then, well, I was asking, then what crop is really hard on the soil? Is cotton hard on the soil? Do you know what... You know what really beats up? Shouldn't be I've never, I've never, I've never grown cotton. I mean, you know, cotton just hasn't grown this far north. I've heard it is. Okay. Um, there are certain crops. Uh, you've heard of alfalfa, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's a, basically a hay crop. Right. When when my parents bought the farm, uh, they had a great stand of alfalfa on the. Uh, on the farm. Dad went in and he plowed under the alfalfa and he planted corn. The next, after the corn grew and when he was picking it, we had a one row Oliver corn picker. This was in the late 60s. The ears of corn were so long they were getting stuck in the elevator of the corn picker. He had to carry a crowbar to bust some of these corn ears oh in half for him to go up the um, corn um, elevator. You know, to put them back into the uh, into the corn bed. So you know, there are certain crops that you can put grow and then you know, like plow them under to really re. Um, to really reestablish your soil content. Yes. Uh Well, I've got a list in front of me that is from the statewide integrated pest management program, University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources, Uh which they have shortened to UC IPM. Bless their hearts. Okay. Pest resistant. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. minute. Patricia, you need to say that better. What? Bless their little heart. Yeah, you know, give me a little... Oh, bless their little heart. Okay, good. Mine isn't broken anymore, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> the rest of the body is broken, but the heart is great. Okay, pest-resistant crops. 
uh, suppression of various cotton pests, whatever that is. Okay, cereal, the, the stuff you grow for cereal, like alfalfa and beans, they add wheat. nitrogen. Hmm? And wheat. Don't forget wheat. Okay, well, I'm just, wheat is a legume. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I thought you just said cereals. Oh, oh, gosh, I'm we so would sorry. not be a legume. Yeah. Cereals have fibrous root. So I got them mixed up. I was reading two lines at the same time. Duh. Cereals have fibrous root systems that loosen compacted soil. Uh, legumes such as alfalfa and beans add nitrogen. Grain corn adds organic matter to the soil. I do not know why they would just simply say that unless they're talking about what is plowed under after the harvest. Uh, and vegetable crops, whatever they are, contribute high fertilizer carryover. So that must be if they plow under. Um, anyhow, <laughs> that's what I found. It doesn't, let's see if I can find something on rotation. Let's see. Corn and cotton rotation. Let's see here. This looks official. Um, grower experience with cotton rotation. Corn is the We're talking. <laughs> we, we are under the heading of grower experience with corn in the cotton rotation. There we go. Corn is the major option to grow in rotation with cotton. Why? The print is so tiny, I didn't want to look at it. But anyway, yeah, I didn't think cotton had to be rotated, but indeed, I guess everything at one time or another has to have a different home for a while, yes? That's why I thought I heard that cotton was so hard in the soil, that's why they had to, you know, change it out. They they couldn't sit there and plant cotton. Yeah, well, corn gets rotated, I know that. Yeah. Dan, what else gets rotated? Well, it's wise to rotate your crops in the field just so, you know, if you would get disease, you're not putting your crops back in, you know, the diseased soil. And that's mm -hmm. even true with your gardens. You don't want to keep raising, you know, say, potatoes in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and, you know, potatoes, it seems like potato bugs, as soon as you plant the potatoes, the bugs are crawling out of the dirt, eating the leaves of the uh, the vines of the potatoes, so, you know, if you kind of move things around a little bit, it kind of prevents that from happening. Does the destruction to the leaves affect the crop, the potatoes themselves? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, the leaves are what put the uh, the nutrients back into the potatoes, you know. It, yeah. And, you know, yeah. you have to have sunlight to... Mm-hmm, and that's indeed what I thought. People around here... <laughs> to what one of our ag agents used to call lollipopping the trees. They'll they'll make nice mounds out of beautiful trees that are supposed to be nice long limbs like oak trees and they'll they'll just cut them into a big ball and you know, they're stuck into the ground and he used to call it lollipopping the trees. And of course it damages the trees because that's where the nutrients come from. So See, I even knew a little bit about that. Am I going to get my farmer's badge soon? You might get your farmer's Girl Scout badge. I'm not sure, you know, just... <laughs> I, have a li I have a reference librarian question here. Yes, how may I help you? 
I remember seeing a re- re- reading when Harry Truman was a farmer. Uh, at night, he would study, you know, to try to be a better farmer, you know, what to grow. Uh-huh. Were there publications or different things that farmers bought to try to keep them abreast of, of crop and diseases and, you know, new planting techniques in the 30s well, the, and 40s? The U.S. government was a great um, printer of farm manuals. And, uh, you know, a lot of the schools would put out farm booklets, you know. I mentioned last time, you know, the U.S., um, um, you know, the farm, uh, you know, the farm agents. uh, The ASCS? The ASCS office. uh, You know, Mm -hmm. each county pretty much has an ASCS office. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, basically the government, um, you know, uh, office in each uh, county you know, you can go down there and get booklets on different crops. If you ever watch Green Acres, you would see Oliver, you know, um, reading, you know, manuals that were provided by Mr. Kimball. You know, even though that was a comedy, it had a grain of truth yeah. in it. You yeah. know, so. Well, Oliver so, started out as a dumb city lawyer, so anything he read was new information. It but was from, new information. Mr. Kimball? Uh, and, you know, here in the Midwest, you know, you, the University of Kentucky uh, did a lot of farm research, still does. Uh, mm-hmm. New University does a lot of farm research. And I'm sure, you know, out west, you know, like I'm sure uh, Texas A&M and probably Oklahoma uh, yeah. University, I'm sure they do the same thing. I'm just not as familiar with them, you okay. know, out there. So my next I question. Once here. Where did the farm almanac come from, and who bought the farm almanacs? Who bought the farm? I'm not sure. No, farmer's <laughs> um, almanac. The, the, farmer, the farmer's almanac. The farmer's Jeez, almanac is a private company that's been producing that for since the 1850s, I believe. So was that, yeah, that, that good for farmers originally or not? Uh it has some merit to it. I mean, the uh, especially the forecast. Uh, the I, I always forget one. There's the old farmer's almanac, and then there's just the farmer's almanac. Uh, you oh. know, those two get confusing. Uh, you know, there's some confusion between the two. I believe it's the old farmer's almanac that has like an eighty percent accuracy on their farm on their far, forecast. You know, for the year, you know, if you look it up, there's an 80 percent chance that the uh, the forecast will be true for your area. Okay, so which one should I look up first? Never the mind. Old farmer's almanac. Whether see, I would try that and see what you get. Now, it, look at this. We've got an old farmer's almanac in 2016. Wow. So what I should look With up the- then is just farmer's almanac. Well, the old Farmer's Almanac and the Farmer's Almanac are still printed. They're still published. Right. So oh, both published. of them are still printed. One so, did not replace the other. No, no. Okay. They're, they're two current um, publications, and they're by private companies, but both have forecasts telling you, like, for – they'll be, like, for a three- or four-day period each month. They'll say from the first to the third, you'll have sunny – conditions, you know, mild temperatures, and then it mm-hmm. say, you know, the 4th through the 7th, it will be cooler with rain. 
You've never seen these before? Um, I've seen a copy of the Farmer's Almanac, but I don't know whether it was the old Farmer's Almanac or just the plain. And I know they're up on the Internet. I just didn't I didn't pay attention do, close enough. Do, do they cover the pretty much the same enough. topics? I'm sorry, Walden, what do, did you say? Dan, do they cover almost the same topics? They're very similar, yes. Uh-huh. The, hmm. the Farmer's Almanac uh-huh. that has maybe some more modern, you know, related stories. I think the Old Farmer's Almanac sticks with, uh, you know, more um, gardening yeah. and farming tips. Well, it's the Old Farmer's Almanac readers who claim, and this is, this is the key word, they claim that the forecasts are 80 to 85% accurate. And this is from the Old Farmer's Almanac. Yeah, uh, and there's a caveat next to it that says this is a claim, not an absolute accuracy. So uh-huh. I do not know. Let's see. Followers claim. So these are this is feedback that they get from their readers. I believe you know, their readers more than I believe polls. It to me, it seems like that is very. I've heard that, and I've read and followed the forecast the weather forecast in the Old mm-hmm. Farmer's Almanac, and it does seem to be true. My goodness, 1818. So where it was first published? That's what it says, since wow. 1818. The so Farmer's, almost the farmer's Almanac has been published annually. Here's what, here's what you should do. You should go out, buy one, and see if it's true for your little uh, corner of the world down there. Well, my goodness, We'll put them to the test. My goodness, Homer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a 200th birthday, we should have them on the show. I think you should. Yeah. Who? What? Well, we should have them. Yeah. yeah, when they turn 200 here in two years. Well, my so you goodness. Could, you, you, you could start 18, out and, 18. and have them, you know, for the 198. Well, I think we should have the Saturday evening post. They're about as old as that, aren't they? I don't know if they're that old, but I'm sure they're getting there. I'm not going I, to do that kind of homework. I will do one at a time. <laughs> I, I think you would get a lot of enjoyment uh, interviewing something, someone from the Old Farmer's Almanac. Okay, do we need the Farmer's Almanac? It says, let me see, this is the Farmer's Almanac. I'd go with Farmer's, farmer's. Almanac, and let me see when the... When the old farmer's almanac began. I think uh, you would get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Wait for me. <gasps> the old farmer's almanac was first published in 1792. Wow. Which is not terribly far from 1818, but when you say 17. My goodness. Been around a while, hasn't it? 1792. Well, they're on our list. Should we have both of them on at the same time and let them do it out? Yeah, I think we should say who better. We'll have both of them on. Yeah, we'll we'll just let them duke it out. That's right. That wouldn't be fun. (laughs) I mean, you you invite a guest. And it's just nice to let them talk yeah, about their individual okay. products. But 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 when we have the Trishuo people on, 
how we're going to handle that. <laughs> when we had the Tootsie Roll people, what? <laughs> what are when, we going to do? When we have them on, are we going to tell them about our little debate? Well, of course, that's why they're going to be on. <laughs> hey, Walden, can you get to your email account? Uh, after the show, I can. Not right at the moment. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I sent you an email. Uh, I sent you an email with a video that I'd like you to play at some point, ah. especially the first minute. Okay. Then... It's highly on topic at this point. Okay. Highly on topic. Did you not yeah. send me a copy? I sent you a copy, but I don't think you can play it, so it will be able to be heard on the radio. You should send it to you should send it to John and Larry, and we can always bring them on and do it that way too. Yeah. Well, I uh, I sent you a copy of Jaja Gabor's exercise video. <laughs> <laughs> the title is called "It's Simple, Darling." And if you play the first minute, I think it will explain why she is still living at 99 years oh, old. Oh, that will be good. That will be yeah. good. So, I like Elaine did the same thing, but eventually we all got to go. Absolutely. But well, wasn't he, he, was, he 90, was he 100 when he died? 100 about, 90, about 92. Was he only 92? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? It was a long trip. You remember, I think the last time we had him on this show, in the late 80s, what he was doing to celebrate his birthday, he was going to swim. Uh, huh? What was it, a couple hundred miles, a couple hundred yards with 80 rowboat tied Oh, I know, it was some, I, I mean, it might as well have been a steamship that he was And he was going to swim underwater. <laughs> he was going to swim underwater from, from Catalina to California with 80 rowboat tied to him or some, some, some. Some, oh, some really outrageous yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. But I remember seeing video from that. He did it, I do believe. It, yes, he did. Yes. Was it well, 80 rowboats attached and he was doing this 80? Or yeah, 80 like, or 100 or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember watching him in the early 70s with his exercise class. Remember, it was always, as a, as a, to me as a kid, it was him by, by a swimming pool. Always. That seems how I remember his TV show. Well, and Walden, you can go on MeTV, the MeTV website. Yep. Yep. And they have his shows for, um, you can play clips of his wow. show. I was talking to a, uh, a person last night. They, they, are, they are recording the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. So I guess that must be a hit right now. On, uh, is it MeTV that's carrying the Johnny Carson Tonight Show right now? Is it? I don't. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I don't know when it's being played because I looked at their schedule and according to the schedule, it's not being played. Is it's at night? See, I know maybe, it's at night. Yeah, yes. I don't know if it's me TV or is it the competition antenna in TV? But one I bet, of it's, them, I bet it's antenna TV. I did not look at the okay. antenna TV site, but but they're running the whole Johnny Car un 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 uncut. You know, full, mm -hmm. complete, mm -hmm. every night, five nights a week, right now. Mm -hmm. uh, they, on MeTV, they're going to be playing Mama, Mama's Family reruns, and they have um, about a minute of Vicki Lawrence being uh, on different clips with, uh, say, Batman, Get Smart, 
uh, Colombo. Okay. So that's going to be played at like 6 p.m. each night. That's funny. That's that funny. funny. All right. Walden, I have a question for you because your brain is a lot more comprehensive than mine okay. and also retains a lot more than mine. I've got leaks in my brain. Okay. Underscore Bill is asking if Friday, yesterday, was the second Stan Freeberg show that I played. And I said, no, just one. And he thought I played a show called That's Rich. Did I ever play something like that? And was Stan Freeberg associated with it? We talk, I can't find it. We talked about my, it. On my yeah. computer, I can't find it. We talked about it. I don't think we've gotten to playing That Rich yet. So I okay, now what, what What? did you do, Patricia? I missed <laughs> this. You, you played, uh, did you dare I, play a Stan Freeberg show on Oh, on yes, I tonight? did. How dare you? You doesn't do that. Oops, well, now, wait. Um, I'm, I must explain. <laughs> 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 okay, I must explain this. See, I wasn't hammering the show because I don't even know what's in the rest of the show. I could not get past the first episode. There were only 15 of the Stan Freeberg show. Uh-huh. And, and this I was in 1957? Right. Yes. Okay. Very good. The well, replacement episode number one, I think, was from July. Hmm? Yeah. Excuse me? The replacement for Jack Benny. You're right, Dan. It's, it was that show. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you're getting as good as Walden here. I didn't know that. I just came across these shows, and I played one, and I thought, heavens, this is dreadful. <laughs> it just kept going. There was almost no break in between. They would go from one skit to another to another. It was bam, 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 sing, bam, 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 sing. And it it just made my hair hurt. So I picked that one as an awful show. Now, as I say, I didn't hammer the program, and I gave him credit for being an absolute genius when it came to advertising. When it came to this particular show, I thought I should have lit a fuse on a bomb and let it go. So, anyway, that's what I did. I did get it. Now, 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 he didn't follow your normal model, though. Which is? Don't you sample two or three different shows in the same genre before you say this is awful? No, I listened to the individual show that I came across two or three times. And I did do that. I listened to this one three times, and it didn't get any better. But are you going to listen to the other 14? That way you can spread them out? Oh, no. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And the longer Dan stays on the phone, the more protected I am. Thank you, Dan. Who, me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you. Now, you did this with Richard Diamond, too, didn't you? You picked how thought it was horrible, right? How little they forget, Walden. (laughs) Well, I told Patricia, I think she got more heat on Richard Diamond than she was Dan Freeburg, but I could be wrong. Well, the night's not over yet, either. That's true. That's true. Yes, that's right. See, this stimulated an interesting topic to... In our conversation. Do you, still, I do you to, still have some bourbon balls down there? You may need a few before the night's over. I ate every one. Oh. 
<laughs> How are you doing on your, your tushy roll? Here? I even put them in the refrigerator to keep them out of sight. But one must go in the refrigerator to get one's milk out. So <laughs> that wasn't a very effective. I did spread it out, though. I never had more than one on a particular day. How many were in the box? Um, gee, I think this this will be just from memory, 12 to 15. 12, okay. I guess. Yeah. One, two, three, four. I don't know. Okay. I, I wasn't I them. exactly. <laughs> yes, you did. I, I should have kept track of them, but they were good. Oh, my. They will make ah. a brandy drinker out of me. Where, 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 did, where, where did you put the tushy rolls? Oh, they're right here. Oh. You didn't put those? You didn't hide those? Okay. Right there. <laughs> no. Okay. But I'm being judicious. And she's un she's unwrapping them and soaking them in rum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it yeah. be fun? You, you could have yeah. made a convert out of me with those things. Do what now? You could have made a convert out of me with those things. Really? To really? what? They were good. They were good. Well, that's great. They, Glad to hear it. They, they were really good. Really, really, really good. Okay, well, let's see what else. Would you like a Snoopy question? You know I can't add two CDs for a little bit, but let me see. Are, are you a Snoopy fan? Uh, I've followed Snoopy over the years. Okay, well, let's see. I've got Snoopy trivia, and maybe Walden would like to play this as well. Okay, let's see. Where, where, where was Snoopy born? Where was he born or yeah. when was he born? Where? 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 That's a good question. Um, oh, uh, the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. All right. <gasps> Are you hot or what? Hey, am I hot or what? <laughs> Are you hot or what? Okay, well, here we go. Um, who... <laughs> I don't even know if I have the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm on my list. I must. Okay. Who calls, which character calls Linus my sweet baboo? That would be Both Charlie Brown's sister. And that would be Sally. <gasps> oh, my wow. goodness. Boy, you are really hot. I'll give you one more, and then we have to go to the... Um, you have to my take neck. more callers, don't you? I I, I need to know uh, how many people are on my side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Snoopy is forever trying to steal something from another character. What is it? That would be uh, Linus's blanket. See, you are hot. Wow. And I'm proud of Walden for remembering. I don't know if he did, though. Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. He He would say... The, the Daisy Farm. <laughs> I would get it all messed up. He'd mix up all the words. Did you actually remember the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm? I did this time, oh. but other times, you, you know. did. I, Good for you. Other times I've blocked it, you know that. Yeah, well, I haven't asked it for quite a while, so you did very well. And, Dan, you are a hot Snoopy kid. That's right. Been a big fan of Snoopy and Joe Cool and the whole... <gasps> really? You remember Joe Cool? Absolutely, even Franklin. Oh my gosh. Who was the kid who kicked up the dust? Pigpen. 
you really did follow this, didn't you? <laughs> oh. Who was Spike? Spike is Snoopy's brother living in Needles, California, Woo! I guess. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You just wiped out 50% of my questions here. Okay, all right. Okay, well, okay. here's a question for you. What What was uh, Charlie Brown's uh, father's occupation? He was a barber. That's right. He sure was. And Charles Schultz's father was a barber. Was a barber, too, yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. what, was, what was the name of Peanuts before it became Peanuts? Oh, gee, we talked about that. Did you talk about that? Uh, Oh, we did. Um, yes. Um, we're going we're gonna to use off all of your questions, and I have, I, you, you won't have any left for anybody one, else. I don't think that one's on my list. Walden, you remember, is it little... I, I, little... Little people? Or little fellows? Something... I was thinking we ones. Could have been, but I think, I can remember running a Charles Schultz interview with Larry King, and I think little was in the title... And then the syndicator didn't like it, and they came up with peanuts, and Schultz hated that. Yeah, he did it. not like it. The, he did not like peanuts. Thing. <laughs> and then then it became peanuts featuring good old Charlie Brown. Oh. That's how they got around that, I do believe. Um, hold on. Charlie Brown, peanuts. Fresh peanuts animation. Oh dear! I think it was we, I thought it was we W E E ones, O N E S. Let's see. Maybe if I find. Um. It may have been he he did he started cartooning I think in his college newspaper. Little folks. Little folks. Little folks. Okay. okay. Boy, I was closer than you guys. Well, of course. We were all wrong, but I was closest. You, you were the wrongest. You were less wrong than we were. I was, I was, yes, I can was. Can you imagine less, the less amount, wronger than you? Can you imagine the the amount of merchandise that comic strip has sold over the years? Did, did anyone see the most recent film that came out last fall? No. Yeah, there was a new Peanuts movie, and there are about it, but it's got those it's got those modern day kind of characters. It's not really a cartoon, and I've I've got this heart for traditional cartoon presentations, and these were not traditional. It was like a year before, I think Thanksgiving, like two years. I I, I found it. They introduce a new peanuts then, and it looked like they were taking some from the old one, and it was just, I didn't think it was very good, because it seemed like it was stretching it out, trying to cover mm. the whole hour. It was just a little... Yeah. Now, are, you, are you talking about the newer uh, TV um, cartoons done by Fox? I think, it was, yes, it was Fox. It was about, and it yeah. was the, the first one I saw was Thanksgiving, and I sat down to watch it with my mom, and I was just, I was disappointed with that. Two or three, two two or three years ago, during between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they had competing Peanuts uh, cartoons. I think ABC had the traditional uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and Fox had a a newer one that I think Warner Brothers 
did um, on the same night at the same hour. Hmm. I thought, gee whiz, how about this? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I remember for years, I think it was CBS that carried it in the 70s when I was a kid. Yes. And um, then ABC got the rights or bought the rights. And, you know, the Grinch... Um, the cartoon, um, you know, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas right. had been played mm-hmm. on CBS for a number of years. Last uh, year, it was played on NBC. I couldn't believe I'd never seen that on NBC. Well, at least we got to see it. That's right. At least we did get to see it and even speak to um, Mrs. Karloff. That's right. Dear sweet Karloff. She was so sweet. Mhm. What a remarkable lady. Just yes. really like that lady. She's a fun person to be with. Okay, well, we have to figure out how many people are going to beat me up and how many people are going to pat me on the back. So maybe you could give us a call later and check in on what the score is. I, I, will, I will do that, and I don't believe, I think the family will be, kind but they may be a little stern with you for, for <laughs> let's see embasting uh the um stan freeberg the stan so. free okay can i put you down for a white dot a gray dot or a black dot a black spot is very bad well i did not hear your um judge oh, that's right you're discounted stan. never mind uh, yeah so i i think it best to put me down or either no dot or a gray dot. Okay, no dot. If you didn't hear it, it will be no dot. Yes. I'll send it to you. <laughs> but, I, but but just remember, you're, you've got two strikes against you now. Now you're going to have to watch out or you're going to get really... Where am I got stuff. two strikes against me? How do you have two strikes against you? Yeah. Stan Freeberg and, and Richard Diamond. I mean, you're going against... Oh, those. Oh. Yeah. Well, we don't know about yeah. Stan Freeberg yet because, you know, Larry gave a ho-hum, and I didn't ask Walden because I don't want to. <laughs> 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 and, and, um, that was and your you. co-host. You, you've you got to ask your the opinion of your co-host. No, I don't. Yes, you do. He's got the buttons. He could... He'd click you right off the air there. You're right. He could turn me off. Uh-huh. <sighs> okay, I'll ask him in a minute. All right. Yes. Give us a, give us a call later, I'll and I'll give to... you an update on the score. All right. I will try to avidly listen and not uh, fall into slumberland, slumberland, as you sometimes put me into slumberland here. Most discouraging. Yes. <laughs> not the company, it's the hour. Okay, go to your room and call us back later. I'll give you an update on the score. Sounds like a plan. I will talk to you later. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. We're going to be doing our our Holiday Express. Next one will be Saturday, March 26th. When? Before Easter. Saturday, March 26th. And Patricia and I will do yeah, four hours probably from uh, four to eight Eastern. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give a medical update. I don't know if anybody saw the news, but it looked like they're making tremendous progress on type 1 diabetes. So 
So you might want to Google that up. There's very encouraging. Emerging, I want to Google that up. Um, Thank um, you. Um, um, uh, uh, two of the major pharmaceutical companies are getting a request to try and merge the two patents because they think they have solved type 1. So please Google that up. I think that's very encouraging mm -hmm. news. And if it's a if it's a pharmaceutical company, I don't think it's curing it, um, stem well, cells and stuff like that. Well, but controlling saying, it would be fabulous. What, well, that's what they're saying. It's going to be able to do away with insulin. Mm-hmm. In some other okay. things. So yeah. So you might want to Google that up. That would hit really that's big news. That's one in the news. Hello there, Carl. You're on air. Good evening, Walden. Good evening, Patricia. Hello. Oh, Jim. one of our voters. Hi, Jim, in California. Uh, well, you know, again, as Ron has said to you many times, uh -oh. it is your show. <laughs> you have the right to like or not like anything you choose, I guess. I mean, I mean, you know, you're, you have your opinions, and it, it is your show. My, my only comment is Stan Freeberg is like... Bob and Ray, or, uh, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, we as you know, we lost Bob Elliott this week. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. I forgot. And it's one of those things where people either have a taste for his humor or their humor or they don't. It's not like, it's not like uh, say, Jack Benny or... Uh, Oh, what else could I? Or Father Knows Bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a totally different type of yeah. comedy. These are out. Say about Henry right. Morgan, let's this, say. These guys are out. Were out in a different sphere. You're right. I never thought of it in those terms. Uh, like you know, some some people could never grasp Henry. Or or if you really want to go into the '70s, the National Lampoon Radio Hour, where where Chevy Chase and uh, John Belushi and their people got their start. Because some people it was sophisticated and, and razor sharp, and to others it was tasteless. So, you know, things strike people in different ways. Of course, I know we've talked about Stan Freeberg in the past. I know he isn't one of your favorite people. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I, I know that going in, right? He's, he isn't mm -hmm. one of your favorite No, you're at, absolutely correct. Uh, people. Uh, and there are some funny records he did, and there were. And as far as his radio show goes, I, if you would listen to the episode of September twenty second, nineteen fifty seven, which I believe was let's see, fourteen was one, two twenty one, three twenty eight, four four five eleven, six eighteen, seven twenty five eight first, nine eight ten. I think it was show eleven. He does a great takeoff on. TV westerns called Bang Gunley, U.S. Marshall Fields. <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> it, it, you've heard that, haven't you? No. No, I haven't. I, I got well, so I can, put off by it. and I have talked that I didn't go any further. You know, TV is very, from some of us, TV is very difficult to, uh, to follow auditorially. And he does a takeoff on this TV western. And if you listen to this skit, this is what TV drama sounds like to those of us who don't really watch the screen. A lot mm -hmm. of moments of silence and little dial. I mean, they do it very funny. And also on episode two, one thing he did that was very funny at the end of it was called Rock Around the Stephen Foster, where they try to do Stephen Foster rock and roll style. Oh, gee. That one would be off my screen. <laughs> but, 
Bang Dunley you might like. Uh, you might, of course, they did the he did the Lawrence Welk thing on his show, wonderful, wonderful, about the bubble machine. Mm-hmm. And he did uh, he did I he did a takeoff on those teenage war uh, uh, teenage werewolf things, where I guess her, her hand was clammy, clammy, sort of a takeoff on Tammy. <laughs> things like that and of course he did Dayo, the banana boat thing on there mm-hmm. and there were a lot of different things he did the first one i didn't understand the las vegas skit that well uh i mean i i, I think i know what he was trying to say but but again it's, it's your opinion um i would recommend okay. another thing of stan freeberg's you might enjoy if you go through the series of the cbs radio workshop which is a highly mm-hmm. prestigious series I don't know how many of those you've heard. But uh, one of them, August 31st, 56, is called An Analysis of Satire, where he is the guest, where he tries to define satire, what it is. And one of the skits on there, which was never recorded until years later, he does a wonder, he and Dawes Butler do a wonderful takeoff on the Arthur Godfrey show, where he imitates Arthur. And he goes, how are you, how are you, how are you? Gee whiz, it's a nice day. Just the way Arthur Godfrey did his show. And one of the lines in there was, Dawes Butler plays Tony Marvin, his announcer. That's right, Arthur. Gee whiz, the birds are singing. That's right, Arthur. The sun is shining. That's right, Arthur. <clears throat> that's right, Arthur. Oh, I'm just clearing my yeah. throat. That's right, Arthur. You know, that's the, And Tony would say that to Arthur, things like that. And there was a skit, and there's a scene in there where he says, you with the freckles, you're fired. Oh, that's me. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he fired Julius La Rosa, yeah. but that was all yeah. out. And, so. and, you know, it, Dawes Butler, of course, was in the first episode. I'm a, uh, am I correct that he was in all of the episodes with Stan right. Freeberg? Right. Yeah, he was Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and... Um, he was a lot he was did a lot of voiceover work so it's a voice that's instantly recognizable and june foray was was also captain crunch too who you've talked to before so again it's something you have to have a taste for but i'm far more interested in another awful show you picked and Mm -hmm. i i heard this wait a minute for for your listening purposes now Irrespective of my choice and my opinion, yeah, but would I'm, I'm interested in the back. Would you give my it. thumbs? Would you give my thumbs down on Stan Freeberg's first episode, A Black Star? Uh, no, what? No, let me. What? What are the? What are the stars again? Well, you can you can actually a black spot, black spot, a gray spot, or a white spot. A, a black spot is bad choice, and a gray spot is eh, maybe. And a white spot is, gosh, you did a good job, which it doesn't sound. I'll like do the middle good. one. I'll do the middle one. It wasn't. It wasn't my favorite episode. Ron, Ron agrees with you and me on that. It wasn't my favorite episode. There were there were better episodes in the series. Okay, so maybe a gray spot. Yeah. For a so-so. Okay. But what I'm going to ask you about is another show that I heard this mm-hmm. morning, and now that the schedule's been changed and he's dropped some of the music programs. I was I was tuning around red this morning and I heard this man talking about uh, history in the Middle Ages and this man who was bur- this minister or, or cleric that was burned at the stake 
and it was a discussion. I forgot the guy's name. It was a talk about great minds or something. And then I heard your voice at the end. You said, you looked this man up, and it only listed, like, what books he had written. Now, do you remember the one I'm talking about? Oh, oh. I remember the, making the comment that you just mentioned. Yeah, do you remember? I don't, there was a series. Was it called Great Minds or Great Thoughts? Or it was a. It, it was like a. Oh, oh, oh! Great, great, great lives. Great, great lives. Was it Great Lives? Maybe that's it. No, great lives. Great, it's the lives of great men. How's that? Yeah, that yeah. I missed your opening comment. So what was what was the pro, what was the thing on that show? Well, we've done so many. Hold on, just a minute. Okay. <laughs> um. All right, the lives of great men. Jim, who are you liking the game tomorrow? Jim? Yeah. Hey, Jim, who are you, li- hello, Jim, are you, who are you liking the game tomorrow? You know, I'm not, I'm not really follow football that <laughs> <laughs> That's why I figured, I figured uh, out, that's why I put that in there, just to see what you were going to say. I'll go with Denver, because I like John Dunning. There you go. By the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can give a couple of guest confirmation for next weekend. Yeah. Neil Simon is being with us next Friday. He apologized. He slept on the show. And Joan Benny had confirmed she'll be on Valentine night with us. Jack's actual birthday this year. Yes. So, so you like to hear what's going on with Joan. So she'll be with us uh, Sunday, Valentine night mm-hmm. with Don Larry Knight. So you can put Who's that on. Was next Friday? Uh, Mel Simon will be on with us next Friday. Oh, the author of the Big Band book? C- the author of uh, trivia books about trivia. old-time It was, it was old-time another time. Simon that did the Big Band book. Yep, George Simon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not lives of the lives of the great. Lives of the great. That doesn't sound right. Well, let's see if I've got great men somewhere. And tomorrow will be Duke Fuller will be with us. We'll talk about his genealogy research about old-time radio personalities. That will be tomorrow. Um, it was played this morning about 7 o'clock our time. So I, mean, I don't know if you did that last week or the week before. Uh, last week it was... No, that, that sounds like a one that I might have done two or three years ago. Yeah, mm. could have been a, from the archives. Okay. Yeah. But what's your? Do you have any recollections about it? What it was you? No, but the, when you said I could only find a book or or a couple of books by him, I don't know who he is. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember saying that, but I can't. can't okay, can you read, can you read off the, can you read off the title to the office show? We might well bring everybody up to speed. What have you panned in the last four years? <laughs> You're kidding, right? <laughs> It's a good review. The show was dated December seventeenth, thirty-eight. I don't know if that's of any help to you or. Well, yeah, that that would be a great help because let's see, really awful shows. Friday uh, picks. Yeah, but I want to hear Patricia read the list of all five hundred shows she panned. Oh my gosh! You know, hold on. All right, we've got Mysterious Traveler, Captain Danger, Green Valley Line, Ebb and Zeb. Um. Be on a vacation. Earn your vacation. Okay. Um, and tell your neighbor, Zorro, Mr. Anthony, Marmola, Unsolved Mysteries. You don't want me to go through the whole list. I'm only up to August 2014. I do. I do. Hit that ball. Um, 
the witch's tale. Nona, uh, the yeah, Nona from Nowhere and Wife Wanted. That was in, those were two 15-minute shows. Meteor Man and Lights Out. Uh, Tales of Fatima. Yeah, got to move down a little bit. Uh, Danger Dr. Danfield, the Jack Webb funny thingy. The Haunting Hour. Um, there, oh, maybe a pirate? No, not the pirate. Um, Philo Vance, he's been done a couple of times. Black Flame of the Amazon, I think is the name of that one. Hold on. Black Flame of the Amazon, and I Was a Convict, which is dreadful. Jack and Jill. Um, I'm on, I haven't finished 2013 yet. <laughs> Detectives Black and Blue and the Origin of Superstitions, Police Reporter, and the Lives of Great Men. Let's see if that's... I think that's yes. Let me see. Oh, no. Can't open the document. Let's see. No, I know. Okay. I'm having trouble opening some of my documents here. And there we go. Okay. Um, mm, mm. Oh, my goodness. That's for today. That's for today. <laughs> that opened twice. Um, let's see. The Lives of Great Men. It was narrated by Dr. Edward Howard Griggs. This is it. That's, okay. That, that's the guy, yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's the guy. I tried to find some information about him, but what came up was an intimidating list of written works, many of which had been reprint, reprinted and available today. But a great mind does not always make a great teacher. He was terrible. He was the terrible part of that show. So anyway, it was Dr. Edward Howard Griggs, and it was The Lives of Great Men. And this one, uh, oh, I, oh, I remember this one. Okay, I remember it now. How much of it did you hear? You only needed to see minutes. Seconds. They were talking about this man who was burned at the stake eventually. He, he was, you know, he was... Yes, it was in Europe. It was in Europe around the time of Luther, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that that was what he was teaching. He was uh, a professor with degrees that would stretch stretch to the corner, and he would give lectures on the lives of great men. He chose which great men to give the lectures on. So he was so awful that no matter which lecture you picked. It would have won the awful prize, but he, oh. he was just absolutely dreadful. At the end of it, the announcer said that his next week's subject was going to be William Shakespeare. Isn't it good I rescued William? <laughs> yeah, so that's what it was. It was the lives of great men. Yeah, so so it was it was it was the way he did his presentation, huh? Oh my gosh, yes. It wasn't the information, but he was so awful in his delivery that you missed. The information. Yeah, I miss. I only heard like the last ten minutes. So yes, and, and he used words that were ninety-eight cent words. And um, my my script here okay. finishes with "You be the judge." Here is the December seventeenth, nineteen thirty-eight episode of Lives of Great Men. This one is about Giordano Bruno. Does anybody know who he is? No, I know that. <laughs> I know that. Ever hear of him? And when I came back, my comment was, are you still awake? 
Did you ever hear of this man? I mean, the man he he talked about. I never. Yeah, I have no idea who he is. Yeah. And that's the one that that that's the one that's probably the most intellectual or so-called intellectual program you've criticized, right? I mean, most of the time it's comedies or dramas or or uh, quiz shows or music shows. That, that's the first. Is that maybe the only time you ever took on a so-called educational or or discussion show? It that's it might be I, the only one. I think I took on a second one somewhere along the line. Uh-huh. But we're still only up to September 2013. Yeah. So, so the lives of but but then again, as you said, it was his delivery. It was absolutely his delivery, his choice of words, his choice of, and it, and his information. The information he tried to pack in was as exciting as watching a rock erode. Well, you were talking earlier about understanding Stan Freeberg's humor. I feel somewhat that way about the Three Stooges. They totally miss me. I mean, they missed me too. My brother likes them. A lot of men like women don't tend to like the Three. I, and my mother couldn't no. stand them. My brother's wife couldn't stand them. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot women in general don't like the Three. And I and I and to me, it's just a lot of noise. They're throwing things at each other. Mm-hmm. From and an slapping view, each other. I mean, I'm totally lost. I guess Mo is the slapper. <sighs> I, I, it's it's over my head. Either that or it's under <laughs> underground. I don't know. But again, I think you are absolutely right. People. It's a God thing. It's another guy thing. This may be a sacred cow to TV viewers, but I totally missed the Beverly Hillbillies. Why that show captivated the nation so much in the early '60s, and I, had, I only saw one episode. And I just wasn't impressed. I mean, I, I mean, I don't see why that show would. Now, I could understand if Andy Griffith had been the number one show in the nation because I like the Andy Griffith show, and it it had rural humor too. But the Beverly Hillbillies just totally missed me. I don't. I agree. I mean, you agree with me. I agree with you. Yeah, it was, and it was number one in the country for years. Um, and the nation, the American people just loved the show. Uh, everything came to a stop on Wednesday nights when that was on, but it just totally, totally escaped me. Uh, but then again, I don't understand. We've talked about this in the 30s. I don't understand why Joe Penner was so popular either. You know, want to buy a duck? I don't, I do not think... I know that. I, I don't think I know that show. Uh, Joe Penner, he, they called him, what was he called? The Park Avenue, what was he called? Well, you know, uh, what do they call well, uh, Joe Penner? The Park Avenue. Well, the Park Avenue Hillbilly with Dorothy right. Shea. Um, you know, Joe Penner was a hit, hit in the 30s and then died out by the early 40s, but... He had a couple of saying, those two sayings, you nasty man. man, and you want to buy a duck. Those were his two paths in line on the Rudy Valley show, and he became a hit. And so he had a home show. phrase for some reason. I want to buy a duck. Penner wound up in my awful show. It really could be. Um, but then there were people that said the same thing. A lot, a lot of people had trouble grasping Al Pierce's humor, too. 
Yep. You know, I, I, nobody home. I hope. I hope. hope I, I hope. hope I, I hope. hope. And things like that. So, humor humor strikes people different ways. But, I, like I say, Patricia, it's your show, and I'm not going to be critical because I like many of Stan Freeberg's shows. But uh, that one, that one, I have to agree with you. It was hard for me to get. Now, it's book review time. <laughs> okay. What I'm going to discuss tonight is my long-awaited read on William Manchester's first, the first volume of, church, of his massive Churchill biography. It's called, volume one is called, it's called The Last Line, Winston Spencer Churchill, volume one, Visions of Glory, 1874 to 1932. It's 973 published, um, 973 pages, I'm sorry published by Little Brown and Company Hardback. And for those who are getting the recording, I believe the number is RC or DB11924. Uh, William Manchester spent years working on this book, and unfortunately he died before Volume 3 was finished, so another person finished it, but we'll get to those later. In Volume 1, which was published in 1981, in the early pages of the book, he gives much detail about what the Victorian era was like in England in the time period when, which, when Winston Churchill was born and grew up. He talks about the manners and the morals of the, of the Victorian era, relationships, clothing styles. You get a whole picture of what life was like in Great Britain during this uh, very important era in their history. He was the son of Randolph and Jenny Churchill, uh, his mother was an American, Jenny, <coughs> and his father, <coughs> his father Randolph, of course, was a major political figure in Britain. Winston was kind of a neglected child. Uh, his father did not give him a lot of attention, or his mother. The person Winston was closest to was his nanny, who he he thought very highly of. Uh, according to, apparently his father was syphilitic, and his mother kind of played the field with guys. So Churchill did not really have a truly stable, he, while he may not have gotten along with his father, he revered him as far as his political ability and his the things he did. He was not a good student in school. He got very low marks. His marks were so low that he could not get into Oxford or Cambridge. But he got into a British military college, and it talks it talks about his uh, his working through college, his uh, his work in India and and, and in uh, Africa and uh, the early part of the century. It talks about world uh, you know his various uh, political careers in Parliament and how he went from a Tory to a liberal and then back to a Tory. In World War One. he it talked about his military uh, ability in World War One. He got blamed for a lot of the mistakes that were made in World War One, which really weren't his fault, like at Gallipoli and some of those places where uh, dealing with Turkey and some of those other countries. It talks about his dealings with the Irish situation, uh, Ireland, and Northern Ireland, and uh, he, 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 he was for a strong British empire. Uh, 
after World War One, he he was in Parliament and he 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 had he talked about his ability to. Uh, he was he was liberal in many respects and conservative in many respects. He supported rights for workers, but when they struck, when miners struck and and stopped workage, I mean stopped working, he was very firm against people who struck and uh, halted labor. He uh, he was opposed to independence for India. He really did not think India was ready for independence, although he did favor a better lot for the. Um, untouchables. He refused to meet Gandhi when he came, when Gandhi came to London. Um, he refused to meet him, which many people might feel is wrong. But he, he 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 like I say, he favored a strong British Empire, and he he favored a strong military to keep England strong. Although he he knew that people hated war, and he hated war. He realized all the many people in Britain felt the carnage of World War One was a total waste. Thousands of men died needlessly, and a lot of things could have been prevented if certain strategies had been followed. The war could have maybe ended earlier than it did. He eventually became a Tory again, and uh, in the late twenties, he was. Uh, Many of his party did, did not want his influence or his, his uh, feelings. Uh, but he, he could give the best speeches. It, he wrote books. He did commentaries for the BBC. He did magazine articles. He came to the United States to visit. And in the late 20s, he was crossing the street in New York City and was run over by a car and injured. And the, and the reason was he had forgotten in walking that in the United States, people drive on a different side of the road than they do in Britain. But fortunately, he survived that. Uh, the party really didn't want to hear from him much in the early 30s. In um, 1932, Lady Astor was visiting Moscow and talking to Joseph Stalin, and they were talking about the various political leaders. And Char uh, Stalin said, what about Churchill? And Lady Astor turned to him and said, he's finished. And that's how volume one ended. He was already worried about German rearmament and had, had read about Hitler. He had read Mein Kampf and found it very dangerous. And he, had no, he, he, he feared that if Hitler came to power, this could cause real problems, but... That's where the narrative of Volume 1 ends. There's a lot of detail. It's a long book. But you, you admire a man who sticks to his guns and has courage and, uh, and keeps, uh, cares about his country, even if you may not agree with all of his policies. He was a very, uh, oh, it talks about his marriage and uh, his children. One of his children died, one of his little girls of a fever. Or an illness, and that broke his heart, of course. But Manchester did a great job of reading this. I said it's, a, it's, a, it's over 900 pages, counting reference notes and bibliography. I give this book four stars. Wow, that is high stuff. Wow. And I would. Now, I did it. not. I had never heard a hint of his his having been hit by an a car in New York. 
Yeah. But I never would have connected it with Americans driving on the opposite side of the street. Of course, that makes sense. I just never would have thought of it. The driver was very upset, and Winston, though he was injured, he told the man not to worry. He said, it's clearly my fault, not yours, to the driver. Wow. So, but that last line, he's finished. <laughs> How wrong Lady Astor was. Well, the whole 30, though, he was out, out of power. He was like the voice of the wilderness. in the wilderness, kind yeah. That's going to be the subject of Volume 2. It's called right. Alone, 1932 to 1940. So we'll be reading about that later. But, um, again, Manchester is a great storyteller. He has a great ability to, with words. He was always, I, when I read that, well, not his first book, but when I read The Glory and the Dream, which I read years ago, that was such a great book. I just knew he could do no wrong on his uh, writing, and I only my only regret is he didn't live long enough to finish Volume Three. I've heard read reviews of Volume Three, Defender of the Realm, and some people on Amazon say that the man who succeeded Manchester didn't do as well as Manchester did. Of course, it's always hard to follow in someone's footsteps. Yeah, who could? Yeah, but. Um, I recommend The Last Line, Volume 1, Visions of Glory. Good job. Yeah. Next week, if all goes according to plan, we're going to turn our ten attention to another issue that's causing some controversy and still does. If, if all goes according to plan, we're going to be focusing next week on a book I am reading about the fast food industry. <laughs> oh, oh. That is so wonderful. Are you serving chicken wings? <laughs> well, the book is called Fast Food Nation. Yes, we are. Yeah. And it's uh, Slosser is the author's name. And I will, uh, if I'm finished with it by next week, I will give my report on that. Are, are you going to serve McDonald's fries with the, with the uh, review? Would you like fries with that? Big <laughs> French fries tonight. We had hamburgers and French fries tonight, in fact. Homemade French fries and homemade hamburgers. Oh, boy. Yeah? You were in the big time there. Barbecue sauce? Wow. Actually, it was cheeseburgers with barbecue. So that was great. Um, he, he's going to go into details on things like of the working about the history of like so far I've learned about how fast food really began people like Carl's Jr. and the man who founded Carl's Jr. and the McDonald brothers the fast food industry is a thing you can start here in California San Bernardino yeah and uh, it talks about the working conditions that people have to go through in fast food places and He's going to go later into details about the food. Some people say when you learn how fast food is prepared, you might not want to eat it anymore. But <laughs> You know, there, there are some things that should just be left unsaid. Yeah. How many bugs are in a, in a package of spinach? Yeah. I don't need to know that. I love spinach. Well, and I like uh, fast food. I mean, I you know, I, if it's a choice of... Uh, I heard I heard once years ago on the radio, and I even forgot what radio program it was. A way uh, someone from a French restaurant called in on a 
talk show in Chicago, and they were real upset, this person who ran a French restaurant. He says, you get a chance to educate these children, and you want them to learn the fine things in life, the fine things in food, and the parents bring them, and they order hamburgers. And the, the, the guy seemed real upset about it, uh, the guy who ran the French restaurant. Yeah, but when you got kids, for heaven's sakes, at least they didn't order macaroni and cheese. Well, well I have to tell you, if it was a choice of hamburgers or snails, and don't, don't, don't a lot of fresh French restaurants serve snails? Yes, they do, escargot. Mm-hmm. I would much prefer a cheeseburger to a snail. <laughs> I, I happen to like escargot, so I, I think I would take that over a hamburger. Um but but the the guy who owned the restaurant was real upset about it. He couldn't understand. <laughs> I uh, would guess so. Or so uneducated about the finer things in life on food. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, it's just it's like an artist. You hang a painting on the wall, and some people like it, and some people don't. Yeah, well, you know, and of course, sometimes if you can't, if you don't know French and you can't read what's on the wall, you want to re- <laughs> read the menu. You might mm-hmm. even order the easiest thing that comes into your mind, not know because you know if a hamburger what you're getting. That's funny. Um, that is funny. But like yeah, I hey, Trisha, I have you know it's it's your uh, check out just just for the fun of it if you want to check out Bang Gunley U.S. Marshall Fields just to see what an audio soundtrack of a TV show sounds like to us. You might get a chuckle out of that. I will do that. It's uh, it's September twenty. I think it's September twenty second, fifty seven. I believe that's the date. Okay, twenty seven. That always helps. And uh, I borrow your brain. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and again, if you have a chance, read the last lion, volume one. I know it's a lot of pages to read, and you may want you may learn more about Churchill than you ever wanted to know. But then again, that's what makes a biographer. Well, I I have such an admiration for that man that I don't think anything would be dull. Well, you know, it, it, it makes you again think of, unlike who we, t- unlike you know, his parents kind of neglected him. Mm-hmm. But unlike unlike the man we talked about last week, Lee Oswald, just to make a comparison, who had a neglectful mother or a mother who didn't seem to care. Churchill mm-hmm. was able to have the character and the ability to overcome that neglect. And try remarkable and... man. Really enjoyed learning about him. So that's a good heads up. Thank you for doing that tonight, Jim. Sure thing. And you all keep up the good work. It's always fun. Thank you, Jim. I just uh, oh, oh, I have another question. If if uh, who's the man in California that has the kids' records? Mark. Mark. If Mark is listening, and Ron and I were talking about this the other day, if Mark is listening and he has his 45s and 78 cast with cast credits with him, if he has the RCA Bluebird record, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, narrated by Ralph Camargo, uh, it's around 1954 or five. Uh, Ralph Camargo narrated it. But if he has the cast of that record, like who played Tom Sawyer on it and who played Becky Thatcher and Aunt Polly, I would be very interested in knowing that because Ron and I always liked, although it was very abridged, it was like a six-minute record. But and who played Injun Joe and I would just and uh, I forgot uh, Harper. I forgot uh, Tom Sawyer's friend. Yeah. But I would be very interested if Mark could tell us if he has that list. Who played uh, 
in the cast of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and also who did the music on the Winnie the Pooh records. He read the cast last week, but it had a great music score. I've heard those records. Who did the music on the Winnie the Pooh records? I would be very interested in knowing that, too. Let me check the other computer and see if Mark has sent stuff. I'll stay with you while you do that. Yeah, keep talking. Keep okay. talking. Because uh, uh, the person who did the music, it was a great music. You would agree it was a nice music score on those. Give it a fun rock to listen to. I always... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought a poor little poor little ca- poor little piglet when he had that adventure in in Kanga's pocket and she mm-hmm. tried to give him the medicine that was meant for Rue. <laughs> that was cute. That uh, was cute. Okay, let's see. Drop box. No, I don't have anything from Mark. He was going to try to resend the scan. The uh, what's call it? The cover and the backside right. of the uh, album. Yeah. So, Mark, if you're out there. Yeah, that and the music and the cast for Tom Sawyer. Yeah, one of the panels that he was going to send, and he did send originally, and why I don't have it, I do not know. Let me check it and see if it managed to get into the trash. Anyway, it has the entire cast, so if there's any information about which group put together the music or which person put together the music. And who adapted them, who adapted them for, the, wrote the scripts for them. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in that. Um, I know Peter told me it was around 1952. By the way, Peter Modavin's site, Kitty Record, K-I-D-D-I-E-R-E-K-O-R-D, King is still up. The Kitty Record King is still up. Good. You can uh, you can't you don't download there, but you can listen. You can look up a database if you want to know. He has a database on his site about uh, uh, all the various labels and artists. Or if you want to know how many records, say Milton Cross did, or The Great Gildersleeve, or whatever, he has all that posted. And also each company and how many records they did, and it gives the serial numbers, the artist, the A side, the B side, all of that. It's a great yeah. source for. He has some other things on there. He has a, a, a section on the history of kids' records, and he's got all of his radio and television interviews, including the one you did with him, Walden. Oh, wow. Back in 2000 and, what was it, eight, seven. Last decade. Yeah, last, uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe Mark might be interested. I don't know, I don't know if you have there, if you have, well, you, I guess you can go to his link, and maybe you can send Mark the interview with, that you did with Peter Mode and Patricia too, the interview with uh, Peter Modavin on the history of Kitty Records. Well, right now, Larry's the keeper of the interview because we're showing all in his lap. So Larry's listening. It was Somebody April, April of two thousand and seven. Seven or six? It may have been six even. Let me think. Whenever uh, his book came out. Yeah, but uh, he has your interview up there. So nice. nice. Uh, and you did a wonderful job interviewing him. By the way, you said you've heard from Treasure, speaking of kids' records, you've heard from Treasure Ivan? I have not, but I see him on Facebook. Okay. And look like he is now making public appearances back at uh, school and things, so uh, he must be feeling okay. So Good. I'm glad to hear that. Ivan, if you're out, out and about, give us a call. We'd love to catch you, see how you're doing. And, and again, uh, I want to thank Mark for giving that cast on, on Winnie the Pooh. That was uh, fun, yeah. That was very fun to hear. And I knew and a lot of those voices, you know, like Cecil Roy and uh, Arnold.
Goldstein and all those people. Sure. Sure. Anyway, you all have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Jim. Thank, Thank you. you, Patricia. You there, Patricia? Oh, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll be sure. You all have a wonderful evening. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I got stepped on. I said thank you, and I got stepped on, I guess. Huh? I I got stepped on because I did say thank you, and I really meant it. Thank you, and thank you for doing such a great job on on the Winston Churchill. So many thanks again. You bet, Jim. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. 714-545-2071 is our hot little number. You can give us a call. 714-545-2071. She is Patricia Pong for the Denver Broncos because she's got family (laughs) in Colorado. We'll find out. Oh, I don't. I should have asked my brother. I don't think he cares. Heavens to Betsy. All right, whoever is calling, I want to know how many countries will be able to watch the Super Bowl. Hello there, Paul. You're on air. Probably too many. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree, but reality is reality. Walden, how many countries do you think are going to be able to watch Super Bowl? Well, there are hundreds, I think, 80 countries now. You um, are absolutely right. Get that man a donut. Wow. I have 180 countries. Can you imagine how many languages? See, I, I, I was saying that's how many countries, so I guess everybody's going to watch it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, how, so many, Patricia, how many languages? I would say probably 40. 25 languages, and there will be nine on site at the University of Phoenix Stadium. Huh? I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that either. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. According to the NFL, why would they have a university stadium in here? Well, University of Phoenix is sort of, I think, like a satellite campus. That seemed to be a hot place here in the West Coast where a lot of people who want to, you know, continue education and not go through mm. a, a normal traditional so Maybe they're route. filling up the stadium and they're using the great, the huge screens that they use for things like replays. Yeah. Would, would a university have that kind of equipment? Yes. Okay, so that must yeah. be what it is. Yeah. Okay, time zone issues, and then and then um, we'll get to time zone issues after Ron gives me a black spot, a gray spot, or a white spot. Uh, gray. A gray spot. So it was a so-so a choice. I have a question regarding that. Uh-oh. The question is this. Let me see if I can word this properly here. <laughs> have we ever worried about wording on this show? Uh... I want to know, are you really trying to saw that limb off that you're out there on? <laughs> are you trying to do that? Are you trying to saw that limb off? What are you trying to do here? Yeah, well, I said I was on a shorter limb. Yeah. See, it was so short that I had to sit on it and cut from behind. I said you're trying to saw it off. <laughs> With yeah, well, sure. Now, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would say that it, it was not. Some of these programs, as you know, take a little period of time to get their stride, and that certainly was was one. Um, I would also, and I I 
acquired taste. I, I like him very much. But I think he's an acquired taste. And a lot of I people, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's Rich, which is the previous program that he was on with an absolutely horrible program. Did I run that? I don't think so. I don't think he, you've done it yet. Because that's the underscore Bill sent an email asking if this was the second one and yeah. if I had run That's Rich. We talked about and, it. We, Larry and I had talked about it with you off there, but I don't think we've gotten to that yet. Well, I think you need to. You might be able to redeem yourself if you do. Really? Yeah. It's pretty bad. I uh, Maybe. <laughs> if I were going he, to pick on Stan Freeberg, I should have picked on that one like, first. And he even didn't like it. What's that going on? Well, yeah, he was a, um, I don't want to call him a perfectionist because I don't know if that's true. Oh, but I know yes, he was oh, very... oh yes, he was. He was, okay. he was known, he was... He was known for some of these three-minute records mm-hmm. to work all night and do over 30 takes. Okay. He so he would have been sure a hypercritical person oh, yeah. for any, any of his work. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. And uh, so from you, you know, I have to do other, that, Rich. Okay. One other little thing here. I have. This is a closed circuit for Larry. Larry, check the Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't already. <laughs> oh. Okay, check. That's Rich. Okay. All right, for underscore Bill, no, I have not done it, but that's been now, it is now one of my assignments. I didn't remember having done it, and I couldn't find it in my awful files. Well, it should definitely be there. And, <laughs> and, and you can, there are a few in, in, in circulation. You can pick one, anyone, pick one, and you'll be okay. Just, just it doesn't matter. Nah. Don't subject myself to screening all of them. There no, are no. Eight. Am I right? Am I right, Walden? Uh, well, I've heard just one. Uh, uh, nothing sticks out in my memories about it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. I think she'd be safe to just about pick any one of them. There are, there are a few in circulation. I don't a lot of them are in terrible, terrible sound. They are awful. And awful. So, so you might want to go with the audition or the first one because that's the best sounding one. Yeah, audition stuff can be really bad. A show can turn out very well, but sometimes the auditions are dreadful. Sometimes they are. Yes, they are. Now, let me throw this at you, Patricia. I haven't asked you this. Have you have you done a review on Honest Herald? Oh, you need to, if you haven't. It's another one that I'm not real fond of. Now, I think it's okay. It's not great. It's not bad. In yeah, my book. I kind of like that yeah, show. I do. No, I haven't picked on him. Okay. Um, it, I certainly wouldn't be up there with the sterling stars of comedy. No. No, you wouldn't. But it, no. it had an endearing quality about it. Or Harold had an endearing quality okay. about him. I, 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 okay, I got another sacred cow. Um, you know, I can only do these... Burning at the stakes twice a year. Oh, that's okay. We're into Well, this one's even bigger because this has an international fan base of of your manga standings. I mean, the the current fan club is over three hundred thousand people, and they haven't been around in you know sixty years. Do you want me to get run over by a bus? 
Well, really trying I'm, to get her I'm thinking on, of the publicity, Patricia. <laughs> how about Ever the commercial person? Yes. What, what are we picking on? How about Lauren Hardy's radio show? Well, I didn't know they had one. Yeah. They did. You might want to take that one on for size. Yeah, they had such visual comedy. Right. That's why you had to that's see why these guys in order to appreciate the humor that they were delivering. I can't imagine them on radio. That that's might be something for you to consider. That's why it didn't work very well. She was. Did, yeah. Okay, check out. <laughs> and okay, we can and promote that with the All and Hardy fan club and really get a few others, Patricia. Alden, I thought you loved me. <laughs> I do. Oh, my. I do, but I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be great to have a sponsor like the Lowell and Hardy Fan Club, you know, or something like that? Oh, oh, oh. oh my. Is this, way to root, this is the route to it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, gee. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, I, you know, somehow yeah. I'm feeling a little bit like I'm getting set up. Ron suggests another Stan Freeberg, and you suggest Laurel and Hardy with 48 million people who are going to come after me. Thank goodness you guys don't know where I live. Holy cow. I do. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but, you know, I love you too much to protect that I let you come to any harm. <coughs> but, no, I'm just Bless thinking. you. Uh, gee, I think Laurel and Hardy didn't make it. Uh, in my book, that, that, I don't see how that ever would have worked on radio. No, it wouldn't. It, 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 it was because they were so visual. Yeah. Well, they they would get a marvelous preamble from me about their movies. Which yeah. are, mm-hmm. I, no matter how many times I see one, I laugh out loud. You They're just who, so good together. You know who who I'm surprised never had a radio series? Speaking of TV uh, or film. And I think it would have worked. I think the Little Rascals would have made it. They might have. I, I, I'm surprised nobody ever attempted <clears throat> to take the Little Rascal and make that a radio series. When were they on television? Well, it, it was always in the movies in the 30s. Oh, it's the movies, yeah. of course. Yeah, I was thinking of, I was thinking of, well, I think we think of it TV because that's all we, our generation used to watch it was on TV. But I'm thinking when they started in the 30s, uh, I, you know, even back into the 20s, the little rascal goes back to the 20s, into the 30s. I, I think, I think that concept would have worked on radio, but they never did it. Yeah. Well, they, according to IMDb, they had a television run hmm. starting in 1955, but it doesn't give me an ending date. With a really good cast here. But no radio. Yeah, none none that we recognize from the movies. Oh, Jackie Cooper. Yeah. And it looks like that's the only one. Hmm. I didn't know that they had a television series. Mm. However. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm not finding much. Our gang, Little Rascals TV. For heaven's sake. Let's see when they did it. 
the very first Our Gang in 1922. How about that? Yeah. How did, when did this? When did they stop filming it? Um, the Rascals films. Oh, I'm doing homework, homework, homework tonight. <laughs> well, I have one for you. I haven't you haven't looked up yet. I'm anxious to ask you to look up. Little Rascal Films. Let's see if Wikipedia has anything. Filmography. Um, filmography. Filmography. Oh. Okay, Little Rascals. Make back to IMDb. <clears throat> Is anybody going to? talk while I'm doing this. <laughs> Why don't you ask well, me what you were going to ask me? Well, sure. There's, there's, I got thing. When do we start doing polls? Polls? Gosh, I looked that up. Yeah, I mean... I I disremember. I mean, why 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 is Joyce Gallup the full, most famous poster? You know, those types of things I'm going to ask about. Well, you know that he was in operation when Fibber McGee and Molly's movie about Fibber going to Washington, what was that, when they were looking for an average man? Heavily Days. And that was it. Yes, thank yeah. you. I never know which movie to plug these things into, mm-hmm. but Gallup was on the train with him, I guess. George Gallup, yep. Yep. Oh. Okay, let's see. Ron, how is the weather in the great state of Illinois this week? You know, it's very interesting. It's it's uh, it's cool, but it's not cold. Cold. Uh-huh. We have had no snow uh, lately, uh-huh. and we only had one, two really measurable snowfalls. One of them was was uh, substantially more than the other. Uh-huh. We've had very little snow this winter. It's been a strange winter here in the Midwest. We've had very few cold days. I think about two or three really cold ones. And, uh, you know, when it, when it was, there was one day when we had like one degree for a high. But there haven't been that many of those. It's really been a strange winter here. Have you gotten both your sea crane and your Grace Radio uh, reset? No, no, no. We wanna, that's one thing I want to talk to you about. Uh-huh. Uh, they aren't, uh, yesterday USA did not, the new ones did not go in the radio. Okay, well, uh, what, uh, they're both working. Uh, Jim's yes. got great, and I have C-Crane working. Yes, I know Jim's good. Jim's got his working. Right, and I have my, C- and I have my C-Crane right. radio working. You well, got it? it's a matter of getting my neighbor over here to right. do that. Now, the way, the way I did it on Monday, I, I had my mom, and then I called C-Crane, and they walked us through it to reset them. I got you. So that's how I would do it. Uh-huh. Go on. The, but the other thing is um, we did not reprogram my phone. Okay. And we didn't have to. Well, good. Well, maybe, uh... No, because because TuneIn just picked the other, picked the other feed right up. Perfect. And the same with the, with the, with the guys over on uh, Radio Once More. Yeah. I think TuneIn did a good job. Yeah, they did. And Utune did a good job. They, they are our friends who had the Victor screen reader. They're working now. Uh-huh. So, just our Wi-Fi radio, we just got to go and reset them. Yes, I have to. We have to get those reset. Okay. Um, so, but that's just—it's it's a matter of getting it done, and I will. Okay. But they're in the computer. I have them in the phone, so I'm—I got them somewhere. Well, basically, all you need to do is hit the search field. Uh, okay. If you have the Wi-Fi two, I mean the C Queen Radio two. 
I have the one. You have the one? Okay. They're using... <laughs> the one you have. Okay. Yeah. That one is using uh, TuneIn. And so you just got to you just got physically search for uh, have a punch in yesterday USA and it'll pop up both red and blue and you can walk that through with the uh, C Queen people and also might be able, yeah pretty quick you might be able to do it on her own okay um so it's just a matter of her finding the time to get over here and do it and right okay. and right now it's not real not a real high priority for me no but I'm just letting you know it's all working so that's good. Because because I have it in the, in the phone and I have the the link in the computer. All right. That's so I'm good. good. You're good. Yep. And okay. uh, so what do you want to know? Uh, before we do that, Jim, uh, as Jim told you, we've been we've been busy on the on the download side doing this, and we've got a bunch of other stuff, and I sent some to Larry, so I don't know if he'll send it, give it to you or not. He's been doing that, so I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, so he's got, he's got some more now. I just sent him some more tonight okay. that we got today. All right, Patricia's ready and eager. She's ready. And, and one other thing, the sound on that stuff is incredible. It's amazing, yeah. It, it is. It really is. Wonderful. You can hear Patricia on Hi Fi, practically. Yeah. What's the difference between Hi Fi and Lo Fi? Especially if we can get her on Skype, you know. I know. Yeah. Who says I'm going? Who says I'm going to sound like, I don't know, what is it? Oh, Tallulah. I guess that, that's Don. Again. Oh, gee, I have to go to bed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dan in Indiana says if I get on Skype, I might sound like Tallulah. Well, oh my voice yeah, well, might, might be very chat, different. Chat. Chad is waiting for you to be, to be Miss Monitor, too. So you, you I know, and I thought about that this week. It's, it's, uh, he's so far away. behind. Okay. 16 movies for our gang okay. that starred the Little Rascals. The television stuff was cartoon. Okay, and so when did they, Little hmm? Rascal ended? From 22 to when? From 23 was their movie. Their uh, first movie. And, the and 1942 was their last movie. Okay. So they were very much in time. for, And they were doing records, by the way. Um, oh, really? So they have some recordings. Huh. But no radio. That's weird. No radio. You'd think then, then radio. That's what's no the radio. Hmm. I have so much to do. Okay. The... Sound stages were converted for sound recording. This is the Hal Roach era. And our gang made its all-talking debut in April of 1929. 25-minute small talk was the title. Um, let's see if I can find anything on radio. If they did it, and why not if they didn't? No radio, not even mentioned. Oh. And you're right, they were, they were so animated in their scripts and how they delivered them, they would have made great radio. I wonder why well, how Roach was in the movie that. studio. Well, maybe how Roach figured he didn't want to do anything with radio, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there are a million pages on those guys, and I'm sure that I, I think I gave you the correct information. I'm not sure. 
you're never sure. Everything on the Internet is true, but I don't trust it. <laughs> and now, polls. The first straw poll. Are you ready for this? Yes. 1824. Ooh, a long time ago. And it, origin it originated out of a combination of short-term political changes associated with the end of the first American party system. How about that? Good. So let's see. 18, da, 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 da. George Gallup himself stated that the earliest counterpart of modern opinion surveys occurred in 1824. So let's see how Gallup, where, where we so can find So when George Gallup, Gallup was around? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Wait a minute. I've taken a George, I've taken a Gallup poll on the phone before. Did you? I mm -hmm. just hang up on those guys. <laughs> I, I mean, really. You know, I, I started asking, answering one. Um, it, four years ago, it was a political survey. I thought, yeah, 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 I'm finished. How else? How else are they yet. going to do that? Well, then they got down to um, how many children do you have? Uh -huh. What is your religion? Uh -huh. do, you, do you believe um, abortion should be legal or uh -huh. illegal? And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> we're, we're getting into territory here that goes beyond who do you like in the election. Well, also, we're also interesting. They want to know your 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 income bracket, I always think, you know, that's uh, Yes, yes, and I've realized that they need demographics, but they don't even give them, these are the robot calls, they're not human beings you're talking to, and I thought, ah, robot call, okay, I can do that, and there is no option, as they do when you sign up for accounts somewhere, would rather not, or would rather not say, or no opinion, or you know, there, there. It's either black or white, and of course, the way the questions are framed, no matter what you answer, you're going to get pinned to the wall. So I just hung up and forget it. Okay, opinion poll. Let's see. Um, what we need is George Gallup. I think something is sick in my computer. I'm looking at George Gallup's name on the page. On the internet page, I put in "find Gallup" and I said it's not there. I, I, heard, I heard an interesting um, analysis this week about the polls. They think maybe polls are going to be totally inaccurate from this point on because people mm -hmm. are not answering the phone. Can you blame them? So, so that might that might that might mean check look all the poll surveys we're seeing are going to just be wrong. Well. I guess um, when a couple of years, a couple of election years, Iowa was off base, and they're considered the golden cow, I guess. Let's see. He was born in Jefferson, Iowa in 1901, known for the Gallup Poll, and that began in, that began in. Oh, Ron, are you going to eat buffalo wings tomorrow during the Super Bowl? No, I'm not. You gonna have Thousand Island dressing or blue cheese with your buffalo wings tomorrow? Uh, no, I'm not, and I'm not even <laughs> gonna listen to our watch. So you, so you're not. Uh, uh, how many bags of popcorn are you planning to help out with while you're watching I Super Bowl? I don't think any. Oh, I don't think any. Uh, how many bags of peanuts? Nah, I don't have any right now. 
Um, don't have any right no, now. No peanuts. No peanuts right now. I don't know what I'll do, but I don't think I'll be spending time with a football game tomorrow. I think I'll be doing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's always spoken for it, but just... <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, that's okay. We're we're together in spirit. Yeah. yeah. In spirit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I'm having an awful time finding information tonight. They tend to bury pieces of just all I want to know is George Gallup first poll. Let's let's try that. Have you listened oh, to any new radio shows this week, Ron, that you can recommend? Yes. Okay. Yes, I found a nice one. Tell us. The Love Story magazine. Isn't that what the shadow came from? It's it's a it's a it's a uh, I think it's it's a publication. Yes. Yeah. The uh, the radio program was twenty six weeks. Okay. It was syndicated. Uh, I think it was out of New York because I think I recognize Frank Knight's voice on it. And so were they mysteries inside the love story magazines or what? Detective they were, stories? No, they were they were they were uh, love stories kind of thing. Uh-huh. Nice, I enjoyed it. The quality on what I heard is exceptional. Claudia was very very good. Oh, you heard them? I played one last night. And oh. it had a realistic storyline. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed them. I've got I listened to a bunch of them a few months ago. Yeah, very good. I heard the first one last night, or the other day. Yeah. And I, I, was very I thought it was it. going to be some kind of a documentary, uh, like I, Claudia, on the... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for Julius Caesar to show up, but it was really it was really a very good soap opera. I was one of impressed. the two no, really good ones. These were... These were uh, not re- these were not related stories. They were. I don't think they were related. Were they? Were they? Is it a soap opera thing? I don't know. Didn't yeah, it, it was. One. It was a continuous soap opera. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. I heard the first one. Yep, and very good. Just I, really I, good, and so realistic. Hmm. Think got me that Coca Cola was the sponsor. I thought that was an interesting combination. Oh, Claudia. Yeah. I really? like Claudia. Why? Why would you think? Well, I would think the target market for Coca Cola would have been for kids. I think Claudia was very well. well Claudia was very well done. Right, I, I agree. But once I've been sampling, I guess thought that would have been. Well, you're right. It's not a mom product. Yeah, it's yeah. not um, you know, cake mix you know or Bisquick or. Did you know Walden? There's one episode of Claudia that you'll never hear. Right. this to me. Yeah, which, which, which one? The last it? one. No. No, and I don't remember which one it is. Oh, that's but nice. It's missing because uh, when they when they made the disc, they put either the previous or the next episode. I forgot which. I think it was the previous episode on the disc on both sides of the disc, and didn't put the didn't put the other the next one on, and so it never got. No, it never got recorded. Right. Oh my goodness! So, do so they have the script? So somewhere out there is a disc, yeah. but no sound. Uh, interesting for us. No, no air check to record right. from the radio. Right. 
correct. Pai Pui. How did you learn that? Uh, let's see. Oh, um, I learned it from Neil Ellis. Oh, okay. He's a pretty good resource. Yeah. He is a very good okay. resource. I have to look up something about George Gallup, but his first poll was in 1932 after he joined the advertising firm uh, Young and Rubicam, and that's one that Cynthia Myers talked about a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so now I have to find George himself, what kind of doctor he was. His, his self. Uh, speaking of future programs, on uh, March the 4th, everybody, uh, Friday night, we're going to do a look at Meredith Wilson. And there's a lot of undiscovered uh, interviews that he did by career from his little small town, Mason City, Iowa, which we'll have access yes, to. Yes, Mason City, Iowa, yeah. So, so that people might want to enjoy, we'll have Meredith Wilson biographer on, so that, that should be a fun show. That will be a good show. Oh, I better let somebody else get in here. All right. Yeah, we have to let people hammer me tonight. My gosh, this is such an unusual opportunity. No. Well, you know, and I, 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 my intent was not to hammer. No, you gave me a gray spot. That's good. I really think that that was the right way to go. I really do, because... Uh, first of all, you deserve it. But secondly, I, I am concerned. I am very concerned. I am very concerned. No, I really am very, very concerned for you. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, you're you know, so funny. Your family, your family, and I'm, I'm so concerned for you because I really am concerned that you will indeed, pretty soon here, saw that limb off and fall down. I it's okay if you give me a black spot. Yeah, but you know, we do. How 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 would Patricia handle a broken wrist? I mean, she probably already had one. If she had one, yeah. much oh boy, did she have one? one? Yes. Yeah. That was a long time ago, though. <laughs> so I guess I'm overdue for another one. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's very fair, though. Actually, I do. I do have a friend. <laughs> that's good. Everybody needs one. Everybody well, needs one. Yeah, but yeah. You know, this friend. Um, was in a tree, and he forgot what side of the wall of the oh, he was no. on, and he did saw himself off. This is not smart. Well, he comes from a long line, <laughs> a long line family of engineers. So what can I say? Oh well, that explains it. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Oh. That was a terrible thing to say. That was awful. Well, but you know, engineers are so, um, it's a science, it's a branch of science for them. And, you know, they they just don't make it in places like sawing limbs. I think you're right. No, they don't. You're right, yeah, you're right. Neither would I, because I can't get up there, but that's okay. (laughs) Okay. Never could. Never would do something like that. Never. I am Wait, such a chubby chicken. Something that I do need to have you do for me, young lady, if you, when you, if you can, when you get a chance. 
We've mentioned this before, but I really need the the uh, the 10th volume or disc of, of Gunsmoke. The 10th volume of Gunsmoke, okay. Yes, because mine... I can, I can drop that to you, right? She didn't put that in Dropbox. She couldn't get that. Uh, yeah, she can, yes. Okay. But mine doesn't have the interviews on it. The one you sent me. Oh, okay, okay. Missing those. Mm-mm. So if you could do that, I would be so grateful. Uh, how grateful would you be, Ron? I would be just... Would you write poetry? How grateful write, are you? Would, are so would, grateful. would you write poetry in the name of Patricia? I might. I might even. I might even write a song and give it to Barry Como. You know, hey, that's that's not bad. <laughs> not that? bad. How's that? No, no. I mean, you know. <laughs> you know. I mean, who who else on the station has her own song? Well, nobody that nobody, I know. Who else on this station? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very good one for her. Oh my goodness! Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if her whole family knows she has her own song yet. Do, well, do, we might not. Do, do, do your brother and sister know you have your own song yet? Nobody knows oh. but our listeners. <laughs> She's also she also has an instrumental. Oh. I know. Um, Prez Prado did correct uh, on an on an organ, and correct. somebody else did one. Well, Perry Collins was the only one I know, but. But Brad's product was in 1915. I'm nice. I like that record. My father loved it. Oh, it was a good record. Yeah, he he would play I have it a it. lot. I have it. Okay. Well, we we have to, you have Press Prado, did you say? Yes. yes, I do. Yes, I have. And and you're going to send that to me if I send you Volume Ten. Would you like? I would love it. I would be delighted to do that. Oh, thank you. That I really would be a treat. Thank you. I will, I will do that for you. And I will do Volume 10 for you. We have a mutual admiration society we here. Have a, we have a and good old-fashioned trade swap in here, everybody. And isn't it, and isn't it wonderful? <laughs> this is a swap Great. meet. A swap meet. Okay, time to let other people hammer me. Yes, indeed. So I'll Okay. You uh, both of you have a very nice evening. Thanks, Ron. And Thank I, you, and you have a safe week. Be I safe. Challenge. You too. Go Broncos. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the team you're, you think will take it tomorrow? I think the Panthers will probably take it, but I'll probably, for sentimental purposes, root for the Broncos, probably. But I, you know, to be Plus honest with you. chewing on your chicken wings. Yeah, be honest with you. Um, there's a chance I'll watch the game, but if something comes up, I just, you know, that pulls me away. That's okay, too. So it's not... What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good grief. You know, I'm having an awful night here. I bought a new flavor coffee, and it's dreadful. Well, and... wait a minute. I, I, my dear? Yeah? Haven't I told you that that Maxwell House is not the brand for you? <laughs> you have to dress me. It's not Maxwell House. It's awful. Maybe I'm just used to to the other taste. Well, why don't Why don't you use that for scrubbing and cleaning? Hello, Carl. You're on here. Hello, you two. Hi, Celeste. Are Hi, you? Celeste. I wanted to thank you one more time, Patricia, uh, and I've already thanked Walden for all your help about getting me going here, so I can listen to you. 
And and what you had to wind up doing is calling your your computer guy. Yes, and he didn't charge me a thing. He was oh, he, oh, how nice! He came in and set it up and did it. <laughs> so I'm oh, all happy goodness. again. Listen, I wanted to talk to you. It's not to put you down about Dan Freeburg, but I want to oh, put you it can. in a different in a different context, and I'll tell you why. When Stan Freeberg came on the radio, uh, it was, I was just, I think, transitioning from high school to college, and that's when I first met my husband and all that. And we loved anything that was just really put down the status quo Stan Freeberg liked good music, and he made just made fun of Lawrence Welk, and uh, I'm trying to think of who else. He, you know, and we just ate that up. We, yeah, he, he drove Johnny Ray. Would be in our, he, he, we would be in our car driving. Oh, and he's the one that called Guy Lombardo, Guy Lombago, and made fun of his wobbly saxophone band. He drove Johnny Johnny Ray crazy. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my, my question and to you, Celeste. I made fun of Lawrence well with all the bubble machines. Okay, you know, you, know the sto- you know the story behind that? Mm-hmm. You, you, do you know the story why, why Stan created the Lawrence Welk song? No, huh? Patricia, do you know? I've heard it many times. Oh, yeah. I don't. There's a, there's a Stan told a backstory behind it. Patricia, you I know why? I don't have a clue. Okay. Stan was on the dance floor with his girl, and Lawrence Welk cut in because he wanted to take his girlfriend away f- f- on the dance floor. So Stan was not happy about that. So that's, oh. why, <laughs> that's why he wrote the song. I don't doubt doubt it. But that's when the word hip came in when I was growing up, you know. And Uh he was was everything that was hip to us. He made fun of everybody, but especially bad music. And he despised country western, and he was just merciless on country western. And, of course, we loved that, too, because we hated country western. It was just, you know, Sid Caesar was on television doing the same thing. Uh, it, it was just, a, I think, a different time than now. And so I think that might help you understand why we all love Dan Freeberg so much. It's because he... Well, I, no, I, I do made, understand. And as you're explaining uh, it, it's a whole new facet. What I need to ask you and say, number one, I haven't heard all of the shows. This was the first one I heard, and I thought this particular episode was awful. It was the first Uh one, and Uh perhaps it wasn't up to stride. He didn't hit stride on it. But Uh with, with that in mind, did you think the episode, rather than the show, but this particular episode, cut? did it cut it for you? Well, it wasn't his best. It wasn't his best by far. No, no. Okay. I, I, I agree. It wasn't his best. Okay. But, of course, so we, we all loved him so much. We loved anything he did, but that wasn't <laughs> his best. 
that one was not necessarily at the top of the list. No. Okay. No. Um, so let me ask no. you this. If, if we're talking exclusively about this particular episode, and you say it wasn't really quite up to the standard that mm-hmm. he established right. later, would you give me a black star, a gray star? Certainly not a white star. <laughs> I would give you a gray star because you're so much younger than I am that I think you didn't know why we, maybe you don't understand why we liked him so much for making fun of of the things that we didn't like, you understand? Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's I, and, of, and I, I truly do understand, Celeste, what disturbed me so much was that it it was bam, 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 bam. And uh-huh. some of the humor that is in there, I don't understand his humor a lot. So for me, uh-huh. It, uh-huh. it was wasted. It was a wasted effort on my part. Uh-huh. But the sound, just one thing after another, it was like a slow uh-huh. machine gun going off. And that uh-huh. hurt my ears. Yeah, yeah. I understand it wasn't his best. That's by far, that's why I'm giving you a grade. But I wanted to let you know why we all loved him so much. It's because we were just, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time in the car driving when I would go with my husband on the road. And he just made fun of everything. And to us, it was just so wonderful because the kind of music particularly that he despised, we all despised too. And it was just wonderful, you know, Lawrence Belk and Guy Lombardo and the Bubble Machine and on and on and on. And we just thought that was great. When you were a teenager, Celeste, which which music was in vogue when you were listening to Stan Freeberg? Well, we we still had great big band music at the time, you know, we had all the great big bands were playing, Harry Jones, Woody Herman, all that. And she, Stan Freeberg loved all of that. And we had a lot of good uh, singers that were around, jazz singers, big band singers, and all that. And the fact that he would make fun of the kind of music that we didn't like just, just drew us in. And, and making fun of advertising, oh, that was the best thing. He was brutal with that, and that's the best work I that I appreciate. I think that was some of his best work, anything what, that had to do with advertising. What did your, oh. husband, what did your husband and his fellow musicians thought when rock and roll hit the scene? Could, did they scratch their head? You know, by no, they didn't, they didn't scratch their heads. They just... It's just uh, such a dumbed-down way of music, you know. Um, I don't know. You know, good music is based on diminished chords and augmented chords and and people who can really sing and, and, and read music and all that. And uh, But, you know, time moves on. Yeah, I guess so. Uh-huh. I mean, I'll never like it, but time moves on, you know, and people go on. And then later on, you got into the people who smashed their guitars and everything on the stage. And to musicians, that's just, that is really hurtful to see that, you know. And so, uh, but anyway, times change, and my kids have their 
They they have people that they like, even though their dad was a jazz musician. They have people that they like, and you can't criticize them for that. Every era has its own significant, you know, uh, the people that they like, and so you just you just have to move on <laughs> and not worry about it. And, and fortunately, of course, we can listen to any kind of music we want to now, mm-hmm. so it's really great. And that's that has expanded a lot too. The way with with the you know the way I can get on my computer and yeah. listen to Tony Bennett or listen to anybody I want to. Yeah. That's wonderful. So you just have to move on. But that's I just wanted to explain to Patricia when you're young and kind of snarky and in college and everything. <laughs> and I that word. Just, he just hit the mark. For all of us. You were anti-establishment. Admit it. Anti-establishment. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. But I agree oh, with you. That was not his best. That was not his best at all. It was okay. So, so it's gray. I get a gray. So okay. You get a gray. Okay. Well, you know, this is turning out to be okay tonight. I was really afraid <laughs> for. Uh, I was. I was. I thought I was going to get shellacked. <laughs> I mean, he's a sacred cow, for goodness sake. I would never shellac you, Patricia. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You would be shellacking my choice, not me. <laughs> okay. All right. That's you know, there's good, one thing okay, I who in the Super Bowl tomorrow? How many, how many chicken wings long. are you going to eat? <laughs> when I was listening to that long conversation of the guy from Indiana, uh-huh. You know, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that a lot of people don't really know the history of what went on during the Dust Bowl days mm-hmm. in Oklahoma and places. They had been told to grow wheat, 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 and that's all they grew. And a lot of things the same in Texas. A lot of cotton and corn. And SDR got the best people he knew, and he sent them back down to Texas and Oklahoma and all the Midwest states and all that, taught them to rotate rotate their crops and how to plow in circular instead of straight furrows, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he's the one that literally FDRs, you know, not him, but he got experts to do that. And they yeah. went down from the Midwest down to Oklahoma and Texas and taught people how to rotate their crops and not grow the same crops every year and all that. But That's he was a little late for a lot of the farmers. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, of course, Oklahoma was sadder than any state because those poor people had grown wheat forever and ever and ever. And so many of them packed up and moved to California, and it was just, it was tragic. That's what the Okies. The Okies. Yeah. And the Grapes of Wrath, that wonderful movie, I mean that wonderful book by John Steinberg. Mm-hmm. And when, when they got to California, the California people hated them. It's, it's so sad, you know, it's just, just really sad. But Very anyway, tragic. that's I was when I was listening to y'all talking about what grows where, that's, that's 
one of the things I remember, and my daddy taught me all that. Yeah. Yeah. Did the tobacco crop in Pennsylvania surprise you? It did. It really did. I thought that was a warmer. I think of Pennsylvania. I thought so too. Old in the winter time, don't you? All right. Let's see. Now everything on the internet is true. Let me let me verify this one. <laughs> you goofy girl. <laughs> Well, isn't it true? Let's see. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Let's see. Um, and Walden, you you were correct, and it is stem cells that the two the uh, two pharmaceutical companies. Yes. I didn't realize they were doing work in stem cell, but I I knew it couldn't be a drug oriented thing. But you are absolutely on top of it. WebMD has yeah. a posting on. February 4th, yeah, It's made big news, so they, they want an agreement to merge their two patents together. So And they'll be working together on it. Yeah. So everybody, That's incredible. Everybody who type 1 diabetes, hey, good news this week, you know? Isn't that it wonderful? Is, yeah. I heard that, too, and that yeah. is just it is. Wonderful. And you know I'm in the in that group. I know. With the type oh, 1. I th- you, were, I, you were the first one I thought about, you know? Yeah, well, you're so kind to do that. They were doing pancreatic cell transplants for a while, and it just they just didn't have the success that they thought they were going to have, that the, the um, active cells, the ones that actually worked, would begin to take over the ones that had broken down. Because people with type 1 diabetes don't create any insulin at all. Their pancreas is just shut down. Right. So they thought with using uh, transplants, cell transplants, that they could create an environment where they would reproduce and replace the the dead ones, and it just didn't happen. So this is fabulous. I mean, stem cell research is just incredible. And so was asking about type 2, and I said, well, I imagine no, once I they work on type 1, that would probably be the next thing to try to figure out. You know, it's a yeah, different game. Well, type, type 2 is a resistance to insulin. Type 2 creates insulin, they just can't use it. Ah. And that's the medication that, you know, creates an environment in the body that will allow them to use the insulin that they create themselves. Mm -hmm. So type 1 is you don't create anything. Type 2 is you can't use what you create. Really weird. Okay, so... I'm looking for tobacco, Pennsylvania, Wikipedia. (laughs) Isn't this fun? We're having so much fun tonight. (laughs) Tobacco. Look at that, the agriculture common to the south. They have a lot of that, including feed, fiber, food, and tobacco. Well, you know, I mean, that's pretty universal, except for the tobacco. Yeah, it's a big tobacco state. How about that? I, I, I'm totally amazed by that. I've, I've never heard That just blew me away. I thought, you know, that's a cold weather state. You get snow and ice there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was very, very cold this year. Really, really cold. Yeah. Well, I, I heard never another, know. I heard another thing this, about last week, and I it didn't make, it, I, I never thought of it, but because the water has been so warm, flu season has not really hit. Uh-huh. And I and well, I got interesting. yeah, and I got because the food the the cases of food have been way down this year. 
And because of the oh warm God. weather. That's right, Walden. You're because, all right. I had thought of that. Because of the warm weather. And I, I didn't know that until I heard on the news that they, they had such a correlation about that uh, a week ago. And I thought, that's interesting. I mean, we all think about being cold and, you know, picking mm-hmm. up pneumonia. Right, but, but right. But you never thought about the flu being a correlation with the weather. Never even recognize that they aren't reporting flu statistics. Yeah. Well, you are sharp. How do you find time to, to gather up all of this information? I figured I'm hanging with Patricia. I got to be on my tippy toes <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing I think that's really working, despite some crazy people that don't like um, inoculations and things, but I think people are really, really, especially my age, we're very careful about our flu shots and our pneumonia shot, and I think that's every five years. And uh, don't you think that's changed a lot, too? That's interesting. I don't know about the age groups of people who are now smart enough to get flu shots. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it because our... Our medical education base is just, you know, it's had another 50 years to study things so they're able to help us now. Like, yeah. for, for example, my 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 dad, dad my grandfather, and he died at age 44 in 1940. He had classic symptoms of a heart attack. And he went to the doctor, and they didn't know what oh. to do. So, I mean, yeah. from 1940 yeah. until... 2016, we have such a stronger base of education that, you know, if my dad said it, they could have saved his dad if they knew sure. what they were looking of for. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And just think, of, you all are so young, you don't remember, but when DeBakey and all of those people started um, heart transplant, yeah. studying the heart and everything, I mean, that study just took off and has saved so many lives. When did that start? In the 60s? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Um, I don't know where DeBakey was. Barnard was in South Africa. Do I have that one correct? Mm -hmm. And there was a famous doctor that really did it at... um, M.D. Anderson in Houston, and I, I can't call his name right now, but he was one of the famous ones that started studying the heart, heart transplants, and just every, you know, everything to do with the study of hearts. And I, mm-hmm. that has been a, a real lifesaver. You're right, Walden. Your yeah. grandfather could have lived to be a cool man. You guys know what, you guys remember Paul Winchell, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. What, besides his career in show business, what else is he known for? He is known for, oh, gosh, the cardiac, the artificial heart? Yes. Uh, no, the, 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 really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine having two such careers like that, being a an, entertain, an entertainer like that in the 40s and everything? And a medical inventor. And a medical. Wow. And, uh, one of the... Go yeah. ahead, I'm sorry. And he said one that it was interesting, another person who was interested in the exact same thing who didn't pursue was Edgar Bergen. 
Agaburger uh-huh. had a strong interest in medicine. Yes. Hmm. So, really, really did. Yeah. In fact, Edgar wound up, he said, he, I went into an interview, he endowed a lot of scholarship for nurses, and he, he was, and he brought out the reason why I do that, I don't see much of a uh, reason why I endow a bunch of scholarship in the, in, in, in the arts, I thought it would be more helpful, yeah, I, I wanted a career for a lot of people, and I thought... To do something that would have a big impact. Yeah, yeah he no, thought it would have no. a bigger impact for it. It would make a difference, yeah. yeah. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Well, I've been going through, as you know, part of the research work that I do is going through old newspapers. Right. <clears throat> and I think it was DeBakey's name I came across as we were going. And I looked at the picture. I said, this cannot be. And I read... I read the first paragraph. He sat back and lit a cigarette, and I thought, this cannot be, this cannot be. And I'm I'm sure it was DeBakey, not Barnard. Whichever one it was, it was her horrible thing. Well, now, one of them, tell me where they were, because I cannot think of the name of the doctor at MD Anderson that did such, in Houston, that did so much work on the heart. Wasn't okay. the Jarvis Hart? Remember there was the Jarvis Hart, I think, was in Houston. Houston had right. a big advancement in, in, in the early, early 80s, late 70s. The Jarvis Pump. Jarvis right. Pump, okay. Jarvik. Oh, okay. It's a, I thought it was Jarvis as well. It's Jarvik. Okay. Houston, and that would be... Um, um, <laughs> hold on. It was Robert Jarvik. Ah. Widely known as the inventor of the first permanent total artificial heart. You know, I I collect a lot of these Ray Bream and Larry King interviews, and remember Mm -hmm. in the news stories in the late 70s, with a lot of these guys who were on these things that would live, you know, maybe 30 days or 60 days. Right, right. yeah. And I guess if you knew you were dying tomorrow, it probably would have been an option that a lot of people would take. But you know, uh-huh. if you think about it... Personally? <laughs> I but think you so. think about it, in a way, they helped research. <laughs> they, gave them a, mm-hmm. they gave them a way to study it and see what they could do for the next generation. Yeah. And here I sit with a quadruple bypass and say, no, I don't think I'm going to Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that is so tough. Common now, yeah. you know we don't even think well, about it. For me. A lot of appreciation for it, but I I remember when all that was going on. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, look at George Burns. He had triple bypass when he was eighty and lived another twenty more years. And it was mm-hmm. big, the time when he did it in seventy four. I mean, that was, you know, that was definitely high risk surgery back in those days. Oh you know? yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what did Jack Benny die of? Pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic yeah, cancer. Oh, okay. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. They discovered it during Dallas, I think. Well, they knew he was sick, and I think they discovered and sent him home, or it was some connection with Dallas, or in Texas. 
I tell you what that was about. He yeah. used to. Do you remember? He used to have Giselle McKenzie yeah. on his. I, I sure do. Yep. And they used to do concerts, and she was with him when he was here in Dallas, and they sent him home. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I remember that. Yeah. I just couldn't remember. I don't. I don't think. And I think in that day, I don't think they ever told Jack what what he really had. Really? Yeah, really? I think. Yeah, I think Joan. I don't, and I and I think and I, I think Joan mentioned that I, I think her mom really did had no really clue uh, about it until the very end. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember so well. I think Joan's the one that walked downstairs to the reporters and made the announcement. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd just forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, well, we, we something... have made advances, and sometimes, <clears throat> you know, younger people just take everything for granted. And, and if I could say anything to young people, it is take nothing for granted because they don't realize all of the hardships people went through, like you're talking about. And, you know, farmers would just die out in the field of a heart attack, uh, you know, when yeah. they'd be working and all that. And I think I think kids don't know anything about that anymore. Well, I, I, I had a family member, and I probably had more than one, that were killed. You know, you know if, they get, if they turn one of those trucks or one of those vehicles, mm-hmm. they could roll right on top of them. It wasn't... Yeah, you know, I, I've I've often said that farming is is probably the biggest gamble there is. It is. It really is. And I will gamble. I will tell you one thing that I remember my daddy telling me, because uh, <clears throat> he had relatives that had farms. Uh-huh. You know, when they turned the uh, all of the plants and the, uh, you couldn't make cars anymore, all that had to so they suspended car making cars and all that mm-hmm. turned it into. Um, defense contracting, you know. Right. Their favorite people to hire were farmers. And you know why? No. Do you know why? No, I do not. Yeah, okay. If a farmer was out in the middle of a field, miles from home, and his tractor broke down, what did he have to know how to do? He had to fix his own vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And so they found out when they began to hire defense workers that these the the farmers were really gave them a lot of, of help about how to do things and how to things into things and all that and you know of course they hired a lot of other people too but those were their farmers were sure. their favorite workers during World War II. Great stuff. Isn't that amazing? Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, I will let you all go and let somebody else call you. It's been a great night, and I'm giving you a great, Patricia, because you (laughs) weren't born when I was enjoying standing. Thank you. (laughs) I want to finish the night with either a black or a white. My preference (laughs) would be a white. Well, you haven't gotten the black yet, have you? I haven't heard that. No, I haven't had it. All grays. I think think (laughs) all all of you are just doing it out of personal consideration rather than you're appreciating the person rather than my work. I mean, it's like 
like criticizing Stan Freeberg for having Oh, gee. What a day. Well, I love you both. Good night. Good night, Celeste. Good night, Celeste. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 714-545-2071. We're going to have a... What's your second wing tomorrow, Patricia? Um... You know, I really like chicken wings. If I buy a roasted chicken, uh-huh. it's the first thing I eat. Okay. There's a lot of meat on chicken wings. They are. Yeah, I really like chicken wings. Anyway, um, would you like to know about birthdays? Sure, 714 So number you can give us a ring, ding, ding. A ringy-dingy-ding. Okay, now pick up the phone, and I'll give you the five birthdays I have. I have I have the phone picked up. It's in the okay. Morning, so go ahead. Hang on, caller. Hang on. Right. February 6th. It's still February 6th here. Okay. Ronald Reagan. Uh, the, the Babe Ruth. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Babe, Babe Ruth. Yeah. Tom Brokaw. Ooh, I would love to have him on the show. Oh, gosh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Red Buttons and Hank Aaron. I'm I'm so sorry. Red Buttons and Hank Aaron were the fifth, and on the sixth, Ronald Reagan, Babe Ruth, and Tom Brokaw. Ah. So we we got so famous birthdays. And I this saw month. this morning at Jacques Gabor and uh, somebody who we, we had on the station, Mamie Van Dorn. So no kidding. Oh, I miss those. Okay. All right, who's going to give me my lumps or my stars or my dots or something like that? Hello, caller. You're on there. I might hand out a lump to you. <laughs> really? Yeah. On okay. uh, on the Joe Penner show. Oh. Yeah, Joe, Joe is uh, one of my favorite people. Oh, all right. Well, he was just recommended. I used to I didn't know. Do it. Uh, I, I uh, didn't do it. I, it was recommended. I'm innocent. <laughs> That's I make okay. enough guilt for myself. But I can kind of understand, uh, you know, if you if you weren't quite on his wavelength, as that his comedy goes way back. It's, you know, he started I think in the twenties on the. Who are we talking with? This is Mark. This is Mark, by the way. Oh, Mark. Yeah, Jim <laughs> called in earlier and and had some questions. Yes. Yes. And I have some answers to those. All right. I won't get started too much on Joe Penner if you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can tell me about Joe Penner because I have to make a decision about him. <laughs> I mean, if he's another golden cow, I'm not going to. Well, it's a real shame that um, his radio legacy is so uh, decimated. You know, I mean, there's only six or seven uh, episodes in the, that exist of his best show, which was the Baker's Broadcast from 1933 to 1935. Ozzie and Harriet were his um, co-stars on that. Some of their very first radio work was on mm-hmm. the show. And I think there's one show that exists from that series that's on an aluminum disc, and it's so scratchy. You really have to be <laughs> a dedicated Penner fan to stick with that one. But actually, that's one of his the best of the of the old Baker's broadcasts that I've heard because he had a way of doing really silly things, but he also could touch you in a funny sort of a way. He had kind mm-hmm. of a Charlie Chaplin-esque uh, style to him, you know? He uh, he had a lot of sympathy, I thought, in his character. But, Did he do uh, any when television he, uh, or movies? 
What did you say? I'm sorry. Uh, did he do any television or movies? He he didn't. Unfortunately, he died in 1941, so he didn't live to do too much he television. He did not. But he, I don't know why I know his name. I don't think I've ever heard any of his radio shows, but uh, I certainly if, know his if, name. If you heard maybe some of uh, Frank compilation on Rudy Valley, there's a lot, there's some wonderful features of Yeah, because uh, some of his very first radio work was on the Rudy Valley, a Fleischman Hour. So that's where you'd be familiar with it, probably, yeah. Patricia. But he no, was I movie, I don't he was on the radio. <laughs> uh, he, he was in two real comedies for Vitaphone. He did hmm. a couple of them. His, his, the earliest one I've ever seen is called Seeing Off Service, where he's... <laughs> He's in charge of seeing people off on a, on boat voyages, and he has oh, to bring flowers and candy and things like that. They kind of reject his efforts because you know they think he's insincere or something. But he's paid to do it. You know that's his job in this in this yeah. two real comedy. But uh, you know he had a, a million different catchphrases, and uh, "Wanna Buy a Duck," of course, is the most famous one, which was written by a guy named uh, uh, Heinz uh, Heinz Rubel. And uh, I knew his son, uh, Heinz's son, Mike Rubel. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Rubel's Castle up in Glendora. No. Uh, if if you, of course, you're in Florida, so <laughs> you might be able to find the reference to it on the on the internet. But uh, it was a Mike Rubel built that castle stone by stone with mm. friends that would just donated labor. And it's a, a, a group that I belong uh, to that paints outdoors, used to visit that castle. Uh, we visited several times and painted the beautiful towers he put up and this old clockworks. And that's where I kind, I kind of stumbled into a room full of memorabilia that his mother had. And there in a the display case was old Joe Penner stuff, you know, uh, banners from uh, stage shows Joe had been in. And I said, mm-hmm. look at all this stuff here. And he says, oh, that my dad you know, used to write. Uh, for Joe Penner, and, and uh, his dad wrote all of Joe Penner's little songs that he sang on the show, and he, he like uh, when the when the pussy willow whispers to the catnip, that was one of the songs that Joe sang. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's a, a strong uh, vein of fantasy that goes through Joe's shows, only because you couldn't see what he did, so the words become very important. The words uh, are the comedy; they create uh, the pictures that are there. And uh, the character of, of Goo Goo the Duck was a big star, uh, you know, in the early uh, Joe Penner days in the, in the Baker's broadcast period. But it's, it's what a shame. Like, there's only seven shows that exist from that run. And all of them that I've heard, I've really enjoyed. It's when he started getting into sitcoms when he did the Park Avenue Penners, because I think earlier you were trying to remember Park Avenue. That's what, yeah, I'm trying to remember the t- tail end of that. Right, yeah, the yeah. Park Avenue Penners, where, where he was uh, s- sort of the black sheep of the family. Matter, he, you know, he had that song where he says, I'm just a little black sheep, ba, 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 it's no wonder I'm blue, la, da, da, da. It kind of goes on like that. But, uh, and you want me to love this. Anyway, I don't know. It's not a requirement, that's for sure. But uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Also, Joe's character is in cartoons quite a lot. And since I'm, I'm a big cartoon fan and grew up with cartoons, uh, there's he, a cartoon my... Did he my, voice any particular long-term character like Yogi Bear? I mean, that, not that he did Yogi Bear. That was, oh, well, that, of course, that was Mark Carney. But as, as I'm sure you know, Yogi's whole character was, was Ed Norton from The Honeymooners. You knew yeah, that. I guess that. I guess that would be right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I never thought about it. Oh, yeah. Because, I never read about it. Because uh, Dawes was so good at doing impressions 
you know, Don mm-hmm. Sutler, that he could, he did a great uh, Arcarney as Ed Norton. And uh, he originally did it in uh, uh, some of the Tom and Jerry Cinemascope cartoons for theaters. And then later on when they did uh, television, I guess Joe Barbera remembered the voice and said, hey, that'd make a great character, you know. <laughs> so they built the bear around the voice. Uh, did Joe Kenner do any regular character um, voiceover work? He only did his own. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, he never got to play in cartoon soundtracks that I know of. They always hired impressionists because his, his voice was so distinctive that many people did great impressions of it. Both men and women <laughs> could do could do <laughs> copies of Joe's voice. So he lost out on a bonanza there, I think, because <laughs> he never got called to do his own voice in cartoon soundtracks. Hey, a funny one where, you know who was a great uh, impressionist of Joe was Jack Lascouli. Oh. You remember uh, Jack Lascouli from the old Today Show, I'm sure. Yeah. And Jack did a spot-on Joe Penner. And there's a great Park Avenue Penners called the Old Joe Penner, where <laughs> where the new Joe Penner, you know, the the black sheep, meets the Baker's broadcast version <laughs> of Joe Penner, and Jack Lascouli's playing the old Joe Penner, and they and they meet each other and they try each other's catchphrases out. <laughs> it is really a funny show. I love that one. So anyway, it's just a matter, I guess, of you know, like like you don't. If you don't, uh, if you've only been exposed to what is it, Los Varoches, uh, the the first Stan Freeberg parody, right? You know, with with what is it was Sodom and Gomorrah kind of stuff. Right. That's kind of <laughs> That's uh, terrible. Yeah. Well, I know it was terrible, but it's 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 his one of his first attempts at real serious. He was trying to do serious commentary and and make you laugh at the same time. And I don't know if he really brought it off or not. You know, so maybe that's not a, the best introduction to Stan's work. Yeah, and it but was I, only that episode, as I say. I I haven't even listened to the other ones. I'm almost oh, yeah. afraid to now. <laughs> well, I really like Stan's work a lot. Uh, I got to meet him uh, sort of uh, ad hoc several times. I, I'm in the Academy of, uh, of, uh, of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and we used to meet every year and screen short, short subjects, you know, for the short subjects. Uh-huh. And Stan would come to that, and, <laughs> and he'd be in the back of the theater and making terrible <laughs> remarks and comments about the films, you know, saying, oh, that's terrible. That's not funny. I've seen better stuff than, than that in, in, in Phil Silver's programs or something like that. You'd, you'd be making these really loud remarks. <laughs> and here we're trying to concentrate on the films. <laughs> and he's just breaking everybody up with his, you know, with his commentary. So he was quite a caustic guy. And, was, uh, yeah, he had he had some bite in some of his things. Oh yeah, was he certainly he, did. Was he, he funnier in person doing extemporaneous stuff as he as he versus his recorded shows? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you're probably right on that. Of course, my very favorite stand uh, is uh, Cecil in the Beanie and Cecil uh, puppet shows. <gasps> really? That were done for ATLA. Wow. He was a wonderful Cecil. He he created the whole part, you know. That was his voice and his mannerisms and everything went into that. He and Dawes Butler. Dawes played Beanie and, and Stan played Cecil. Have you ever seen any of those shows, Patricia? No. Oh, well, I, I you may give those up <laughs> a black spot. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I, I really love those, too. But again... Well, uh, Patricia, you know who was a big fan of of that TV show? 
Oh, that was um, Albert Einstein, you Correct. said? Albert right. Einstein was a gigantic fan of that That's show. amazing. That's a story that Stan loved to tell. You know, where we're, we're, they were meeting with Einstein in a, in a high-level conference at the uh, University of Southern California, and all of a sudden he gets up and says, Excuse me, gentlemen, but it's time for Beanie. <laughs> it was time for him to go and watch the show. <laughs> but again, with Beanie, uh, we can't see a lot of the shows, although a lot of them exist, the, uh, the kinescopes. The Clampett family has them, but for some reason, they don't let them out. And it's a real shame. Hmm. I hope that they're being preserved because the few that I've seen, and I've only seen a handful, I thought were quite charming. And they're primitive. You know, they're little hand puppets cavorting on, you know, fuzzy quality kinescopes from 1949, <laughs> from the early days of live Los Angeles TV. But there's a certain charm to them, you know, sort of like Joe Penner. It's sort of an acquired taste. It's, it goes along with the early days of broadcasting. And uh, I don't know. It's just something that I'm I'm on that wavelength. I really love antiquities, and I love watching these old things. I love old things. Okay, I'm going to have to look up Beanie. Yeah, look up Beanie. I'm sure there's there's all kinds of stuff. There's probably on YouTube. There's probably on YouTube. Sure. YouTube is the Wikipedia of the visual. <laughs> and everything on it is true, correct? <laughs> and everything on it is true. Yes. And it's never <laughs> taken out of context. <laughs> Oh, I have something to say about Hal Roach uh, on radio, too. You were, you were talking yeah. about that a little while ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Hatley, T. Marvin Hatley, who was a composer for uh, you know the soundtracks right. for Hal Roach movies, he wrote the score for Way Out West, which was a, a Laurel and Hardy a feature, right. uh, used to work on the lot at their, their little radio show, their, their little radio station. And they broadcast uh, a full day of radio programs. Out of the, I don't know if it was low wattage or high wattage or what it was. And as far as I know, there's no existing recordings of those shows. since These go back to the 20s. But uh, that's where he composed the Cuckoo song for Laurel and Hardy. You know, that was the time signal for the Hal Roach uh, radio uh, station. <laughs> and, uh, and Stan Laurel heard that tune and said, hey, that would be a great theme song for us. Because you know, uh, uh, T. Marvin Hatley called it cuckoo, mm-hmm. so uh, that was adapted uh, for uh, Lauren Hardy's theme. Oh, and also um, Spanky McFarlane uh, and some of the Our Gang kids were on a program called Carlton Myers Kindergarten. Oh, uh, remember that show, Walter? Yep, and that's where Fair McGee and Molly they they had a run on that show. Oh yeah, I uh, see. I, I haven't heard the ones with Fibber, but I, I I've heard the one with Spanky. Ah. Uh. And he's really himself on that. He's a, you know, a, a little uh, interrupter. <laughs> right, right, right. He may have been on um, some other things too. I don't know. I don't know if Lux ever did General Spanky or nope. the, on, the only uh, our gang feature. Nope, never did. Made. That's why it always scratched my head that we such a popular vehicle they would have done something like that. But uh-huh. I and I. You know, I haven't stuck the kids, those kids' names in Golden Hendek. That might give us a clue, whatever appearance that they might have made. But, you know, it's just, uh, I would have thought we would have, to me, it been a, a, an interesting trial to take the old rascals and done a series. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know if you're interested in hearing a little bit of a, 
of an old uh, Joe Penner script. I am. Oh, sure. But I have one here. All right. Go right ahead. This is a show that doesn't exist on on, on disc or tape. Okay. As far as oh, I know. okay. <laughs> it's, it's, when you uh, tell me your show doesn't exist, I yeah, think, who is on, really? Uh, is is uh, on a trial. He's in a courtroom situation, and his duck, I think, is on trial. Gugu is on trial <laughs> for, some, for something. But anyway, I can I can read a little bit of it. You can stop me if you get too disgusted or want to give me a black spot. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a character in the show called Dick. I've forgotten his last name. But anyway, Dick says, this is the courtroom. Hear ye, hear ye, the court is about to begin. His honor, the judge. And Joe says, hiya, judge. And Dick says, shut up. First case, Joseph Peter Piper Penner versus the landlord. Mr. Penner, stand and take the oath. Take the oath? <laughs> Oh, that's so silly. And Dick says, what's silly about it? Oath is for horses. <laughs> and Dick says, repeat this after me. I hereby promise in the presence of the judge and in the presence of the jury that I will deliver my testimony to the best of my ability. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me. I promise. And then Joe says, boy, what a race. <laughs> and then Dick says, order, order. And Joe says, order? Sure. One plate of soup, one hamburger, and Two orders of French fried potatoes. <laughs> Make a chicken soup. No, and Dick says, no noise, no noise. And Joe says, okay, cut out the soup. And then Dick says, I am the attorney for the plaintiff. Mr. Penner, take the stand. And Joe says, where do you want me to take it? And Dick says, leave it there. Mr. Penner, do you own a duck? Yeah, her name is Goo Goo, the light of my life. And Dick says, well, my client claims your duck keeps him awake all night with the strangest sounds that ever came from beast or fowl. And Joe says, well, you see, when she comes home late, I, I, I lock her out, and she cries. And Dick says, whoever saw a duck cry? And Joe says, for heaven's sakes, don't you ever, didn't you ever see a foul ball? <laughs> and Dick says, oh, a wise guy, eh? And Joe says, don't let my face and manners fool you. I got brains. And Dick says, your honor, I object. And Monk, I guess he's, he must be the, the judge. To what, his manners, his brains, or his face? Dick says, to all of them. And Joe says, hey, wait a minute. I object. I object. And Dick says, what do you object to? I object to that guy sitting over there. I, I guess he must be a dangerous criminal or something. He looks like King Kong. And Dick says, yeah? Well, he happens to be the foreman of the jury. And Joe says, <laughs> he, he had that funny little cry he did. And then Dick says, your honor, the plaintiff rests. And Joe says, I think I'll take a nap, too. And Monk says, don't forget what I told you. When I say your honor, would you want a thing like this to happen to your son? And then Joe says, I say, oh, heaven forbid, I know. And then Monk says, don't forget. Your honor, gentlemen of the jury, my client sits there with his fate in your hands. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> what Joe says. Have you ever in all your life seen anything like him? And, and Dick says, not since the circus left town. <laughs> and the audience cheers, and Joe goes, ha, 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 And Monk says, Mr. Penner, you love your duck, don't you? Is that so? Tell the jury how much you love your duck. Is that so? Gentlemen of the jury, is that so? Keep quiet. Would you want a thing like this? Oh, heaven forbid. Not yet, not yet. Would you want a thing like this, a love like this, to go unrewarded? No, no. And Joe says, a thousand times no. Monk says, shut up. Gentlemen, when I think of this poor man, my heart bleeds. My breast is racked with pain. And Joe says, oh, dearie me. And Monk says, gentlemen, would you want a thing like this? Oh, heaven for... 
And the monk says, not yet, not yet. Look at this man, gentlemen. You have heard of the face that launched a thousand ships? And Joe says, yeah. And Monk says, well, here's the one that sank them. And Joe says, I'm glaring at you. And Monk says, and so in conclusion, I again beg you, consider this poor innocent boy. Your honor, your honor, this boy's father might be a man just like you. And Joe says, oh, heaven forbid. And Dick says, what? And he says, cheers, order, order. And Joe says, did I say something wrong? And Monk says, I'll say you did. Oh, dear. Silence. The verdict of the court is that the defendant, Mr. Joseph Peter Piper Penner, is to have his duck taken away from him. And Joe says, oh, you you going to take goo-goo away from me? Oh, oh, please don't, Mr. Judge. She's not a bad duck. I know she's not what she's quacked up to be, but don't take her away. And Bunk says, bear up, Mr. Penner. And Joe says, I can't. I remember when I first found her, I looked up an alley, and there she was. And that's what surprised me, because... She comes from such a nice family. Oh, dear, is there no justice? What floor are we on? And Monk says, the fifth floor. Do you want to jump out the window? And Joe says, no, I'm going upstairs. And Monk says, what for? I want to be tried in a higher court. And then Dick says, the case is finished. Give me that duck. Come here, duck. And the duck goes, and Joe says, oh, judge, please don't take her. I promise I won't let her disturb anybody. Oh, dear. How would you like to be taken away from home when you were a kid, a little kid? Remember? <laughs> and Dick says, uh, I remember. And Monk says, I remember. And Harry, Harry out of Ozzy and Harry says, I remember too. And the band says, we all remember. And then Dick says, the only thing I can say is case dismissed. And Joe says, case dismissed? Then I can keep Goo And Dick says, yes. And Joe says, hooray. Oh, come here, Goo And the duck, <laughs> Oh, thanks. Thanks, everybody. I'll never let her get out of my sight again. Nothing will ever get you away from me, Gugu. Never, never, never. And Monk says, never? And Joe says, never. Monk says, well, goodbye and congratulations. Wait, there's one thing you've got to ask you before we go, mister. And Monk says, what is it? You want to buy a duck? <laughs> so that's that un- the, the so show sad. that doesn't exist. You did a great job, Mark, pulling that one off. That, <laughs> well, anyway, it's just I've heard so many of those shows, I can kind of remember a little bit about how the characters sound. Yeah, yeah. But it's really, you know, it was Joe's delivery that really put it over. I couldn't match what he did, but he just had this certain funniness about him, strange little cries he did and laughs. and Like, he, he always goes, is that so? Which I think... Um, uh, Lou Costello uh, appropriated kind of. Oh, okay. Kind of, didn't he say, "Is that so?" A lot too. I was thinking of Ed Wynn. Oh, maybe Ed Wynn did you know, that. You know, that's what I was thinking. But a lot of people copied some of his mannerisms, and uh, little bits of his comedy pop up now and then. Even today, every once in a while, I hear an old joke. They say, "Hey, Joe Penner did that one." So anyway, I don't know if I've convinced Patricia that. He was all that fabulously great, but uh, I, I, I think I'd better handle him with kid gloves. But uh, there's a few of oh, them that don't like good. it. Yes, you know. The script did sound good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really quite serious about that. That is not normally my type of humor. <laughs> I think, in, I think, in, no, seriously, <laughs> I keep saying seriously. Seriously that about is, humor. That is one way to undermine yourself in a police interview, is Oops. to say, I swear to God, seriously, 
and to tell the truth. Or, or, the or, 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 or you forgot the fourth one. And that is? Let me be honest. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, seriously. <laughs> oh, now, now, in your Dropbox, uh, Patricia, I sent you, uh, I resent you the list of credits. Oh, great. Two Thank Winnie you. the Pooh records. Did you just do that tonight? Yeah, I just did it a, a few minutes ago. Okay, I'm, and the, I'm the on musician, a different computer. A guy so named I'll... Norman Lydon. He did the musical score for the for the. Okay, well, Jim will be very happy yeah, to hear that. Happy to hear that. Yeah, Jim was very he... deep tonight with his uh, uh, review of his book uh, that he read uh, of Winston Churchill. About Winston Churchill, yeah. It's a very interesting review. So it was we a sort great of from, from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he, he <laughs> or the ridiculous to the sublime. Um, the the synopsis was so tight with information, and it was short enough that you retained everything that he said. It was really good, mm-hmm. very good. Jim, you get high fives all over the place for tonight. Certainly, Mark, must. did you hear the awful show last night? Did I what? Did you hear the awful show last night? I must have missed it. Oh, thank goodness. I I heard a little fragment of the show last night. I didn't listen for very long. You mean on Yesterday USA? Yeah, Patricia Harpoon, Stan Freeberg's very first show. Oh, see, well, I heard that you didn't like it, but I didn't hear any any real details of your analysis of it. That was the Los Baroches show, yeah. Patricia did a four... I'd be happy to read it. She she did a (laughs) four-minute commentary, so everybody... What's here with Patricia Reed? No. No, Larry snipped some of it. I'd like to hear it. So it's yeah. probably down to three and three-quarter minutes. Well, Patricia, go ahead. Oh, I have to get it out. Uh-huh. Wait. Okay, you you two can just keep talking. And, okay? Any information on Tom Sawyer, Mark? I didn't think you Oh, uh, alas and alack. Okay. <laughs> I, I have that record. <laughs> but there's a lot of books that are out on children's records, you know, the golden age of children's records right after World War II. And that, that book may have those credits. Okay. So that, that got thinking that might be somewhere, might be if somebody would Google, probably up there too somewhere. Probably. Right. There's a wonderful book. I've forgotten the name of it, uh, but it's, it, ha- it not only gives all the credits and the release numbers and the record numbers of all those old children's records, but there's a, you know, little color photographs of what the, uh, you know, the front covers of all the records oh, yeah. like, and it's a beautiful book. But uh, that's an excellent reference. I'd, it's probably duplicated on, on the net, but very nice stuff. Okay. I'll give right. you the salient points only. Okay. Oh, no, no. Do the full four-minute commentary, pictures. Go ahead. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. If, oh, I, if no. I can read a script, you can do your four-minute comment. <laughs> you, certainly, you certainly should. Oh, gosh. Um, well, after I introduced myself, says my tale. A couple of months ago, I went way out on a short limb and took a poke at an episode of Richard Diamond. Not the program, mind you, just one episode, but that didn't matter. Richard has a lot of groupies, and some of them actually loved the episode that hurt my ears. Well, here I am on another short limb. I've chosen an episode of the Stan Freeberg Show. 
To put this in perspective, when I told Walden Hughes I was going to add Stan Freeberg to my awful show collection, he said, uh-oh. For our Stan Freeberg fans, and there are many, I say Stan Freeberg was the funniest and most creative ad man in history. Not one of the funniest. He was the funniest. And, of course, this is my opinion. He did it with an irreverent approach and sometimes manipulation of other commercials, such as the one that claimed nine out of ten doctors preferred Chung King. The camera then panned to the ten doctors, and nine were Asian and one was Caucasian. I think that was brilliant. Another played on people's fears in the campaign he created for Pacific Airlines. It, it was a survival kit for each passenger. It had a security blanket, a rabbit's foot, and a fortune cookie that promised it could be worse. When the plane landed, the flight crew exclaimed, We made it. How about that? However, out of each genius, a little flop must fall. I think the Stan Freeberg show is it. It had a short run, 15 episodes, from July to October 1957, and I picked number one. This episode is a collection of disjointed bits, soupy sales silliness, sprinkles of strained humor, and noise. Just noise. But as always, you have to decide if an episode of anything belongs in the awful show collection. And there we went to the July 14, 1957 episode of the Stan Freeberg Show. So now... We have, hold on, let me do this correctly. I've got one button unhappy on my computer. There we go. That was the July 14, 1957 episode that Mark missed. If you thought you recognized the voice at the beginning claiming to be Stan Freeberg and the characters in other places, you did. It was Dawes Butler, who was the voice of cartoon characters Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, and others. The Stan Freeberg show may have suffered from too much of a good thing. It was crammed with too many stints, too many voices, too much confusion. It was like a 1957 show talking about a 1960 election. I didn't get it. So that's the end. You have to let me know. Drop me an email. That's the entire review. But the, the, you didn't mention the the skit that was the, the took up most of that program, right? No, the, the Los Verrochas because noise, the, the beginning, as I recall, what was was rather busy in which Stan and Dawes were were talking about all of Stan's characters and and various personalities mm-hmm. of things he'd done. So there were a lot of little short bits there, and that might have confused. You, if you weren't used to some of Stan's uh, satires, and I think they even did a, didn't they do a little clip from Saint George and the Dragonette and and things, you know, because he started out doing uh, comedy on records, uh, you know, satires of Dragonette and mm-hmm. that. I think before he did his radio program. I don't and, know uh, where that fit in. What I did read was that uh-huh. it, it was the one on American History, Walden, Time Magazine said, printed, it was the funniest album ever produced. <laughs> and that's the one that gives me hives. I know, you're not a fan of the United States of America. That's part. the United States of America Part 1. I know. Patricia, get, I know. Break, I, I, just, I, I get antsy or 
Just comedy in those when, is what we used to call anachronisms. I know it. Taking modern uh, ideas and putting them in the context of the, you know 1776 and so forth. Uh, I think any time you mess with the Pledge of Allegiance or American history and Betsy Ross, uh, you're in my raw territory. Ah. Uh huh. Yeah, what what was that one? Like, shoot if you must this old gray head or something like that. Yeah. June Foray says, you yeah. know, don't do not do that or something. Yeah. Foray does a Marjorie Maine kind of character. Right. Say, don't shoot. or I've forgotten how that <laughs> how that bit went. But that's that kind of an garbage. example of an, uh, of an anachronism. And I remember when the, the second, uh, you know, History of the United States album came out, mm-hmm. and I talked to June about it, and she said, well... <laughs> She didn't admire the writing in it very much. She thought it was it, it was anach- anachronisms only and not enough satire, because uh, Stan Freeberg was known for his satirism, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, like for instance, um, the skit with uh, uh, where Columbus discovers uh, America, things like that. I mean, that's that's loaded with that kind of humor. Sure. You know, like uh, pass me the glass. Yep. No, that one. That yep. one. Yep. <laughs> Where they yep. start drinking. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the kind of humor that, that uh, Patricia maybe doesn't care for and June Foray didn't care for. <laughs> she thought it well, I'm in good enough, company. enough bite to it, you know. I'm in good company. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, uh, as, it, as I a writer, one of the things I used is, to, I used he to on, teach. on your bad list, too? What, is what on my bad list? Soupy Sales. Sales. Your bad show list, too. Of course, he's television. No, I thought he was really funny. Oh, good. I'm glad you like because he's another one of my favorites. <laughs> he right. heard a lot from Joe Penner. He, he did all of Joe Penner's old jokes, but he hmm. did it in well, a see, more I'm modern context. I'm not picking con- on Joe Penner. I was just sent. I, I was, it, he was recommended to me tonight. So I'm not picking on Joe Penner because I never heard his show. Oh, I, can, so I, I never heard him oh, in a show. I thought months ago I heard you say Joe Penner belonged in the in the bad company. Oh no! Maybe I was mistaken about that. When when I declare something as unsacred, I remember. <laughs> okay, I thought you said that, Patricia. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I I haven't listened to it, but. Um, and they're hard to listen I, to. If you know if because I of the audio Joe quality. Penner, I, and there's only well, seven shows that you, exist. You're one step ahead of me, because if I pick Joe Penner, I automatically give myself a black spot. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess I'll, for the first Stan Freeberg show, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give you a gray spot. Because I kind of agree really? with you and kind of don't. Ah. So I'll give you a gray spot on that one. Okay, boy, you know, I, I need a bath after tonight. I <laughs> so much gray on me. I'd like to give you a white spot, but there are aspects of that show that I kind of like. I kind of appreciate. Well, you know, gray is a lot better than black. Okay, yeah. I mean, you, I haven't, been, you haven't been whipped quite as much. <laughs> I guess black would be the ultimate uh, thumbs down. Yeah, it is. It is. That's but, uh, that's a shame on you. Go stand in the corner. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Richard Diamond. Mm. Wasn't uh, the, wasn't that Blake Edwards? Yep, sure was. That wrote that show. Mm-hmm. Sure was. And he's quite a revered uh, writer of comedy now. I, I know, but Patricia Indeed. didn't like it. But you know, it, 
again, it was not the program. I, and I usually repeat this each uh-huh. Friday or for every recording for Friday, that it's not the program I'm lampooning. It's a particular episode. Uh-huh. And I thought this particular episode of Richard Diamond did not, just didn't make it. He sang for the first six minutes of a show. Now, i got to tell you, I don't care who you're listening to. Six minutes is a lot of singing. Even if it's Dick Powell. Even if it's Dick Powell, when you click on it and expect a detective story. That's a str- and must have been an unusual he, episode, Patricia, because usually he wound up the shows with a song. That's exactly right. Well, yeah. it was one of these screwy things where it was a parody on a bunch of detective shows. And uh, Dragnet was one of them, uh, Pat Reagan, uh, not Pat Reagan, um, and not Pat, no, that Jeff Reagan. Yeah. Jeff Reagan was another one, and they, they just kept playing off this stuff. And it got so corny after a while, and with all the singing at the beginning and the end, I thought, you know, somebody dropped the ball on this one. And when, when I did it, a couple of people called and said, that's my favorite episode. So, well. No, you're so kind of intriguing was, me there. Because it, was he actually kind of doing a takeoff on Jeffrey? Yeah. Well, he he wasn't doing a takeoff, but there were the character actors in the in the show who did takeoffs on those individual. It's November. Radio f- it, the one that Patricia doesn't like. November five, nineteen forty nine. Wow. Was one of them Ben Alexander? Nope. No, because he used to work with, uh, with, uh, with Jack, Jack Webb, Webb some of the early... Yeah, sure did. How interesting. Sure did. Well, I have to... Look. Give me the date again, Walden, please. No, November 5, 1949. Very good. Well, I ought to look that show up and uh, see if I can see, see what I think of. Sure. That if be I good. give it a black star or a black <laughs> star... <laughs> Oh. Okay. Anyway, you guys, thanks for putting up with all my nonsense. Well, thank you, Mark, for everything. Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. And don't worry about those black spots, Patricia. Thank you, guys. Call her back. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Yep. All right, everybody. Let me call Patricia back. Okay, she disappeared. Jaws Professional, Patricia from Alt Tab, Patricia from FL Home, Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Dat Tab, Star Stars Tab, Star Stars Alt Tab, Patricia from Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Left Tab, Online Tab, Walden Tab, Search at Active Favorite, Martin Ed Clute, John Gap, Patricia from F Application, Send Desk, Invite to Enter, Leaving Menus, Patricia from F Unloading Jaw, Cans, OK Enter. I wasn't watching my minutes. I, I was, but I was. I thought maybe we'd sneak in, but he disappeared. I disappeared. So which one of our gang suggested Joe Penner tonight? Well, that was Mark, uh, who who did that. No, the who suggested I Jim, look at... Jim, uh, Jim Taylor. It was Jim, okay. Yeah. All right. Hello, you're on air. Hey, I just made it right under the wire. You made it. Patricia, who's this now? That's Paul. This is Patricia, and that is <laughs> Walden, and we are going to pick on Patricia tonight. No, and this is uh, Paul. I won't. It's working out that way. Yeah. 
So, so there's something new that you uh, put out there, huh? Yeah, she no. she took on Stan Freeberg, and so far I think she's been very fortunate. I think everybody's being nice to me because they're afraid I'm going to mention <laughs> it. it. Because the family loves you? Is that why you think you've gotten a clean slate, or what? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think oh, so. You... No, it, I was can't... A, an ep- it was one of the awful shows that played last night. Stan Freeberg. Okay. Is, it was a Stan Freeberg show, and he is highly regarded among old-time radio fans. So I picked an episode that I thought was pretty bad and then braced myself <laughs> for, for, right. for a real well, lashing tonight. I can't put, uh, you know, I hear his name all the time, and I know I've listened to him, mm-hmm. but I can't put uh, anything to his name and, and um, notice or tell you what, what he's about. He's was he on a specific show all the time. He had his own show. He's mostly known for comedy records. Mm-hmm. If you ever heard a parody on Dragnet, like you know, uh, what a swing the dragon or uh, the the hunt for little bit, uh, little let's see, little. Oh gosh, what the po- the three little bears, what little, little, Mr. little Red Riding Hood, little Red Robin, Riding Hood. Don't, he did those parodies, and those, those things took off for him. Okay. And uh, you know, I I I think uh, his parody on Harry Belafonte were you know remember memorable things he like that. He had some of Harry Belafonte in the background. He had. Gee, a couple of other singers he must have lampooned as well. Oh, he, Johnny <coughs> Ray. I don't think Johnny. I don't think Johnny Ray ever forgave him. I think I think his classic though, probably his very best thing that he ever did, is uh, the satire on advertisement for Christmas. You know, the twelve oh. days he, where he lampooned the whole advertising community during the Christmas okay. season. Okay, I heard you saying that earlier. Yeah. And that's really interesting because he was such an in-demand ad person. I don't know if he worked for a particular agency. He, you know, he was, he was, all, he was, work was spectacular. He, he, was a, he was his own boss. And so they came to so him. So he sold himself. That's right. How about that? He was well, his own boss, and basically uh, peop- advertisers came to him. Wow. Wanted to get on his list of, of being made fun of, huh? Well, he had results, and he felt that uh, the straight, hard sell comedy things was just not going to work. And by the 60s, he felt what people would remember is some of a, a story or some comedy routine to advertise a product. And he felt that you had to be likable or rememberable rather than the hard sale or the repeat the just repeating the same thing over mm-hmm. and over and over. And so he had he was the first one to really come up with that angle, and it was a blockbuster idea for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, uh, Patricia, mm-hmm. go to Internet Movie Database. Yeah. 
Okay, go and put in gun smoke. Yeah. You get a whole list of, uh, you know, different years and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, pick the one that says 1955. IMDb, we want 1955, okay, and... And when you get inside, it should say uh, 1955 to 1975. That'll let me know you're in the right one. Um, gee whiz. Hold on. See all. We want season 1955. Okay. Okay. Matt gets it. Is the first in 1955. But uh, once you got inside, it says uh, 1955 to 1975. Oh, that that was on the original page, yeah. Right, okay. Go into yeah. the photos and go to 19 of 88. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how I'm navigating this. Oh, so I just uh, pick on the big photo it shows and then just slide left or right. Why, why am I doing this? Because you're going to find a photograph in there that doesn't belong. Oh, all right. Well, it, it's not... Uh, I've got 88 pictures that come up. Right. Can you just pick on one of them? Like, the yeah. when, like when you first got into it, you see a big photograph, and then if you just sat there, they would scroll by slowly. Just pick on one no, and see what they're not, it shows. They're not doing that. I've got them paneled out on two pages. Two pages, huh? Well, okay, my, I'm on my phone. So I what, what, am I, what am I supposed to be looking for? Tell me what you found. 19, not what I'm 19 supposed to be of 88. For. Picture number 19 of 88. Ni- number 19. Of 1988? Yeah, the 19th picture of the 88 collection. Of mm-hmm. 88 um, photo pictures. Right. So, tell me, yeah, I'm having an awful time here. Um, tell me... You're going to see a photograph of Michael Douglas and a bunch of Maasai warriors from Africa from the movie The Ghost and the Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens every once in a while up here. Okay, and, and then in another year, in the, if you picked uh, 1955 Gunsmoke, smoke, it also shows another photograph from that same movie, The Ghost in the Darkness, and this time it'll show Val Kilmer mm-hmm. at the train station and some director, I'm, I'm guessing, that's uh, showing him, you know, something with his hands. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. It was uh, one one time I was listening to uh, some program, and uh, uh, I think it was a guy who was at um, oh, what's that show that Larry Orjohn is the president of? Um, Spiritback. Yeah, somebody was talking. Uh, Spiritback. Spiritback presents, I believe. Yes. And he was uh, saying, to, you know, look in Gunsmoke and in these years and you'll see so-and-so. And mm-hmm. so that's when I was going through there looking for the guy. And I went, what? 
and and found the Ghost in the Darkness, which was funny and made me wonder why uh, it even shows up in two different uh, years, two separate places. I just thought it was interesting. You get a, a blooper. Yeah, I actually uh, on the first one I found with the Val Kilmer, I even went I went through to um, tell the, tell them about the mistake, and uh, apparently they haven't corrected it yet if they're even going to correct it. But you know that if you look at the Ma- sure. warrior, if you look at the Maasai warrior one, you know they just don't have African warriors in Gunsmoke. No. Maybe it's a new episode. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> did you guys ever see that movie? I did not. Trisha? No. Nope. You watch you're, that. You're always safe unless otherwise <laughs> specified. You are always safe in believing I have never seen that movie. Whatever one you mention, I will say no, I haven't seen Patricia it. Don't, not a movie pa- person. Pa- Patricia has not seen any movies in a lifetime. It, it's a new experience for <laughs> Very few. Very few. <laughs> so, if you want to see a movie, what are your choices of... of yeah, what have you seen, Patricia? Let, let's, let's point out. Who people say, have you ever seen that movie? You might point out the, that the two that you've seen, Patricia. What two movies you've seen in your lifetime? And they're, they're on television. It was Vincent Price and the Wax Museum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think you're going to find this really one on television. I, I truly do not go to the movies. Ever. Well, well, right, but if you wanted to rent one right now, you know, you, can, you go to Amazon <laughs> or somewhere. <laughs> you don't have Netflix. I, I wouldn't rent one. I just wouldn't do it. Wow. You should really have something against them, huh? No, I, I can't sit through them, Paul. I have to get up and move around. I sit down. I get up, I move around, I sit down. That's no way to watch a movie. And most of them, and this is a guess on my part, based on the trailers I have seen and the ads for others, they would be, even if I could sit still for them, I wouldn't choose to watch them. I'm so negative tonight. What is wrong with me, Walden? No, just everybody gets everybody gets to know all more about Patricia. I mean, I've known all about it. I mean, now she loved Charlie Chan. Now that oh, I love Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan I is her movie. Charlie Chan. Yes. Charlie Chan is her and movie. And the Thin Man. I would rent a Thin Man. Yes, you're right. Those are the movies that she loves. Yeah, my threshold is the end of black and white. Yeah, she One she likes black color movies. She hmm? likes black and white. And a lot of the early detectives, that sort of is her yes. thing. Oh, yes. Oh, I love Charlie Chan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I watched yeah. a whole bunch of them on archive.org. Oh, so you go to archive.org and you watch stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got movies up there. Right, and they're free. And television shows. And even The Grateful Dead. <laughs> they do. I never listened to The Grateful Dead, but that's one that they feature on their homepage, or they used to. That, they that seemed to. like an oxymoron statement, The Grateful Dead and The Thin Man, all in one <laughs> st- 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 sentence. No, huh? I never listened to I The know. Grateful Dead. It's just one that they feature and have featured almost forever. I haven't checked their new homepage. They have switched over to, I guess it's a beta system, 
and it's terrible. I hate it. I just hate it. You have to go to two different pages, and you can't read through a really nice list like they used to have. You, you could go to a master page with the name of every show, every old-time radio show they had in their archives. You click on it. You get to a page. And it would say, you know, we've got episode 98 through 100. You click on that, and there's a list of programs to click on. That's all you had to do was read the programs and click on them. Now they've got a separate section where you have to, they're in two columns, and you have to choose an MP3. And if you want to download them, you have to go to another page, and you have to, oh, it's awful. I hope they're listening. I've contributed. You've contributed? Mm-hmm. That should, that should work for me when I say this is awful, huh? Yeah, well, that, the, the way you explain I mean, it, that's not awful. God, it's been like $5 or $10 a couple of times, but every little bit helps. So you do have to pay sometimes? No, no, no. No, this is nonprofit, and um, they just ask on their web pages if you can... Would you oh, okay. would you consider making a donation to help us right. going? Right. So when you watch Charlie Chan, are you walking around the room? Um, probably not because they're very short films. Yeah, you're saying you have a short attention span? Oh yeah. Okay. The Ghost in the Darkness is about a true story. Um, it's about a, a young engineer who Val Kilmer plays a part of, who's sent to um, finish building this bridge across the river for the railroad. Mm-hmm. It was, and uh, there's, you know, like thousands of, looked like thousands of workers and <clears throat> were around there about anyway. And, and they were getting killed by lions. Well, they thought it was one lion, and then they found out it was two lions, and these lions were just killing for fun, uh, you know, for the sake of killing, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's about him trying to take out these lions because uh, these workers are threatening to leave, you know, scared to work, and at one point they do leave. And uh, so, anyway... I would imagine that you enjoy it, but I don't know now. Now, let me just say goodnight to my girls for a sec, okay? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Esther USA. I'm Wong Hughes. That Patricia. There's Paul. <laughs> Everybody knows me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be I'm getting. The one, we'll be getting. I'm, I'm the one with with the squeaky voice, and I and uh, I never shut up tonight. What kind of squeaky voice do you have? I have kind of a high voice, and I didn't realize how high it was until I started listening to okay, I'm um, back. our recording. I don't think you have a really high voice. Uh, really? Well, that's good. You have a very well-rounded voice. <gasps> yeah, it's got a lot of curves in it. Yeah. Very good, Paul. See, that got the curves. I have a lot of what in it? Curves. Well, it was, you know, putting a little bit of female aspect in there for you, so if you could, you know, maybe 
but, like your voice a little more. But see, you 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 have a nice range, Patricia. You're very you have a nice you have one of the better voices on the station. <gasps> oh, Walden, you thank do. You. you really do. You, you really know who has a great voice, Kim. When she introduces the show, she is just so much fun to listen to. But she okay. she doesn't like how she sounds on the radio. Well, that's I tough. think most people do not <laughs> like hearing their own voices. I think you're right, Paul. I think most of us. I mean, I, I don't like, you know, I've never, I don't consider myself a, vo- a radio voice. I'm mostly sort of a, a good producer, you know, stuff like that. I don't have the, the voice per se, but, you know, just, I'm just who I am, who. You know, now see, Larry has a wonderful radio voice. Yeah, I think he does. Um, and Dennis Daly. Yep. Dennis De- is great. Dennis De- has a great voice. Of course, Nolan Kenner. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Those Bill guys. Bragg. Those guys have you know, the voice. Yeah. And Ken Ken Goss. Yeah. On on Theater of the Mind and Bob Bro. Bob Bob Wine, Bob Wine has a good voice. Really a good voice, I think. For, mm-hmm. Radio. We've got a really wonderful collection of voices. Yes, yes. See, but see, I, I, I'm not on the station for my voice. I'm on here for my sparkling for personality. Brain. Yeah, my for brain. Your brains, kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah, well, that's that's for sure. That's a good song. You, you yeah. and uh, the Gassmans. Well, yeah. then there, then there's a uh, Jim from um, Pittsburgh. Yep. Pickford PCA. Hmm. Just all, all of you blind guys just blow me away with your memories. I know the blind guys are the blind guys rule the station, don't they? Practically, you know. Yeah, they do. Practically. Not practically. <laughs> you do. You do, and you know I just keep hearing more and more people that are listeners that when they call in that at some point I find out that they're blind too. How how many blind? people do you think I have uh, at least call in that at least call in how many blind people are there that you can maybe just put a number to 15 20 more than 50 percent over over the years more than 50 percent of our callers have been blind boy i don't know i i that, think that would be I, my guess I, I would say uh i would say it's under 10 Oh no! Yeah, I think so. It's Do the, I have it, to fall out my yeah, list? Yeah, I bet you pull out the list. I think you. I think it'd be under the ten. Okay, oh. I'll do that tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna do that oh. while you're watching the Super Bowl and eating your buffalo wings, right? Eating my eating? No, not buffalo wings. I think those are hot. I don't do hot very well. Okay, but so, maybe a hot dog. Then this is what I think of. I think um, about how you guys have to use your memory so much um, that they probably are sharper. And then, and then as I think of that further, and I think, oh, you know what? Probably not that many, maybe you can correct me, but probably not that many ever uh, went into using drugs or, you know, smoking dope, Well, I, uh, I, I, anything I, like that. I, I think in my case, my concentration level jumped. When I had my sight, Versus when I lost my sight. And I think um, I was able to focus. And so, 
Because most people would not, when I was being tested as a young little kid at five or six, um, they worried about my, my memory because I could only do, could memorize only three things in a row. What do you think, Patricia? Do you think I could do more than three in a row now? <laughs> but, you know, that's interesting, you know, that they worried about that. But I think it's, you know, I think we all forget about maturity and, you know, we all have a different learning curve. But I think in my case, when I off my sight, my focus was that much sharper. I would think so. At what age did you start in your early teens to lose it? I lost it when I was nine. Nine years old. Nine? Yeah. Completely? Yep. Um, how, but you speak of boys. You speak of Boy Scouts, and I were, and I and I'm thinking that you were in Boy Scouts when you could see some, but they, I, yes. I I saw I saw when I was a Cub Scout, and I lost it. But when, not when you were a Boy Scout, because you have to be 11 years old, as I recall. Correct. And I see. I was see. My case, I was a little different than most. It's interesting. A lot of our listeners who call in who are blind, um, and Larry and I were talking about this, I think, today. Um, and maybe because we lived in California, it was different. I I was ne- I never went to a blind school. I was always fully integrated in my entire life. Into normal Into normal schools, and yeah. And... I, my dad, my folk, my parents always believed this. I lived in a side of the world, and I'm going to compete in a side of the world, and because I am just a, a driver, I am a, I am a, a driver, I will beat you. I, I, uh, I, you know, if you, if you got the sight, I'm going to, I'm going to outwork you, basically. And that's just how, because I generally used to blow all the shots. Uh, uh, in mathematics, math. They would, you know, they. I could. Uh, my concentration level was so good in math per se that the poor kids in the class had to compete with that, and I was always fully integrated in those types of classes. Yeah, because I, I, when I think about it, and I think, uh, well, you know, your your concentration and memory has to be better. In order for you to make it normal, um, yeah, in order yeah. f- to make up for you know not being able to see, correct. And so your memories are just sharper. But but like I say, then I thought, huh? But I can't picture Walden ever in his life having even been around uh, people to where if uh, that he if he was a naughty boy that he where he would be uh, wanting to delve into the things that that people did, like, you know, like what I experimented with when I was younger. Right, right. Uh, and but, you know, it's true. But it's just, I was so focused academically. I, you know, through my scouts and academics and my hobby, my life was full. You know, I didn't yeah. delve into those types of things at all. Because I was, I was driven as a, uh, as a young person. And I, and yeah. I think generally... The people who achieve academically, um, we have a certain motor uh, that some people don't. Because I was, I was blessed that I had a curiosity and interest 
I think this is what makes the Saturday Night Show interesting. Patricia and I have one thing in common. Many <laughs> things in common, but... What? But I think one thing that really benefits the show. And you know what that I think it is, Patricia? We both laugh a lot. That's true. But, you know, no, well, what? besides her laugh, I think we're both... Curiosity. Yes, absolutely. You and I are both curious, very have a curiosity. Oh, Boy. And oh I, boy, you hit that one. And it's true. And I think this I think the show benefits from that. I mean yes. you know, you How not... many people do homework on the air? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And and I can totally relate with you because I'm that way more now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll actually be uh, watching something or listening to something and I hear a word that I don't know and I will pause and go into the uh, the dictionary app that I have, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be able to do that, but but then uh, sometimes I will uh, also just go onto the internet to look up something uh, while I can remember to because my my short term memory is, is so bad now, and you know one thing leads to another just like I know that you do, Patricia, and then you Walden as you start studying something, uh, you go all down those those different paths and, you know, a, a rabbit trail that you can, uh, like, well, where was I coming from? You know, because yeah. it's so fascinating what's all there. Because I, because I, I have such a curious mind. That's why I think I'm Google. I love Google looking for things. And I think Patricia has the same curiosity sack. And plus Patricia's preparation for the show oh, yeah. is first class. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why it sounds so good because Patricia puts all the work into it. Thank you again, Patricia. You do. I appreciate, we all appreciate it. Amen. 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 So, so Walden, uh, are you aware, are there there some blind people that that go down the bad path? um, Oh, yeah. Where... Where you can pit, maybe have an, a percentage idea or something, or, or... well, uh, it's interesting. A, a teacher of mine, when I was here, made, made an observation to my folks that in the blind communities, a lot of blind people have generally have had a lot more um, problems. Other physical, other handicap besides the blindness. So, um, John and Larry and myself, um, we didn't have that per se. You know, we we handic- You know, I have other handicaps, my hearing and my, and my speech per se. But, um, but it was her observation that a lot of other blind kids had a lot of other issues in life. And also another observation that she had, not a lot of them had very had very strong families. John, ah. John and Larry had a strong family. I have a very strong family. Yes, um, yes. And she felt a lot of families just sort of put the blind people aside. Oh, that's terrible. And, and, but see, my folks were very proactive. My folks were... Uh, they were a hybrid of being proactive and letting me and willing to hold on tight in terms of whatever I wanted to try. You know, they would, they would, they didn't, they didn't discourage me for, uh, 
Right. Because I am a Here. I am a definitely a riverboat gambler in a lot of ways. I don't mind taking major risks and chances. That probably scares most people, but I am a I'm a major risk taker with that. Because I have I've, I don't mind failing. And I know a lot of people hate that word. A lot of people in life, and I think it prevents th- people trying things out because they're afraid of failure. I am willing to. I am willing to fail. Um. And yeah, I'm. You know, that's funny because I don't play cards because I don't. I I don't believe that. I don't feel comfortable enough. I don't feel um, like I'm going to do well because everybody else who's been in it for a long time, mm-hmm. or you know, they're so into it and they're fast. I don't want to be a problem, and I don't want to fail at that, so I just don't even do it. Mm-hmm. So I can understand what you're saying there. Yeah, because I, I, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people who don't step out, a lot of people don't like being uncomfortable. And I'm willing to be uncomfortable. Um, and I don't mind change. I, I, I think change is just inevitable, and that's what happens. So those are just different traits I have that some people might not sh- share those same traits. So Yeah, and I think the family, the family. Yeah, the family unit, I'm, I was totally blessed with, I was totally blessed with a great family unit and a wonderful friend, like Patricia. Mm. You are. And I get my own song, too. You you do. Oh, my gosh. You do. Thank you. That's a very nice thing to know. Yeah. I was driven as a younger person, too, with um, working with my hands, working with mechanical things. And um, when, once I got into high school and, and they had shop classes, too, I became teacher's aide and metal shop for several years, well, the whole other years I was there, and um, took welding off campus, you know, I had my dirt bike and my go-kart that I was always working on in the shops, and and uh, I just loved doing that, and, you know, that, that transformed into uh, my first good job while I was still in high school, and in my careers after that. I think it helps that you love what you do. Cause that you are you willing to put the time into it for you that was working with your hand, Patricia's writing, and me in here just saying what, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and now now I'm I'm thinking back to um, when you started getting into this hobby, and um, the bulk of you guys who actually have these programs, you you had to physically pay money. To uh, buy your stuff back yep. in the old days. Yep. My allowance money, that's what I love about birthday and Christmas. People knew I love it, they would give it to me. Um, I had no problems in the, in the 70s uh, saving my money and paying $7 to, for, to, for, and put it in the mail and get a record with uh, a half hour worth of radio shows. Wow. 15, or maybe two 15-minute shows. You know that? And I had no problem uh, to the point of my collecting. I, I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear, so I had no problem paying $12 an hour. I just didn't want to hear just any old thing. There was certain, at a point in my 
question, I wanted to hear certain things, so I will display. So, those of you in the last 10 to 15 years, it's, it's a totally different ball game. See, and what Patricia's awful show is a, it's a great analysis of that because those of us in the 70s, we would not spend that kind of money on awful things we wanted to listen to. But now, because it's free, yeah, it's different. It's a different sure. game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, like my candy, you know, uh, he's got a huge collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you guys are uh, well, like Bill and, and my candy, when when you phone in a request, are they? Are they um, have access to some database where they don't actually physically have that music, but uh, do they pay to have access to one so they can play songs from it or what? Because I don't H- think I've ever asked for one that they couldn't find. Handy, I think. Handy probably <clears throat> would be the more apt to do that. Bill has an enormous collection. Uh, Bill, you his... His archives of records are just staggering. And also, um, he has sort of a, uh, I don't know if he's in, digested all of it, but he's taken a ton of his CDs and digested it into a database system that he can look things up. I don't know if he f- ever fully have finished it off, but he had oh, that capabil- capability. So he physically had records and maybe and still does to a large degree, but then has recorded them so that he can. Well, he bought both. He bought the he got the old records and he and he bought the CDs or whatever. So that he could have the uh-huh. uh, computerized uh, database digital in the database. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Like so. And you know, let's face it. Their their show is so eclectic. You know, who, there's no other show in America that would have one guy playing old country music and the other one playing Beatles songs. It's it, it's an odd mix. What can I say? Yeah, they're all <laughs> all over all over the place. So so I'm correct in thinking though that um, at least 99% of of the the people. Oh, we call, I'm going to call them DJs. I, I don't know the, what is the proper term to call the different people that, that put programs on on Yesterday USA. Mm-hmm. What, what would be the proper... D- Bill Black likes to call them DJs. I, I call them both. But yeah, Bill like double them. What do you call them? Oh, hosts, personalities, on-air personalities. On-air personalities, yeah. okay. But, so most of those guys started when they were young and they do have physical... Uh, collections, right, that they're drawing off of when they... It, depends who, you, it, it depends who you're talking about. For example, Dennis Daly would have been all of the modern eight downloading them off the internet. Jerry Hendrickus and Don Aston are probably the biggest one who actually have the transcription, the master tapes. Those two would have been the original sources. Um... John Lurie, because they've been so known in the hobby, they've had access to material that nobody else had. Um, Bob Wine checked a lot of things off the radio. So it's a case by Bob Bob Broby of of the modern, you know, download 
uh, files. Um, me collecting all these years. So we're all, we're all, all different. It just depends who you ask about. And you're pretty far along the way to uh, to where you're able to now clog up Patricia's house. And Almost. She, she, <laughs> she, she's been working too hard, so she slowed down, and she's still got 12 boxes to ship off the run. But and right. a lot of just Drano. Say again? Paul said, use the word clog, and I've got Drano. I'm sending them <laughs> out the door <laughs> You have Drano by by way of an address now to send it to to Ron. Yep, that is correct. And so, Wallen, you 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 started with all the various different ways your records. And, well, my and mom would not allow me to have reel to reel, so oh. I I didn't get a reel to reel machine until I started working for the Sinatra family. Why <laughs> did she not want you to? She thought I was just an old format. Why, oh. you know, my mom probably never thought in, in 75, 76 that this would have been a lifetime hobby of 40 years. And she said, why get one of those things? That's an old format. Yeah, she didn't want you to spend your money and get into something that you're not going to be able to keep using. 40 years later, people or people who would never give up their real, real machine. But, you know, I, I had 8-track tapes and cassette tapes, so... A lot of stuff I dubbed over the years with cassette, but I bought LP records and things like that. So you said um, you started working for the Sinatra family, and what is it that you, you I forget, I know. In, in the, Sinatra fam uh, the Sinatra family, so I wound up buying a reel-to-reel machine, we wound up buying a reel-to-reel -reel machine, and a transcription, and a transcription player. So. And what is it you would do? He had tons of reel-to-reel. No, uh, they they would ask me to go work with them, and a lot of the major collection still had reel to reel, so it just it just made sense to buy the reels, and then transfer transfer all the cassette for the Sinatra family. Oh, so they wanted you to find everything that you could. Yep, I was, I was hired to go kick go looking at collections and things all <laughs> over America. You were the bloodhound of old-time radio. Oh, I and I had a wonderful career doing that because starting that whole business in, in 1990, that would be really before you could find things on the Internet. And so a lot of them, a lot of our entertainers didn't keep things, and they, they would come to me, and I said, go looking for them, and I would get, I had a business looking for stuff. Wow, so how would you charge them? Uh, sometimes it, it was it was a case by case scenario. Sometimes it was an hourly wage. Uh, sometimes they would just give me a a lump sum check. You know, um, you know, some would just sort of adopt me into the family and make sure I was taken care of. So it, it was a uh, it was an interesting ride. Let's put it this way. No, you don't do it anymore. It pretty much since the internet come out, that that part of that business oh. is sort of uh, all dried up, you know. But I had a good twenty year run it, doing it, but that whole industry because of the internet pretty have much died out. Because they can do their own searching. Well, a lot of the resources and things, the old record stores and different things, right, have all sort of disappeared. Right. You know. Right. So, I, so, do you still use uh, big reel-to-reel? 
I I given those away, but uh, we do have one here in the house, and we what do, ha- do and, and, and we do have a turn. T- we do have a sixteen-inch turntable. Yeah, I have my I'm keeping in my old system. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Um, my my big big folk audio speakers and uh, turntable that I just had to re. Since they we got rid of a big entertainment center, and I know to my wife being very happy that she's. But now I have them all stacked in my room that uh, I would have to uh, reset up in here take advantage of them again so I I, I know I used to be very very meticulous about uh, if I buy records uh, that I would make recordings of them onto cassettes uh, and equally space out all of the time that I that I could so and you know I think one record would it on one side of the cassette, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. Yep. And uh, but uh, I didn't like a song to just um, be ended and they go right into the next song. I would put I would put space in between there enough to uh, you know for you to do something or get to it to stop it if you wanted to things like that. Just so they're just I thought it was a little classier to have a little more space. Uh-huh. In, in between them, and so then I would just store the records away, right. but I wasn't continually playing on them. I would I would play the cassettes. Sure. So. Well, so, thank you, Paul, for giving us a call. Oh yeah. Oh, hey, but you gotta give me a trivia question. You want a trivia question, Patricia? You got uh, you got a trivia question. <laughs> I have a million. Do I you know, know I have been sitting in that seat for the last. 78 hours, and I just stood up. <laughs> Hold on. Don't go away. Don't okay. go away. Okay. Um, oh, dear. I was going to ask if you were doing your nails or something because... No. No, she's been looking at the awful brand of coffee. We haven't heard why she chose a brand of coffee she doesn't like. Well, are you um, Maxwell House? Yeah. Patricia, oh. you're drinking Maxwell House again. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on, I know I'm here. Oh, there I am. Well, my my daughter and her husband, husband have a um, coffee shop that they opened up in Bend, Oregon. Hmm. They're very young, you know. This is 24, 25 years old. Wow, that's yeah. a big bite out of life that they're taking. If you had a life that they're taking, a big no, bite. No, they're taking a big bite. Yeah, uh, well, he's a he's got a true entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, well, then he also sells fireworks at Fourth of July, and uh, makes a, a a lot of a big bulk of money each year. Then, although he did lose ten grand a couple of years ago because, uh, well, trivia question. <laughs> Yeah, Who was McDougal? A little bit more. Okay. Who was McDougal in a popular comedy series? McDougal. That's a hard one. I know the name. McDougal was not a police officer. McDougal, yeah. 
it is a police officer. And I said, it's not, he's not a police officer, right? I didn't hear that, Paul. Say that again. He, he's not a police officer, right? No, he's not a police officer. I don't know. Alden? I, I was cleaning my ears, so give me the question. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like a casual radio show. Oh, I was busy. Would have worked just great. <laughs> From the family of you, I was cleaning my ears, you know. Oh, she was so funny. Okay, who was MacDougall in a popular comedy series? He was a frog. He was a frog. Oh, yes. Who's frog? Uh, the name starts with a B. Uh, Yes, you're right. He was a B on a B show. Yeah, that was Miss Brooks. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, she was Mister. Yes, mm-hmm. strange guy. Yes, strange guy. You can do it. And, I and, know and, it. They, and, and they went to Madison High. Yeah. And he also taught. He also taught a B subject. Yeah, he was biology. Team. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mister. Boy, yes, yes, you're almost there, boy. Boynton. Very good. Very good. You did very well. Okay. Very good. You probably have uh, a few things that I said. Ask me. uh, I'm not collecting... I'm not collecting CD preferences for a little while until I catch up with what I've got. Okay, so you're just putting down the credits? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. But so you, you know that the person credit. gets credit, right? That's right. You can have a credit. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Paul, for giving us a call. Yes. Yes, and I hope whatever work it is that you're doing, Patricia, that has you really busy is enjoyable. Yeah, I'm having a good time. It it's pay- nice to be able to say that. Not everything is. It pay- I know. It's paying the bills. It's paying the bills, you know? I mean, you take what comes. But this happens to be good. Well, that, that's great. And uh, I, I enjoyed uh, talking about uh, your blind situation and others, uh, your, your history and all of that. Um, well, like always, it's always enjoyable. So Thank you, Paul. I will be enjoying listening to you guys now. I appreciate that. Through all your questions and stuff. Take care. Okay. Good okay. night, guys. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. And that's just going to be just Patricia and I the rest of the way. It's so interesting. I really never brought up the buying issue for years. Other people were bringing it up, so that's probably why new people knew I was buying. But if I, I never really focused that on on the air, it's really not been a part of yeah. my persona. What, what's really nice for the sighted community is that you and Larry and John have so much information to share that you take just as, as in stride. It's, it's just part of your everyday existence that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just great 
that we have an opportunity to learn that kind of stuff. And you and Larry and John are just great. I I, I want in some ways, um, it help break it help break stereotypes or molds or whatever. You know, it, it very well could be. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I never thought of it in those I guess terms. So. Yeah. But well, I, I, anyway. I know other people over the years it. pointed it out. So it's just, it's, everything's interesting. It's just an interesting, and maybe that's why I met a lot of other people who, well, see, I always just said my mo- I have a very simple, two simple models. Everybody handicapped, which is true. You know, it could be mm-hmm. mental, academics. And none sure. of us, and my we other, all have a shortcoming. You're right. right. And none of my, my one, of my other, one of my other sayings was, I think it's totally true. None of us is getting out as well scotch free. So we, we all, we all <laughs> none of us are going to get to stay forever. You're right. Yeah. So we all have problems, and that's just the way I've always looked at it. And it's true. Amen. But anyway, in your particular area, you have taken the time and the trouble to teach me an awful lot of stuff, and I know other people are on the same train with me. And I really appreciate that. Well, you're special to me. <sighs> you are. Uh, you have enriched you. my life. <laughs> that's fun. Thank you for saying <laughs> that. That's a, that's a fun thing to think. I hope I have enriched your life enough to make well, us smile. Well, of course you have. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You've, you've even said, I don't know, a couple of times, <laughs> which is so you know, wonderful. Why, <laughs> that's why I, I don't know why people think I have this air about me being... Well, no, I mean, it's just like with my questions. I, I, when, when you have to think, even that works. That, that'll be fine. <laughs> so um, I looked all of this stuff up, and by golly, you're going to hear it. All right. Okay, one one point three billion chicken wings comes out to one hundred and sixty-two point five million pounds. How many pounds? One hundred and sixty-two million pounds. Wow. I don't know where you guys are going to put this. Okay, and this is from two thousand fifteen. I couldn't find anything about potato chips in two thousand sixteen. Potato chips. You guys are going to eat at least 11 million pounds of chips. You know, I, the last several years, I like eating uh, tortilla chips. That's, mm-hmm. that's, I get that counts as potato chip, but that's sort of oh, what I'm into. That probably is in the pile because it says 11 million pounds of yeah. chips. So that probably is part of the of the program. You like potato I like chip? those too. I'd rather have them than potato chips. I can't remember the last time I had some. Once a lot time years. you had one, my dear. I think it's been at least three or four years, maybe five. I'm surprised that's By golly, next time I go to the store, I'm going to get some Doritos. Ah. Doritos are good. Do you like Doritos? Mm-hmm. I just don't have them too often, honestly. Yeah, and I'm, I haven't had them in years. So I think I've been good enough. What do you I, think? Oh yeah, you always been good. You know, I uh, now I like. I don't know if you have tried lately. Been a while. The potato chip, uh, the sour cream and chives. 
Mm-hmm. We've got all sorts of flavors in these things now. Remember when we were kids, there was just barbecue. You would have regular never, barbecue. I never tasted them. You never, never had any interest in tasting them. Shame on me. I've led such a narrow existence. Have you figured out why? No. <laughs> ask, ask me if I care. Do I'm, do I care why I I? You know, I we've talked about I don't do change well. I don't I think know. that I don't think that extends to adding things to my life. It's just changing things in my life. Um, I don't know. You know, if you like one thing, why bother to try to go to another? Uh yeah. Well, my mom. Because my mom gets bored easy. That's why we tried so many things over the years. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, well, I came across something on If I'm living with you and you're going to cook me um, a bowl chili, and if I said I like that, I mm-hmm. would count on that same recipe coming the next time you make chili, right? Yeah. Okay. My mom... Just make different versions the next time we just never know. <laughs> <laughs> if you like something, that's the way it stands. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't pull a quick yeah, change. This week, this week she, she decided to make white chili this week. White chili? White chili. That's All what right. the recipe called, yeah, white chili. White chili. <laughs> well, that's a chunk of interesting <laughs> stuff. How do you make white? Do you, all right, let me back up and, and ask the question. Are you a beans in the chili or not? Um, we, we eat them every single which way you can think of. This week, this week, this chili did not have beans this week. It did not. Okay, this yeah. is something that's very serious with Bill. He gets, Bill Bragg, he gets really wound up if somebody says, I put beans in my chili. He insists that chili does not come with beans, and he really is. And I think that was he, a di- he really dives into this. If you say the word beans and chili in the same sentence, now see, I think <laughs> what what Kim what Kim from Pennsylvania, they have beans in their chili, and Bill does not. I have beans in my chili. I like beans in my chili. I love beans in my chili. I Red like beans. Chili. You gotta have kidney beans in there. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, how did we get there? <laughs> how did we get to beans and chili? I mean, whatever. What, show. what subject were we on? Yeah, oh, we, we, sto- oh, we were talking about chips, and then yeah, just yeah. kind of took okay. off from there. Okay. Well, I'm in a different part of my list here, and for 2016, it is 11.2 million pounds of potato chips. <clears throat> now, allow me to put this in perspective. Let me see here. Where is it? Okay, eleven million pounds of chips. When you can, when you convert it into something that you understand and you can kind of get your arms around, a standard NFL football weighs how much, Walden? With or with 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 or without air. I'm hanging my head. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so 
tired. <laughs> and you throw these things up. That's okay. Um, how much does a benefit? <laughs> well, I thought I had a good question. F-L- with, with or without air, how much the air weigh? It weighs zero. Oh, well, oh. it's imperceptible when you're weighing a football. <laughs> it's, it'll barely make my, a mark. My guess would be two pounds. It's between 14 and 15 ounces. And I thought, what a ludicrous number. And I went out and checked a couple of official sites, and that is indeed, it's between 14 and 15 oh, ounces. Remember, I, I, remember the, you remember the big story about Tom Brady oh, and the freight game? Tom Brady and the, and the squishy football. Yeah. <laughs> and then tried to claim he couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. I beg your pardon. <laughs> he couldn't know. See, I even pay attention sometimes. Are you proud that I knew about that? I I am. You know, we're going to have the Olympic this year, and I can't wait for you to be our Olympic reporter. (laughs) I have to be on Mosquito Report. They're talking about, you know, we've we've got 12 cases, I think they said, 12 cases of the Zika virus here in Florida alone. And, yeah. and, and my, my aunt and uncle are in in the South America. Oh gee. Yeah. Oh gee. I guess Brazil is the biggie, and that's where the Olympics are scheduled right. for. Right. And, and you know they're having. I don't know if you've seen the story. But the the waters in Brazil are so bad that uh, the American rowing team just doesn't want to send their guys out there. And that begs another question. Don't these cities need to meet standards other than we can build a great big facility? Well, and that's why, you know, with the corruption scandals, you know, with soccer, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been seeing that, uh, it's almost secondary. Like, who, who, who are the committees are paying these officials off? And that's it, always it, been rumble, rumble, rumble. It, it's absolutely revolting. I remember when uh, the... I think it was the Olympics. I'm sure it was the Olympics. They they were in Moscow. Yes. Uh-huh. And they, they complained. The first thing they did was to say, we've got brown stuff coming out of right. our taps. You can't drink this. And they survived on bottled water for the whole time they were there. Well, remember, remember the Olympics were in China, and they were so concerned about because of the air quality. The, the air quality, yeah. the smog was awful. Now, I, I'm not into this kind of stuff. You know, I'll sit and I'll watch the Olympics for part, you know, maybe 15 minutes at a time. But it seems to me as an outsider that even the coaches should be insisting that at least they, there is an element of safety in their surroundings and what these people eat. And it's not there. It just isn't there. Somebody's, somebody's got to stand up and say we need a person to go out and examine these places it, it, you know, and the check Olympi- the water. The, and, yeah. the, the Olympic Committee folks who do that, the International Olympic okay. before they pick a site. Well, holy cats, somebody didn't turn on the tap water in Russia. Right. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. They it had, is. But oh, it, it just, anyway, people, and I, I mean mainstream people, this is people off the street who frequently raise correct questions are asking whether or not sending 
our American teen into an area that we know has a risk of a terrible illness, is that the right thing to do? And I know EAPN, the morning show, is going to be, after the Super Bowl, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try change, change Brazil. They want to move it to a, a resort. The they want to they want to move it to a resort that's about 100 miles away. It's another part of Brazil, but that way the water the water conditions are so much better. Well, that's great for the water. What about the mosquitoes? I mean, the Zika virus yeah, yeah, is yeah. Uh, you know I mean that's really a serious concern, and moving 100 miles is going to make a difference. Moving to another country, I, who has the time as a venue to create an Olympic environment. Well, Who has the time and the money to do that at this stage? Well, right now, that's why, um, you know, Boston dropped out of the bed for the 2024. 20, mm-hmm. And the only one that picked it up, it was LA. LA had the infrastructure because of the 84 Olympics and the 32 Olympics mm-hmm. thing. So most likely, that's why uh, we can jump involved in the bidding process because we have already infrastructure built for something like so that. What would happen in terms of liability and monetary liability if the Olympic Committee said this is too high a risk, we're going to number two on the list if they will have us? Or just cancel them. What happens if they're just canceled? Mostly they can do those things. You know, I mean, let's face it, the Olympics were canceled during World War II. Mm-hmm. 40, 44, you know. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes, they could do that. So what is your bet on whether or not there are going to be some really significant changes? Um, Right now, I don't think there are going to be any major changes, be my guess. Okay. Well, apparently the virus does not... Some people get a fever and typical virus type stuff. I'm gathering from what I have read that the majority of people don't even know they've had it, which is part of the risk, because now they realize for the first time uh, this week in Texas, they found that the virus can be transferred through things like sexual intercourse, right. you know, some some contact with a bodily fluid right. will transfer the disease. Well, And that is terribly scary when you're talking about a pregnant woman. Well, that's why they, uh, you know, the, the, what I've seen so far about the disease is seen attack the unborn baby's brain structure. That is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it attacks the brain development of the unborn baby. scary stuff. I mean, it was really scary, but it's not the only scary stuff that's out there. Everywhere you go, there's the potential to have some kind of a scary medical thing happen. Yeah, very much so. I don't know. We're never going to fix it, but I'm on your team right now. I don't think anything is going to change. No. I think people are going to be a lot more cautious in terms of their travel, but... (laughs) You know, it's all over the world now. They thought it was centered in Brazil, but it, they're not major outbreaks like there are in in Brazil, but parts of the world. Oh, well. Okay. I have something else here. What else do I have? 
oh, I wanted to translate the 11 million pounds of chips uh-huh. and they were potato chips. Uh-huh. A football is 14 to 15 ounces, and that translates the, the 11 million pounds of chips is equivalent to 12,137,931 footballs. Wait a minute. My adorable one that spent the time walking these I spent too much time on this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who cares how much a potato chip weighs? I, I, I do. do. I, it's a great way to uh, to equivalently figure, figure tan, uh, uh, sort of like an intangible concept to something tangible. Exactly. Yeah. It, it gives you a little dotted line, a little connector. Okay. So now, here we go. Uh, let's see, that's 15 minus 5, 50 plus 5. Okay. We have this year's resale tickets. Now, we're, we're absolutely down to the wire here. And this year, it is $7,000. That's on the resale market. In previous years, last year, it was, let's see, that's 45. Okay. Um, last year, it was... 4,271, year before 2,500, year before 2,400, year before 2,900, and the year before that 3,500. We have had a blowout here at $7,000. So, Patricia, you and I got got two tickets. What are we going to do with it? (laughs) We have two tickets? I'm going to sell mine. (laughs) Really? You had to ask? I could do a lot with $7,000. Gosh, i got a lot of bills to pay. Wow. I could do that. Now, the interesting thing to me is that this price of $7,000, and they're talking resale market, so people gobbled up a bunch of tickets and said, okay, I've got them for sale. And if they did it on eBay and they waited until the last minute, they didn't read the rules correctly because the last-minute sales are at the lowest price. Anyway, these are tickets for $7,000 on the lower level 50-yard line. Oh. You sure you, don't, you sure you don't want to keep your ticket and we can go to the game? No, I want to sell it. <laughs> um, and I'll make sure I sell it to somebody you'd love going to the football game to with. What do you think? I, I would, look, if I can't go with you, why should I go? Well, that's a really thoughty attitude. So you can sell your ticket too, and boy, we can have one heck of a blast. Yeah, and I'll get come, oh. I'll get come to your apartment, and I'll you can put the TV on the, on this game, and you can read a book. How's that? <laughs> if you put my TV on, you're not going to get very much. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to tell you what CenturyLink is doing this week. I'll I'll save it for next week okay, when I can okay, speak. Okay. Well, may, may, uh, may I ask? Are you? Can you get CBS? Yeah. Then we can watch the game. Okay. No, then this, this is not a we project. <laughs> this is a this is a the project. <laughs> you watch the game. I will read my book. Okay. Pizza Hut is preparing now, if, to if sell. We have, if we have fourteen thousand dollars, we we can go get some. Chi- some chicken wings, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And if they sell for how much did I say chicken wings were going to sell for? I don't think I did. No. I didn't have I didn't have a price for chicken wings, but they're that popular, so they're going to be big time stuff, and we can be the resale market. <laughs> they can charge a million dollars for a hot dog. We can, we can do really well here. Oh yeah. Did you catch that New York? I did a hot dog. <laughs> they're going to do that with a hot dog. Why not? Okay, Pizza Hut preparing to sell more than 2 million pizzas, which is a very meaningful number compared to Domino's, who always gives their information in terms of slices. They're expecting to sell 12 million slices. But if anyone has ever purchased a Domino's pizza, you have to request the traditional angle pizza slice Otherwise, you will get these in little tiny squares, and they'll call that a slice of pizza. So unless they specify which kind of slice they're going to give, that is not a very meaningful number. Okay. But two million pizzas from Pizza Hut, that's, that's pretty hot stuff. Okay, so where, where should all your eggs be pizza from, Domino's or Pizza Hut? Well, Domino's makes a good pizza. Okay, so... Pizza Hut makes a good pizza. I don't know. I don't think it would make a difference as long as they make a thin crust. All right. Uh, so we called them all while we're watching the game. Patricia needs a double helping of anchovies on a yeah. thin crust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Large slice. Mm-hmm. Large. Okay. But this wee part that goes with watching the game, I'm a little uncomfortable <laughs> with that. You're watching your book, you know? Okay. You're, you're All right. Book. Yeah. Yeah. One time when I was, you know, I, I did a stint in the motel while I was yep. out working. Yep. I called Domino's and ordered a pizza with double anchovies, which, you know, I mean, they're, they're pretty chintzy on the first pass. I got a pizza that I was actually taking anchovies off. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, somebody looked at this stuff and said, we finally found one who will eat it. They they, they had all the hooked over, and they just dumped them on there for you. They must have. I have never seen that many anchovies on pizza before, ever. I mean, and I could eat them, but there were so many, it killed the taste of the pizza. So I had to take them off, and I ate them later, and my goodness, I must have consumed 12 gallons of water afterward because the salt content is... Huge. Okay, I think that's all I've got in the food department. I think. I think. Yeah. That's that's all I've got. Yeah. And I told you how much a bucket of <laughs> a bucket of popcorn. How much is a bucket of popcorn? It, it, to order it from the game? No. What What does it look like in in your hands? Is it really oh, big? I, um. The ones I'm sure I think it. I see them as large, like a movie theater now. Remember how, like Colonel Sanders, remember your mm-hmm. little bucket? It'd be I see them as that large from okay. a movie theater. Um, um, well, we all know how cheap popcorn is. Yeah, I, I think, and it, and it gets all nice and puffy and makes people believe they're getting a lot. Yeah, a, a bucket of popcorn at Super Bowl this year will cost fifteen dollars for twelve cents worth of kernels. <laughs> this is no joke. The, the bucket is probably 
three times the cost of the actual popcorn and the popping process. Well, and well, the manpower. Think of all that buttery salt <laughs> probably costs more than the kernels, probably. Yeah. It does. I, I mean, it's just... And okay. The, and, and the napkin that they had to have to clean the soap up, you know. If you got a bucket of popcorn, which concession is going to offer you a napkin? Well, generally, generally they got them on, uh, on the uh, buffet table, whatever you call it, you get grab them. Yeah, on the, on the counter, yeah. but I, I would think that would be reserved for hot dogs and, you know, the gooey kind of stuff that you'd really need a napkin for. I don't, that would be interesting. We have to get somebody on the phone one night who has attended a Super Bowl, any Super Bowl. We've got tens of thousands out there. So, all right, this, here's, here's the question. Yeah. I, I'm so full of Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm going to blow my reputation. Um, they're playing in Levi's Stadium yep. with 60,000 seats. Yep. When other stadiums have more than 100,000 yep. seats. Why did this happen? Um, For a couple of reasons. The trend lately is to go with a smaller, more intimate feel of a stadium, and so the capacities are smaller, but, mm -hmm. but the game experiences are much better. That's been the architectural design lately for a lot of these newer stadiums, baseball stadiums. You know, uh, so the old days of a 100,000 place, um, that, that's why, and because where it's located, if there's a lot of, it's probably the wealthiest area of America, because it's, it's right in the middle of Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. and so wages are just off the charts, and so I imagine if you look at what the 49er tickets were, probably about as most expensive they were. Um, now, I don't know. Now, the it's new football team in Dallas, that, that might be much bigger, but... I think with San Francisco, they went with that design, uh, more of an intimate feel design. It's I, I don't know about intimacy in a Super Bowl. I don't care how many people are in the aisle that I'm in. I, I was just really surprised. I mean, that's my way of thinking. I was really surprised to see how small the stadium is. Well, I mean, the ticket sales are in half. Well, uh, they, they, you know what I mean by that? They want to be, you know, the seats closer to the the field, mm -hmm. different things like sure. that. Yeah. Sure. And and I do understand that. Um, from a marketing standpoint, having 50% of the seats that I could ordinarily sell, I can't double the ticket prices. I, I'd never get away with doubling the ticket prices. Well, you, well. So, so my income, my gate, I'll, I'll say that, my gate is going to be significantly less than if well, I played in a stadium with 100 or 110 seats. Well, think of it this way, Patricia. There's other revenues that they're making besides uh, the, the gate sales. Nowadays, sure. nowadays, they charge PSLs. And what, what that, and that's a seat license fee. Oh, right. And here in LA, they're talking to give you the right to buy football tickets, uh -huh. you're supposed to buy the right, the, your seat. 
and those, mm-hmm. and here in LA they're talking that it's going to be five thousand dollars minimum a year. But that's not exclusively su- Super Bowl. Well, that includes the right to be able to buy a Super Bowl, and that's so those guys in the up. That's only if they choose your stadium. Well, they but see that's been part of the package. The NFL, in order to leverage, get new football stadiums around the city. Well, mm-hmm. you you have the understanding you're going to get a Super Bowl. No matter where it's played? Uh-huh. That's why How can it, they do that? Well, that's why they, as you notice, they played it in New York this year, Detroit, Detroit Michigan. Because the NFL is a, it's not an individually owned business. It, it's a, it's a partnership. They, 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 well. it, 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 and so they are leveraging the NFL power to try and get new football stadiums built around the country okay. because that's more money for them. All right. Next, next logical question, at least to my mind. Yeah. How many, how many stadiums are there in the country, and how many seats total do those stadiums make up? Are you talking about NFL stadiums, or are you just talking mm-hmm. about what no, are N- NFL they're stadiums sorry. that the NFL plays in? Well, right now they're basically they're only generally they're rotating the NFL. Traditionally, it used to be just four stadiums. Now they now because they're forcing them to have newer stadiums, they're moving it to allow you to be able to be part of the Super Bowl site. But traditionally, it was just, they used to play it in four stadiums. But how now, many how many NFL teams total do we have? 30, 30 teams. How can they play in only four stadiums and get through the entire lineup for the year? Well, I'm talking about the Super Bowl. They, they have oh, no, 30 no, no, stadiums. no, no. I'm I'm talking about the entire. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing. It's a, I would say you probably have twenty nine stadiums. Okay. And if Let's pick an average. I'll, I'll say average a hundred thousand because that's pretty much what the the number that my they're guess, My guess is probably not, it probably the average size of a football. It's about sixty sixty five thousand. Okay, so Levi's is is not far out of range. Right. It, for it, the in, norm. The, in the old days, they used to go with that kind of capacity. The only ones that have that kind of capacity now are college football stadiums. That, mm-hmm. that goes that kind of route. I'm going to have to do some additional homework, but I'll be darned if I'm going to do it this week. <laughs> I'll put that on my list for next year. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Okay. Well, I've got questions for you, unless you are interested in knowing that Johannesburg, South Africa, watches begins watching the game at 1.30 in the morning their time. So that means they'll be watching it pretty soon, right? Did, will they be able to tell us the score? Because they're watching the game so early before we are? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I wonder if they're, they're watching the next day. Because Auckland, New Zealand, at 12.30 p.m. on Monday, they're going to get the live broadcast. It will be there Monday. 
Well, you, you think they allow people to take time off at work on Monday to watch the Super Bowl? Well, they better because in Munich, <laughs> they start watching it at 12.30 in the morning. Wow. Monday morning. I don't, I don't, I don't know how people are going to get up and go to work that day. Anyway, okay, we've got your, your questions. Perfect. Are we ready? Let's do it. Okay, we've got Stump Walden. We've got a brain teaser, a presidential quote, a presidential question. Um, we've got your colonial history, and I tonight I have. A first lady quote and your baseball question. I run out of room before I get to the end of the page here. Uh, uh, which would you like? My brain teacher. Your br- Ooh, hey, we're right out of the shoot on that one tonight. Okay, your brain teaser. I didn't get it, but I thought it was funny. So I. <laughs> No idea what they were asking, but the answer is pretty funny. What do you call a person whose car has been repossessed? A repo? A what? A repo? Yeah, it's a, it's a repo. Yeah. No, no, the repo is the car. <laughs> Not the, no. What do you call a person whose car has been repoed? A repo yet? It's the car that's been repoed. When they repossess a car, they take it away from you, Walden. I know you don't have a lot of driving experience, but... Um, I think a repo is very proper. You think it's very proper? Yeah, a repoette. A repoette. Okay. <laughs> I, I believe with my whole heart that it really is 10 to 4 here. Okay. You, what do you call a person whose car has been taken away? How's that? Uh, uh, carless. Well, yes, it's a carless person. That's correct. But what do you call that person? Uh, a walker? Very good. It's a pedestrian. Oh. You got it. All right. Okay. And I had no idea. I looked at this. I said, man, this has got to be a good one. And it was. I thought it was pretty funny. What do you call a person whose car has been repossessed? A pedestrian. Very good. Okay. What else do you want? My stump Walden. Your stump Walden. Okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to read to you a list of people. I want you to tell me which program these people were associated with and what they did. They all had the same job, some of them at different times. So it's only a single job that they had on this show. And it could be anything from, you know, cleaning the floors up in the direction booth to, to acting on stage. Okay. The list of people. Leonard Levinson, John Whedon, Sam Moore, Jack Robinson, Gene Stone, John Elliott, Andy White, Paul West, and Virginia Stafford. It's very easy. I knew it from the very first I worked so hard on this. I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, they were all writers for the Great Gilsley Show. 
they were all writers for the great Gildersleeve show. Boy, you get a big gold star for That's that one. Good job. I like that question, Patricia. Thank you. Yeah, well, it, it was extra special because it was one you knew the answer to. No, but that was really very good. I was going to read the list backwards, and I didn't. I started with, with John Wheaton next to the top. So, okay, what else would you like? Uh, my colonial question. Your colonial question. What was the name of the capital of the colony of Virginia? Richmond. No, I knew that's what you were going to hit. I love it. No, it wasn't Richmond. Ferndale, Virginia. It was, what was that one? Ferndale. Ferndale? Fern, like a, you know, a tree. Ferndale, yeah. yeah. Is there such a place? No, I'm just making them up. <laughs> I'm never sure with you. <laughs> oh, gee. No, it wasn't. Kalamazoo. It was Williamsburg. No kidding. Yes, and I was really surprised. It was the capital of the colony of Virginia from 1699 to 1780. 81 years. It was the center of political events in Virginia, and those political events are what led to I, the Revolutionary War. I guess we're going to have, just have to go there. If we get, we can't get anybody on the phone for us now. We, I we, know. We I know. Let me put that on my calendar. Yeah. Call Williamsburg. Or something. Um, call Williamsburg. They might actually call the Chamber of Commerce and just tell them we need somebody. Well, I got that very nice email back from the person who said someone will call you probably within a week. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't say which week. So <laughs> we have to forgive him. Okay, what else would you like? My baseball. Your baseball question. Okay, well, I thought this was pretty cool. And knowing your background information on baseball, you probably know this in a heartbeat. I thought it was pretty cool. Which player struck out only three times in one season, but two of them were in the same game? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh. Oh my would it be uh, Eddie Eddie Collins? No. Um. Eddie Gagado? No. I don't think I don't know, my dear. Was Joe Sewell? Sewell or Sewell? Sewell. 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 Okay. In the 1930 season. Wow. And he struck out only three times with 353 at-bats. Wow. Now that's a heck of a record. Yep. Good Good. I had two of them in the same game. <laughs> I mean, that's like the poor lady who got hit twice yep. in the foul ball. Yep. Once in their seat and once on her way out in an ambulance yep. stretcher. How many 
I, I don't, I don't. She should have played the lottery that day. That poor lady. What did hit it? And it was the same batter who hit her twice. Can you imagine? No. He should have played the lottery. What What the chance of that happening? Yeah. I I don't think anybody could. I, I don't think the the best odds makers or or pickers could have possibly come up with anything. It, it must be trillions, trillions, one in trillions for that to happen. Trillion, billion, zillion. Billions and billions. Gosh, I miss Carl, Carl Sagan. He was so good. He was our master astronomer and scientist, and he could explain anything going on in our universe in people terms. He was so wonderful. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's next? Uh, first lady quote. Your first lady quote. Do not put such unlimited power into the hands of the husbands. Remember, all men will be tyrants if they could. Barbara Bush. <laughs> I don't think she'd say that about tyrants. <laughs> Do you think she would? No. No, I just thought it might make you smile. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Although Barbara Bush has always been a person who's just sat there, I could never be like her. <laughs> and if she had an opinion on something, you heard it. you got to like a first lady who doesn't mind getting her in her... Uh, her bathrobe to walk around in the White House and talk with everybody no. in the morning, huh? No, I'm not going to dye my hair for you or anybody. <laughs> what you see is what you get. <laughs> and she said that. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Yeah. Oh, such a sweet lady. Okay, what's next? Oh, I guess still got to answer this puppy. Um. Oh, what did I ask you? Uh, you we said it wasn't Barbara oh, Bush. Oh, your quote, your quote. Okay, yeah, I yeah, already yeah. changed uh, the quote. Bet Truman. No. This one really surprised me. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, good grief. <laughs> Martha Washington. You're darn close. It was Abigail Adams. Oh, wow. On Adams' wife. Wow. And I, the collection that I found attributed to her very, very feminist, ahead of the suffragette movement. I mean, and that's really ahead of the suffragette movement. So anyway, no, Abigail Adams, can you imagine? All men would be tyrants if they could. Oh, my goodness, what a joy she must have been to live with for John. <laughs> I mean, really, think about it. John, John might have been a little interesting sometimes, huh? Maybe. Yeah. Life for him would be. Yeah. I mean, she was just so out of mainstream for that kind of a, of a lifestyle and that kind of thinking. So it, it surprised me that it was way back that far. I would have expected something like that much closer to Eleanor. Okay. But I mean, I don't think Eleanor would have said it while she was first lady. No, no. But anyway, okay, go ahead. What else? Uh, presidential quote? Your presidential quote. 
any man, this is from a sitting president, mind you, any man who wants to be president is either an egomaniac or crazy. Jimmy Carter. No, <laughs> but you're right. He would say, he always, he's, he was such a joy to, yeah. you know, what's Jimmy said today? Yeah. Uh, Frank and John Roosevelt. No. I mean, a guy who ran for a fourth term? Yeah. Well, he had the ego part. And incidentally, this was the anniversary of his attempt to expand the Supreme Court. Ah, it's packed the house. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Nope. Mm. This one really blow you away. Richard Tricky Dick Nelson. <laughs> no. <laughs> Richard Tricky Dick who? <laughs> well, Did you say Nelson? Yeah, I said Nelson. It, it wasn't <laughs> going right. Well, that, that's okay. It's late. <laughs> We'll, we'll forgive you for that. It was Dwight Eisenhower. Well, great, great. And great I mean, he, he ran for a second term and was elected. Yeah. How how can you sit there and say, gee, I fought tooth and nail, I like Ike, to get here, and then say any man who wants to be president is either an egomaniac or crazy? Which one is he? I guess both, huh? I don't know. I never considered him either one. No, I don't think so. I mean, we've we've had presidents with big egos, but uh, he he's not someone I would categorize like that. That's true. Oh well. Anyway, okay. So you've got a presidential question, and it looks like that might be the only thing left. Yep. No, it's the only thing left. That's it. Okay. During his time in office, <laughs> I love this one. Which president played golf, played poker twice a week, followed baseball and boxing, and sneaked off to burlesque shows? Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> oh, dear me. No. Richard Nixon. <gasps> Walden. Wash your mouth out. Now, you know, that's really interesting. He, he was a Quaker, mm-hmm. and they had some pretty stringent lifestyle and life um, principles mm-hmm. that people are expected to follow. So something like this would have been way out of line with those beliefs and those, um, I don't want to call them rules. What are they? Oh, standards. You know, I mean. Standards, yeah. yeah. And they, they would be, and, and very much. Uh, they would be committed to writing, and each person in the Quaker community would be expected to do that. I don't know what was restricted, but I I kind of think burlesque shows would have been <laughs> on the list. Well, <laughs> it, it really actually depends on what kind of burlesque shows. Mm-hmm. Because remember, there were two different types. It's the one that That's we correct. all the the one that we all think about, you know, with the striptease. With a strip tease and the girly shows. Right. But now, the other, I'm, I'm looking... But the other were where Alvin Costell came and was right. for family entertainment. Straight entertainment yeah. and family family yeah. friendly. Yeah. But we, the word, the word sneaked off, he sneaked off to burlesque shows, makes me think that maybe it wasn't well, strictly entertainment well, side. Well, yeah, but, you know, it... it yeah, it, but... It, yeah, but... but it, it, Einstein can go like time for beanie, you know. 
What can I say? Now you 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 just helped me with that correlation. Here. <laughs> give give me just give me a little bit of a help. Well, he snuck off to watch Time for Beanie and Sticky Pie. Uh, snuck off to. You know, bit. Time for Beanie and Burlesque. Uh, I don't I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, I I think you're stretching for this poor man. Who was it? Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's make an agreement. Let's not hammer the the, the Clintons until after the election. <laughs> oh, gee. Or the nomination. He, he, even. he, he was a president, wasn't he? Nothing yeah. wrong about making one of our presidents, right? That's, that's true. Everybody else is. <laughs> okay. It sounds good, doesn't it? Pardon? It sounds it good. It sounds good? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know... It's really terrible to say, but yeah, it it was a logical answer. <laughs> anyway, and, and getting back to Richard Nixon, remember he was he was quite a card player in World War Two. Nixon? Oh yeah. He, I thought a, it was it was one of the other guys who bet the, the he, White House China. Which one bet the White House China and lost? I don't remember that one, but see, I I understand that Richard. May have been this one. Richard won a big pot. During World War Two, in a poker game, I think it really helped get off his career. I did not oh know yeah. that. Oh yeah, that's, that's well, I'm thinking that this guy is the one who, because they played played golf and poker twice a week, I think it's this guy who lost in the White House China. I just can't believe he ran out of stuff to bet, and he bet the White House China. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh! Well, Kenyon Packing told his wife. Kenyon Packing his wife. Henry, where's the China? I thought we were gonna have the Churchills over for dinner. <laughs> yes, we're, we're having guests for dinner. What are we going to eat? <laughs> 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 oh, bring him into the kitchen. We'll yeah. take care of him. Hey, Martha, just tell him to bring out paper plates tonight. We're gonna be. We're gonna eat uh, non, uh, you know, unconventional or whatever. You know, uh -huh. informal. Uh, just tell him it's a, it's a cooked night off or eating with paper plates. Hmm. I'm going to have to look this one up. Yeah, paper plates. That yeah. would make it. Would you, the, the really high-class Dixie plates. That's right. This is good. I don't know, my dear. You got me. Warren Harding. Oh, wow. And I believe, I'm, I just ran a search, um... On, and, and so much stuff came up. I, you, I put in China. If you put in White House, you get everything as well. Um, but before we say goodnight, I want you to know that I got, about an hour ago, something that has spooked me. I mean, the, every day there's something on the Internet that will spook you. I got an email from Google. That says, top suggested Google pages for you, Florida. So there are some sites that require a first name and a last name, and I'll put in Florida, and then the last name is Ryder. Right. <clears throat> so somewhere they picked up that this email address belongs to someone who has entered the name Florida. And I opened it, and it reflects places I have been in the last week. I mean, it is just darn scary that I mean it, it's like um, Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination 
I watched on Thursday night the Democratic debate. So that one ties in there. Um, Adobe Acrobat. I have been fussing around trying to get an older version of Adobe because I made a mistake of downloading a newer version, and they've got crud all over the page. They've got just wide borders and and commands and a toolbar. This is on my, you know, on on my PDF file. I was having a computer show this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And there's a way you can get, there's a way you can have them not track it. And it to me what it says, what they do, the website drop a cookie into your browser. Oh, I know that. Yeah. yeah and the way you can, there's a way you can, uh, if you go into uh, undercover mode or private mode, then they mm-hmm. can't track. They can't track you. It's not an option that I have. I have an option to click tell websites not to track me, mm-hmm. but there is no respect for that limitation yet. But, I mean, it, it's it's from Google. My gosh. You know, I mean, it is really scary. Yeah. Oh, man. See? Homeland Security. Always <laughs> behave yourself. <laughs> Always behave, but I had to say that. I mean, that just that rattles me when I see something like that. That the whole world can be inside my computer. That's true. <sighs> okay, I have cried. I have opined. <laughs> I have <laughs> begged for mercy. <laughs> I've given you everything from my soul about Super Bowl that you could ever possibly know or never wanted to know, but listened anyway. Um, what's left? Should we say goodnight? I think so. I'm going to get in trouble if I stay any longer. <laughs> <laughs> All yes. right. Patricia and I okay. are going to talk to everybody next Saturday to get it. Mm-hmm. So you want to say And I'm glad so many people found us. Yes. And if you communicate with other people who normally listen to the show, please remind everybody that... No matter where you are, you can always get to us if you go to the yesterdayusa.com website. There are many other ways that you can listen, but that one is a sure thing. Amen. So I have to say goodnight to everybody. Thank you for being with us and for hanging in there. You have a great day tomorrow. Have a safe week, and we will be back on Saturday. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. We love you all very much out there. I'll call you back in a little bit. I'm going to save all the files. JAWS Professional Skype Trademark Dash Update Upgrade.